Nick Lowe, Cruel to be Kind. Welcome to Poker Fraud Alert Radio, the Druff and Friends show. And yeah, that's, that song, by the way, Cruel to be Kind, could be used to describe the way the forum members have been treating me recently. Because uh, they, they, that's the way they feel. They feel that they have to be cruel to be kind to me. They, if there's something they don't like about the forum, about the radio show, they let me know it. But... Uh, if you watch the video of this, this is from 1979, this song. And uh, MTV didn't exist yet in 1979. So music videos weren't produced back then. So anything you see that's a video before, like, 1981, I believe, uh, was not made expressly to be a music video. This music video is really strange because it was actually recorded at uh, the lead singer's wedding. And they were actually kind of singing it during the, uh, during the wedding. And it's real footage from the real wedding. And somehow that became a music video. Somehow they knew that they were recording this to later be a video before videos existed. It's really odd. Go watch it. Anyway, uh, we have a co-host on tonight. If you're looking for Brandon Drexel Gerson, you might have guessed by now, since it's called the Druff and Friends show, that he won't be here tonight. But uh, do not abandon hope yet. He might appear 
But in the meantime, we have a different co-host who has not uh, left this show yet. Calwatt, hello. How you doing, Druff? So it's been a little while since we've had you here, what, like a, a, month, a month or so? Yeah, I mean, you were doing some late-night shows that were just that were just killing me. <laughs> this is kind of a late-night show, too. This one's beginning at uh, a little after 8.30. Right now it's 8.45 Pacific Time on December 1st, 2016. So for you out there in New York, of course, it's getting close to midnight already. And uh, next week, next week on Wednesday, I know I always say this, but next week on Wednesday we'll probably be back to the regular time, regular day. And, I'll believe it when I see it. Yeah, we've. Uh, <laughs> I mean, the sh- I'll, I'll be honest here, and I'll, I'm going to explain this shortly. The show has been hurting a little bit because of this, because the schedule has been so erratic. Something I always criticized certain TV programs I liked for was that, uh, or not so much the programs, but the networks carrying them, was that when they would jump around on the schedule, they couldn't get a solid following and would be canceled before their time. This happened yep. to a number of shows. Uh, Futurama had this happen to it. Uh, WKRP in Cincinnati had this happen to it. A number of shows that uh, you know, were semi-successful could have done better if they were on consistently and not preempted and moved around all the time. But uh, yeah, that's that's the number one thing about producing content is that you do it on a regular basis. Yeah, you know that, so, that's that's how it works. Yeah, so this show has uh, not been consistently on its time slot now. In my defense, most of the listeners listen in the archive, so it doesn't matter as much to them. But still, I, I like to have the live listeners catching this consistently, and I know a lot of them can't make it or, or don't even know the show's on when it's jumping around. But uh, hopefully we'll return to that. Uh, so I want to give an update tonight regarding the show and why it's been jumping around. There's actually been a number of reasons for that, but why it's been jumping around and what's going on with Brandon. So I started this off saying it's the Druff and Friends show. It was called the Druff and Drexel show for quite some time. It's been the Druff and Friends show before. Uh, basically, the Druff and Friends show is the name of the show when uh, my co-hosts have decided to abandon me. <laughs> uh, I mean, that's, that's really true. That's That's what I do when there's no set co-host that's what it's called and and then we get a, a revolving door of co-hosts uh, such as yourself and uh i feel like chicken feed now <laughs> you can, well one day you can you can elevate yourself to be the uh the permanent guest co-host like daredevil was one day you know? yeah you hurt my feelings i'm like a girlfriend that you bring to the dance just to make your your real girlfriend jealous no not know? not so much it's more, more like you're the girlfriend i bring when nobody else will go with me <laughs> that's even worse <laughs> Oh man, it's like bringing your sister to a dance. No, I'll be honest here. When I when I um, when I was thinking about tonight, I go, "Well, Brandon's not going to be on tonight." And I'm going, "I, I got to do this myself." And I go, "Oh, you know what? I'm going to ask Calwatt." You know, I I was looking forward to doing a show with Calwatt. I said, I "He hasn't been on in a little while, and this is a perfect time to have him when I, I'm by myself." And I actually looked forward to the show a lot more, knowing that uh, you were probably going to be here. So I hope that makes I, you feel I, a bit better. I, I appreciate that, but I know that I know the truth. Be honest with me, Druff. If, if uh, Drexel says he's coming on, I don't get that call, right? No, no, no. We, we're gonna, we're, we're uh, no. We're happy to have you as the third host, anyway. I'm just saying it's. Uh, I will say your role is more important when he's not here. That, that I will say. I will say that's uh, it's more essential at that point. But uh, anyway, here's what's been going on. Uh, a few things have been happening that uh, I've just had scheduling issues from my life were just 
Wednesday night just hasn't been working out. And uh, the past week, the reason I was not there was because I was on vacation. I couldn't have done the show because I was actually on a cruise ship. And while I I had the internet there, uh, it's obviously not good enough to be doing a radio show, nor would I want to do a show from a cruise ship. I, I actually have participated in a show or participated in a show before from a cruise ship about five years ago is this like a jamie gold thing were you the the host of a poker room on some ship or no no see what happens is uh caesars if you're seven stars member you get this cruise it's not free but it's heavily discounted and and you know i i can't pass up anything that's heavily discounted so, so you weren't on there, you know, beating up geriatrics at Limit Hold'em or anything? No. In fact, I, I wanted to, but the, they couldn't even get a poker <laughs> game going. The, the break was so ridiculously high, and I knew this going in, that like people didn't even want to play, which I, I, I didn't either because the rake was so high. But uh, anyway, I was I was on that cruise. I, that was the, I do this once a year. This was the week we chose to do it this year. And, yeah, I take Benjamin. I, I take my girlfriend, and uh, we, we go on the, this cruise. We go somewhere different each time. This this time we went to the Caribbean, and I know you're not going to feel sorry for me here, but uh, after I came back from the Caribbean, we were so warm, and the low is like 78 degrees, and the water is like 84 degrees. And then I came back, and uh, where I am right now, it is about uh, 44 degrees. Yeah, my heart bleeds for you. We had a snowstorm here already, okay? Yeah, but of course, he's he's in upstate New York, so he's uh, 44 is, is like uh, the summer day over there. That's t-shirt weather. Yeah. So, But it, it's it's a contrast. You know, you, uh, you, you get used to something for a week and a half, because we also spent a few days in, in Puerto Rico before that. So you get used to something, and you just neglect the fact that you're coming back to what's essentially winter, even though it's not technically winter yet. So. Yeah, some things are hard to get used to. I spent time in Central America and Southeast Asia, and I'll tell you, man, the, the humidity and the heat in those areas of the world, it's really hard to get used but what, to. But what time of year were you there? I, I've been there at all different times, both the rainy season and the dry season. And the only difference is, I mean, actually, the rainy season's a little bit better. Well, I, I, it's buggier, but the rain cools it off. Yeah, see, I, I hate all these humid areas in the summer. Like, like I would never go to Florida in the summer or... Uh, or any of these, or Hawaii in the summer, or any of these Caribbean islands in the summer. But in the winter, yes, it's humid, and, but it's not unbearable to me. Like I can. Well, at the equator, there is no summer. Well, I'm not <laughs> talking. Know? Actually, I was on the equator once, and it really was brutal. Yeah, <laughs> it was. But I, I mean, like I wasn't that close to the equator here. The, cl- the closest I was to the equator was in Barbados, but that's still fairly far from it. Yeah, you got to. You still get a little bit of a seasonal there, but some of these countries that are right on or near the equator. I mean, literally, they they have the rainy season and the dry season, and there's no concept of summer or winter. Yeah, I was I was there in '93. I was in Indonesia on the equator, and it was uh, it was really, really, really like the humidity was terrible. It was very, very hot, and the worst thing was I was in like a village that had no AC and no ice. Ugh. And the no ice thing, you don't really know, you don't really think about it until there just there isn't any there. Especially in a place that's so hot, and they just—it was a backward village that didn't have it. So it was interesting to see. It was like really being part of a a legitimate uh, little village there on the equator, not not like a touristy thing. But uh, yeah, I know some people from Southeast Asia, and they they shower like a number of times a day, and I never figured it out until I actually went there, and I just realized that they they got in that habit because they just stepped outside the door, and boom! I mean, they're sweating. 
Yeah. <laughs> you know, they really have to shower in the morning and at night because otherwise it's just nasty. Yeah, I'm surprised. I mean, it's hard to stand. It's imagine I was there for one day, but it was hard for me to imagine the 365 days a year. It's like that with no air conditioning, no no ice, no refrigeration. Like it's, <laughs> it's, oh, that's it's like, like in in some of those countries. I mean, I, I know you can live, but it's kind of like living in uh, in upstate New York without heating in your house. You know, you really yeah. need AC in yeah. some of those places. I mean, Definitely. It's, just, it's almost a necessity. Yeah. So. Anyway, uh, th- that's what's been going on. So last week I was uh, I was gone, and it, it it fell at the right time because, uh, as I like to say with the show, they can't all be winners. And two weeks ago, uh, the November fifteenth show was the worst show we had all year. It, it it was a bad show. There were there were a few issues with it. it started really late at night. Uh, I, I had a drunk co-host who was interrupting me constantly. I mean, he he tried, but he was uh, he was too smashed. I can't do that anymore. Like anytime someone's going to be really really drunk, I at most, I can have them on here for a few minutes, and that's got to be it. But I, I was too patient because it was late at night, and I kind of felt, uh, I guess I was kind of more forgiving, and I was, I wanted a co-host here, so I just kind of put up with it for a while. <laughs> and then and then by the second half, the second half, someone else called in, Nutty007, a guy from England, and uh, and he was fine. The, the problem with Nutty, though, or not his problem, the problem was by the time he came on, I was so tired. I, for some reason, I was really tired that night, so... Uh, Sisop, who co-hosts here sometimes, described me as low energy, you know, just like Jeb Bush. And I, and I, I, I was insulted at first, but then I went back and listened. I go, crap, I was, I was low energy. He's right. <laughs> so I hope that doesn't happen tonight. I don't think it will. I started that one really late, and then like I, I just like felt like I hit a wall, and I was just exhausted, and I, I went through the agenda. But the, the whole there was really other than one like mildly amusing Colonel Fabersham call. It was it was a crappy show. And I was like, oh this is this is what I gotta go away doing. Like that's the last thing we did. Like if if I die in a plane crash, this will be the last thing I'm remembered for. I'm like, oh, crap. That's <laughs> I wanted a better show here before I go off, but didn't happen. Hopefully tonight will be better. Now as far as Brandon, Brandon Drexel Gerson, for those of you that don't know, I'm sure most of you do, he is the second host of this show. And uh, he's expressed some concerns recently about things he's unhappy with. This, this, it's similar to like being in a band. It really is doing one of these radio shows. Because uh, at first everything's all good and everybody's all happy and you kind of overlook things that are annoying each other. And, th- and then as time passes, nerves start to fray. And uh, eventually there's talk of going solo and, and you you know how that all goes. So... Uh, Brandon expressed some things he was unhappy about, and uh, I- I'm not going to go into all of them here. But but the basic thing is that uh, Brandon and I both like to talk a lot, and we also have different things that we have an interest in as far as the show. There's some overlap of what, what, where we have interest, but then uh in, in some cases there isn't so we, we've got to make that all kind of coexist and work and and when it does it's really good and everyone loves it uh when it doesn't then everyone gets frustrated especially me and brandon so uh brandon posted a message how he's quitting but he he hasn't officially quit and so what i told him today we're still discussing we we had a lot of texts back and forth today about the show what I told him today is I said I'm going to change the title to Druff and Friends. There's no point to keep calling it Druff and Drexel when he's not here. It just confuses the listeners. So it'll be Druff and Friends, and while we're still talking about whether 
he's going to come back and whether we're going to be uh, modifying a few things to make both of us happier or whether we'll just decide, you know, we just can't really do it and he'll do his own show maybe on Poker Fraud Alert, maybe not. Uh, that part would be up to him. He, he's welcome to do it on Poker Fraud Alert if he does his own show. And so I'll, I'll let you guys know. But uh, you'll, you'll hear him in some way. Even if he's not back on this show, he'll be doing his own show. And uh, and I, I told him today I'm not going to suppress him advertising his new show, whether it's on Poker Fraud Alert or not. Uh, he's welcome to let people know where he is if he does leave. But I, I hope it doesn't come to that. I hope he actually stays, and I hope we can come to terms with everything. And there's certain things that uh, we have to work out. And it's, these aren't things related to anything personal. You know, The funny thing is we're still friends. And it's just about doing the radio show together that we've just got to kind of work out to where uh, everything proceeds more smoothly between us on, on the show. So that's, uh, you know, I'm just being honest with you guys. That's what's going on. And, and we are talking, though. Today we talked about uh, a lot back and forth in text related to show matters. And I would say progress was made. In the meantime, it's going to be the Druff and Friend show. And... Uh, if Brandon does come back, we, we will still have uh, guest hosts like uh, like Hal Watt joining us, uh, either as a third host or as a second host if one of us can't make it. Yeah, if I can if I can say, Druff, I think you guys work great together. Now, I realize that you guys want to talk about different stuff, but that's one of my favorite things about the show is kind of the eclectic mix and, you know, some of the playful tension between you guys about, you know, he tunes out when some of the poker stuff goes on, so... <laughs> You know, I, I hope he. Uh, I hope he decides to uh, to stay on. Yeah, and, and it it is better when both of us are here. That's, there's no doubt about that. In fact, we there's samples of both sides of this. Uh, when I left Donk Down, and um, yeah, I just wasn't there anymore. People were a lot of people expressed a lot of frustration that the show wasn't as good anymore. They didn't like it anymore once I was gone. Uh, I've had complaints on the other end when Brandon's off this show for periods of time that it's much better when he's here and that they, they're upset that he's not here. When's he coming back? It's it's so much funnier, so much better when he's here. So we, we've seen it both ways. We've seen it with him without me, and, and it wasn't as good. And we've seen it with me without him, and it wasn't as good. So, uh, so yeah, I, that's why I, I really want this to work out. I mean, it would be easier to say, be easier on our friendship to just say, you know what, well, this is kind of causing a little tension here. Why don't we just... Uh, each do our own show and forget it. But I, I don't want to give up on it because it uh, the listeners all love it when we're together. So that's, yeah, you guys are like yin and yang, and you know <laughs> peanut butter and jelly, and you know it just works. It does, and that was you know when when I started Poker Fraud Alert back in uh, early 2012, Brandon contacted me and said, you know what, I you know he had just had his falling out with uh, Donk Down as well, and and Brandon said, you know, I'd like to do radio with you. I think we do radio really well together i think we have very good chemistry on there and i said i agree so we uh we plan to do that and we did so brandon has left before he's uh left and come back left and come back but i'm, I'm hoping this will not be a, a long absence but uh i'll let you guys know you know we're not going to bs people here we're not going to pretend nothing is is happening we're not going to put on uh a show either uh we're not going to pretend like it's worse than it is and we're not going to pretend like it's better than it is so the show is just about telling it like it is and being straightforward so we're doing that 
Yeah, I mean, who the hell am I going to send into the middle of Harlem to get a slushy? If he's yeah, I know. That's, I was thinking about that. I was thinking yeah. that today. Like knowing you were going to come on and go, oh, there's there's no one you could send out to <laughs> go do dangerous errands. Like he, I know you're not leaving your house for anything. No, so. no, no, no. But I, and not only <laughs> I, I, I won't and can't. Like uh, even if I wanted to, then no one would run the show. Okay, so let me. Uh, Can you call into your own show? I, I I couldn't call into my own show because no nobody could answer it. There has well, to be someone here to answer. Answer and then leave. Well, yes, I but then I couldn't take phone calls. <laughs> I, I I could do yes, I could call into my show and then just put everything down and talk on the phone. But you know what would be the worst though is if I got disconnected on my cell phone and then I just can't call back into my own show. Because there's no one to answer oh my God. it, and I know that would happen too. I know I would get cut. I'd be and I'd be so tilted about that. I I'd be furious. Like like picture me like 15 miles, 20 miles from home, and I'm cut, and I know there's just nothing I can do. I have to wait <laughs> until I drive 20 miles back to get back on my own show. I I just feel so helpless. It'd be the worst. Okay, so uh, let, let let me give you the agenda tonight, and uh, then we will get going. But you know, I'm serious. Everything I said about Brandon, I really hope he comes back, and uh, I, I think everybody does. There's, uh, yeah, for sure, for sure. Okay, so let's uh, let's go over to the uh, agenda here. Oh, before the agenda, let me uh, quickly give the intro here. We have a free roll tonight that started two minutes ago, but don't worry, you can get in by late registration with a full stack. I'm gonna I'm gonna try and win one of these damn uh, things. Next uh, 23 minutes, you can get in. It's no limit holding. Fifty dollars. Actually, I think it's seventy dollars because I think some someone sent twenty more dollars. A Hoosier A said he sent twenty dollars, so I'm going to believe him. He seems like a stand-up guy, so I'm going to say it's seventy dollars. And but I actually donated. Would you believe I actually donated to the free roll this week, thinking we only had forty dollars, and I just I couldn't bring myself to say forty dollars. And bad guy was trying to shame me about it, so I actually donated ten dollars to the free roll. Now, Druff, I'm not saying that I'm trying to, you know, condone collusion or anything like that. But if I if I win, if I cash in this tournament, I will donate ten times whatever I win to the next one. Wow! So if anyone wants to chip dump to me, you wow. know, it make me feel good about myself. So I'm when, not when, saying that that should happen. So when but, you win, you actually lose. Well, yeah. I mean, you know, it's uh, I'll, I'll feel good about myself. Okay, though. that's, that's I've, I've played in like four of these things. I haven't cashed in a damn one. That's the most important thing. So here's so it's gonna be seventy dollars this week. That's fifty. It'll be seventy. I believe a Hoosier A sent money. If anybody else sent money, I will hold it to next week. But I, I saw a Hoosier a was was messaging me that he sent money. So first uh, place is seventy dollars. No, 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 no. The first place oh, will be. I was gonna f- say I'm gonna try to lose. No, no. <laughs> <laughs> first place is gonna be thirty five dollars. Second place. Will be uh, eighteen dollars. I'm gonna have to remember this somehow. Uh, third place will be ten dollars, and fourth place will be seven. So thirty-five, eighteen, ten, and seven are the prizes tonight on the seventy-dollar free roll on the No Fraud Online Poker Room, which you can find near the top of the screen on PokerFraudAlert.com. You cannot play unless you have a separate account there, and you also have to be in good standing on the forum. If you don't have a forum account, guess what? You can't play. Because you have to be in good standing there f- for at least three weeks. Check out all the rules. PokerFraudAlert.com slash free roll. PokerFraudAlert.com slash free roll. That's the rules as far as winning the free money. It is completely free, though. Not even any play chips will leave your stack to go play that. You can play it completely free. Started at 9 p.m. Pacific. 25 minutes of late registration. No limit hold'em. The money came from Willie McFML. Gave 10 bucks. Trader Ruski, 10 bucks. SMI Florida, one of our most frequent contributors from, 
I believe Broward County in Florida. He's uh, gave twenty bucks. A Hoosier A gave twenty dollars, and I gave ten dollars, and it hurt. It hurt. Yeah, you know, I just it feels weird to give money to the free roll. I've just counted on you guys doing it for me, and now I'm like, oh, it was so hard. I just I just felt like my wallet was lightning. But oh, uh, cobwebs come out when you open that. Thing yeah, up? It, it did. It was. Uh, I was like, wait a minute. I'm giving ten dollars, and I'm not getting anything for it. It just it's just going away. I'm, I lose money on the site as it is. Like I'm so upset. I'm going. God, you know this. <laughs> like here, here every month I'm paying this bill to keep the site running, and you know there's no money coming in. A, well, I shouldn't say there's no money. There's a little money coming in. We have uh, a, a very little amount of money coming in that uh, doesn't even manage to break even for the site. But I, I'm actually I was thinking about this today when I was driving, and I said, you know, I, I'm going to start pursuing sponsors, and I, I think I know the way I'm going to do it. I'm going to pursue sponsors by looking up defunct podcasts and radio shows and and listening to them and finding what sponsors they had and contacting those sponsors and saying, hey, you know, we've got a show here that uh, probably has a better <laughs> listenership than, than was before. And I'm not stealing anyone's sponsors because these shows are defunct. I'm not even going to steal sponsors. I'm just going to it's, – it's like picking from the dead. It's, it's, I'm like a, a, a sponsor for uh, It's like in the bar. To find the drunkest girl. <laughs> yeah, that's kind of like that too. I, I kind of see myself as like a sponsorship vulture. You know, I just I just uh, I swoop down on the dead shows. I was really thinking that's a good idea to do because these are sponsors that have shown they're willing to do it. And a lot of these were fail shows, to be honest. I'm not going to name any of these, but a lot of these were fail shows that I think almost no one listened to. And 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 I I think that these sponsors vastly overpaid too. So I'm going to approach the sponsors and go, look, my my rates are very reasonable, which they are. It's it's not going to be expensive to advertise here. And, uh, you know, I'm not doing this to make a living. It's, it's really mainly a hobby for me, but I, I would like to stop losing money here. That would be nice. And, uh, you know, I, you, you advertise on these shows before. This one's been established for almost five years and has a, a very loyal audience that hopefully hasn't abandoned us after our um, schedule shenanigans. So yeah, I, if I were these sponsors, I would advertise on this show after the crap that they were choosing to advertise on. Uh, this is a much better option than some of the places they were advertising in. And I have a feeling a lot of these crappy shows were overcharging them big time. But I, I'm not going to come after shows that are living shows, that are uh, producing new episodes and steal their sponsors. I I could, but I, I, I don't want to do that. I don't think it's nice. So Anyway, I, that really is a, a real plan, though. I was thinking of that today. I'm going, you know what? Why shouldn't I have some ads here? Like, I'm not going to run anything shady, but, you know, something that is beyond reproach. Why shouldn't I get some money here? Why shouldn't I at least not lose money on this every month? Not that I can't afford it. I just, you know, the Jewish side of me was coming out, and I was, especially, you know, donating $10 to my own free roll. I'm going, you know what? I'm going to get a sponsor here. So, okay, uh, here's the uh, call in number. If you want to call into the show, the number, as always, 775-FRAUD-55, 775-372-8355 is the phone number. You can also text that phone number at any time, 24 hours a day, seven days a week. If I am awake, I will respond to you. I really do respond on that number, and I will respond to you live on the air during the show if you text me, and uh, unless you ask me not to read it. So I see Scott from the East Coast texted me that he's in he's in a run a rundown town called Atlantic City playing online. That's what he's doing right now. That's uh, 
I know he he got married fairly recently, and I know I know he's very happy with his wife, and uh, and I, I see a lot of that on Facebook from him. And uh, I wonder where she is when he's in Atlantic City by himself. Like, did she does she come along with him while he plays uh, online poker in Atlantic City, or is this like a trip by himself? I don't know. Uh, I I feel funny when I'm like somewhere on vacation or even just on a trip, even if it's not a vacation, and I'm playing online poker there. I just kind of feel weird. Like, online poker kind of feels like a thing I should do more at home. So, anyway, uh, that's the main phone number, 775-372-8355. It's also the text number. You can also call the Mount Charleston line. The Mount Charleston line is an old 70s rotary telephone that sits on top of Mount Charleston, which is a mountain near Las Vegas. It is well below freezing on Mount Charleston tonight. Uh, I believe it's uh, 23 degrees there right now, last I checked. So uh, the the phone is bundled up, and it does work. 702-430-1808 is the phone number. 702-430-1808 is the separate line into the show if you are having trouble getting through on the main line. But if I don't answer, don't panic. Just call back in like 15 minutes. I just don't answer all the calls because sometimes we're in the middle of things and we don't feel like taking calls. There is the call to listen line, which is now more than a year old. The call to listen line is a phone number that is dedicated to playing this show. That's all that phone number does is it's a phone number that just plays this show, whether it's live, like right now, or when we're not live, it plays a random show as if it's live. It streams a random show from the past, from our more than 200 episode library. And then when that show's over, then it goes on and picks another one at random and plays it. So that number is 712-775-8162. It's located in a small town called Carroll, Iowa. It's in a small shack, this uh, call to listen line. But it does work. 712-775-8162. And it will never be busy. I, I paid for a lot of different incoming lines into this thing. So it uh, it can handle the massive traffic that it gets. So the best thing about the call to listen line is that it's very easy and it does not ever freeze. It doesn't buffer. You don't need the internet. You don't need a data plan. It doesn't waste your data. If you do have a data plan, all you need is a phone that can dial. Won't use up even one byte of your data. And if you're in an area with a bad cell phone reception, then this is really good to use because uh, it won't freeze up. It's much easier to call a number on a cell phone in a bag with a bad signal than it is to use data with a bad signal. So I recommend it. 712-775-8162. If you want to text Brandon and give him some words of encouragement to come back, his text number is 203-299-2436. 203 if you forget these phone numbers, some are not easy to remember, just go to the radio page on PokerFraudAlert.com. There's a radio tab there near the top of the screen, and you will see all of these numbers, every single one of them, listed. So it's easy. You can chat in the chat room during the show if you're listening live, otherwise nobody's there. Mainly you'll be talking to other listeners, though I will occasionally look at the chat room, such as right now. Snowtrack said, wow, money running low. I think he's afraid that I'm going broke and that I'm uh, having to resort to sponsors. It's not true, but, you know, I am Jewish. I just, I think every so often about how this thing loses money. It's frustrating. 
Uh, Larry Laffer says, I asked for a, a Bitcoin address and Druff never got back to me. He wanted to donate to the free roll, but it, it is true. I've, I was in a place I couldn't give it to him and then I forgot. Sorry, Larry, and I, I appreciate your willingness to, to donate. And uh, Desert Explorer, who I know actually worked in Mount Charleston at some point, he said, I can man the Mount Charleston telephone. That's really true. He really worked up there at some point. So, okay, let's uh, go to the agenda here. Uh, there's not really much of a top story this week. Nothing huge happened in the last two weeks, even though it's been two weeks since we did the show. Nothing huge has happened. But I think what we're going to talk about first here will be Poker News reporter and editorialist Martin Derbyshire or Derbyshire, I think is the name. He quit after a bad reaction to his article criticizing professional poker. So he criticized professional poker in an editorial, got scathing responses on Twitter. People already hated him before because of a fight he had with Kate Hall on Twitter back in July, and uh, they were very vicious towards Martin Derbyshire. I think more than he deserved, but... Uh, He's now left Poker News. Poker News uh, removed the article, and now he's gone. So we'll talk about that. Brian Hastings is back in the news. Brian Hastings, he of the many scandals, including a fairly recent multi-accounting scandal, has decided that he's quitting playing poker full-time, and he's going to focus his time and energy on selling tea. That's... It's a good transition to go from professional poker to selling tea. How, how do you really get into that business? How do you get into just, you know, I'm just done. I'm going to sell tea now. People are going to come to, I'm the tea guy. Now, when people think of buying tea, they're going to think of Brian Hastings. That, that, that's what he's going to do. We'll talk about that. I'll read from his latest blog where he does reveal some interesting things about his life. Maybe true, maybe not. Well, remember when Daredevil on this show predicted, he said he heard a rumor that MGM will start charging for parking in Las Vegas. Not just the MGM Grand, but MGM properties, including Bellagio, including New York, New York, and including uh, Mirage and Aria. So he said that's going to happen. And people mocked him. People said, Daredevil, you're a fool. You don't know what you're talking about. They will never charge for parking in Vegas. That's just something they will not do. He was proven right. They started to charge for parking at MGM properties. Well, Caesars was watching closely. They didn't say, we're not going to ever charge. They never used this as a marketing gimmick. They didn't say, hey, MGM charges you to park. We don't. They, they kept quiet. So people wondered, is Caesars perhaps watching how this works out? And if there's not enough of a backlash, will they do it too? Well, the answer is yes. Caesars and... Win Properties, that is the Win and Encore, both within a day of each other, decided that they are going to start charging for parking. The days of free parking on the Strip are numbered. Speaking of Vegas casinos, there's been a lot that have opened and closed over the years. Vegas changes more quickly than any large or medium city in the United States. In fact, probably more than any city in the United States. And 
it's sometimes easy to lose track of how many casinos are opening and closing. And just since the year 2000, I'm going to give you a list of all the different closed or renamed Vegas casinos in these past 16 years. And this was not my research. We have a, a user here who's shown up recently. I believe he's a radio listener. I think his name is like uh, Alpha2143. But he's uh, this guy's very interesting. He's uh, apparently a big fan of Las Vegas and someone who's uh, very knowledgeable about uh, Vegas trivia. And uh, he collects uh, Vegas chips. Yeah, it's Alpha1243. He's made a lot of interesting posts in the casino in Las Vegas area of our forum. And he's the one who put together this list, and I thought this would be interesting for our show to read and discuss here, just to show you just how much has changed in Las Vegas in just 16 years. I mean, of course, a lot has changed in 50 years, but 16 years, you kind of think, well, probably a few changes, but nope. Would you believe 38 casinos have changed or closed since the year 2000? So that's, uh, we'll discuss those when we get to that segment. Uh, let's see what we got here. I already lost the agenda. That's not a good sign. Uh, the Vegas NHL team that is, uh, coming, it now has a name. We'll discuss that. Antigua. They have had a long-standing feud with the U.S. over their online gambling sites. Basically, they say their online gambling sites should be legal in the U.S., and the U.S. is uh, violating free trade by making it illegal. I think that's kind of a flimsy argument, but they actually won a World Trade Organization ruling a while ago, many years ago, that was in their favor. I think it was like 10 years ago. But the U.S. just says, okay, we're not paying you. F you. (laughs) We're... What are you going to do about Antigua? What can Antigua, a tiny island nation, do to a large, powerful country like the U.S.? Well, pretty much nothing. And Antigua said, oh yeah, there is one thing we can do. If you don't pay us, we are going to start pirating your stuff. So soon Antigua will be the one-stop shop for pirated movies music, software, and anything else that's intellectual property in the U.S. that they can get a hold of. They're saying this is the way they're going to collect. So we'll talk about what's going on there. Antigua threatening the U.S. Former Poker Stars employee Paul Tate was sentenced for his role in the site before Black Friday for his uh, payment processing Shenanigans. We will talk about that. He is a he's no longer a PokerStars employee, but he was at the time when the bus came down on April fifteenth, two thousand eleven. DraftKings and FanDuel have officially agreed to merge into one daily fantasy sports super company. And then our general topics: Is Trump really draining the swamp like he promised, or is he appointing a lot of establishment politicians? Is he going back on what he said he would do? And is it good or bad that he's doing that? So talk a bit about that. And finally, a new collective bargaining agreement was made between Major League Baseball and the Players Association. And normally it would be a fairly boring topic for anyone except for real students of the game. But 
there's a number of fairly major changes that are coming to baseball in 2017 because of this collective bargaining agreement, and I actually agree with most of them. So we will talk about what some of those are. And that's at the end of the show, so this way if you don't like baseball, you can tune out. So let's uh, get started here with the Martin Derbyshire thing. Now, we got a flashback to July of 2016. Kate Hall who is a female professional tournament player and she she uh, she's very vocal on Twitter for the most part she's a social justice warrior type she's not completely insufferable but she she's definitely in that vein one of the social justice warriors who's always claiming yeah something's racist something's sexist blah 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 uh, she raised some eyebrows in July when she tweeted how happy she was to see her table was or not happy she was unhappy that she got moved from a table full of older white guys to a table full of pros she knew so people called her out immediately for being a hypocrite cuz how can someone who claims about uh, who claims that it the world is full of uh, racism and sexism and misogyny and everything else she complains about. And then she mocks someone for being older. She stereotypes an older poker player as someone who's bad. She's basically saying, this, these old guys at my table, I haven't played with them yet, but I, you know, I got moved right away. These guys must suck because they're old. And I got moved to the younger people, they're better. Now, the funny thing is this is probably true, but still... Someone who's always complaining about stereotyping shouldn't be saying something like that. That's hypocritical. So that was pointed out by several people who were critics of Kate Hall at the time. Martin Derbyshire, who is a poker news writer, was a poker news writer, he actually wrote something on poker news about it. He wrote an article or an editorial talking about how Kate Hall was hypocritical for doing that. And this started a huge flap where people felt that a poker news writer, even one giving opinions, should not be attacking poker players. Even if you, know, even if you agree with what he's saying, uh, people were saying that he shouldn't be doing that. This isn't his role. So be, there was a lot of instant hatred at that point for Martin Derbyshire. Even people who didn't like Kate Hall that much, some of them were pissed at him for doing this. I wasn't that bothered by it. If you're, if you're going to put yourself out there constantly and with, with a lot of controversial opinions, as Kate Hall does, and then you do something that is hypocritical, and then an opinion writer writes something negative about you in relation to that, then I think that's fair. And Poker News, just because it's called PokerNews.com, I don't think that prevents them from having an editorial section. So I, I didn't really find fault with that. Now, do you remember this whole thing, or did you not follow that? No, I actually didn't follow that. Okay. Well, it wasn't a huge story, but I remember it going down. We actually talked about it on the show. And I kind of forgot about it for a while. But a lot of people jumped all over Martin Derbyshire, and ever since then they were like out for his head. They just wanted to get him fired. They wanted him out of there. The, the Poker Pro community just didn't like him. The, the, I shouldn't say the community. The, the, the Poker Pros that were active on Twitter mostly did not like him. And, and part of that reason is that a lot of the active poker pros on Twitter are of the social justice warrior or left-wing variety, where, where they 
were the type who, who like everything. They like most of what Kate Hall has to say. So that also influenced it. That the, those particular people, there's, there's a lot of them on Twitter. It seems like the poker players who don't feel that way as much aren't as active on Twitter. So anyway, uh, so they've been pretty much gunning for his head for the last uh, five months. Well, Martin Derbyshire really got everyone mad now. If you think it was bad in July, he really got everyone pissed. Because he wrote an article criticizing professional poker. And and the lifestyle. I'll read you what he wrote. All right, so we're talking about the occupation, not the uh, the 2 plus 2 owner, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he is actually not an owner. He's like a blue mod over there, professional poker. Yeah, his, I think it's Mike. What is it? Uh, I forget his last name now. But he's like he's like a, a big suck up to Skolansky and Malmuth. Uh, the blue mod on two plus two professional poker. I know they sell books together, don't they? Yeah, he does. He has written or co-written some book there too. So here's here's the article. It's entitled "Poker is a game, not a career choice." Poker is a game, not a job, and it's certainly not a profession. You can already imagine the response to this, <laughs> just the first line. Most of those who choose to make a career out of something the rest of the working world does on evenings and weekends as a recreational pursuit aren't joining any kind of professional ranks. They are dropping out of society and choosing to live on the fringes. He's really trying to get everyone angry here. This is like a troll uh, editorial. There are exceptions, of course. The exceptionally skilled or lucky few who rise to tremendous success, develop a fan following, and become celebrities, endorse poker-related businesses, or accept sponsorships and a responsibility to promote the game can make a career out of it. Those who dedicate their time to teaching others how to get better at the game may be involved in something more akin to work as well. The rest of the professional poker-playing community is simply gambling for a living. They make few, if any, contributions to society. For the most part, these are relatively smart people who chose greed, laziness, and self-delusion as their path. They are otherwise capable of doing something a little more meaningful with their lives. Instead, they opt for a life with little in the way of structure, responsibility, or any of the hallmarks of traditional career choices. The poker industry bears little resemblance to major sports leagues around the world. And despite recent efforts to sportify the game, pro poker players aren't anything close to the professional athletes in the NBA, NFL, or even the PGA. Wow, he's, he's saying we're not even as good as golfers. <laughs> the economics of it are different. Poker is not the perfect embodiment of the entre- entrepreneurial spirit, nor is it an alternative investment opportunity. It's simply a game. Casinos have long been considered recession-proof businesses. Part of the reason is that in times of economic trouble, many unemployed people turn to alternative methods to make money. The propensity for people to try to gamble for a living keeps casinos afloat. A global economic downturn over the past decade may explain why so many people have started calling themselves professional poker players. With few job prospects and economic opportunities, they may have had no other choice. The truth is that most run out of money, backing or credit card with or credit within a few years and give it up, making way for a new crop of college dropouts and failed job seekers to replace them. Hmm. <laughs> it's only the truly sharp among them who quickly realize that there was nothing professional about the pursuit to begin with. So th- this really got, if you think just people were pissed about him criticizing Kate Hall, imagine the reaction to this one. And then they've been waiting to jump on his ass for a long time. Like the, I saw a whole series of tweets back in October bashing the guy. And this is way before this article was written. This just came out recently. So first of all, I, I think it was a stupid article. I mean, it, it's got a few grains of truth in it, but, 
uh, I can tell you, as someone who is not a huge name in poker, as someone who is not, not making lots of money on endorsements, I, I can't even run a website that makes money, uh, as someone who... Uh, I'm not endorsing poker-related businesses. I'm not uh, teaching people the game. And yet I, I haven't worked a regular job in over 13 years. So it's worked for me, and yet I'm I'm not in any of the categories he's describing. And I'm not a fluke. There are many others I know like me who are not huge names in poker, who aren't making money off sponsorships or not considered celebrities. But they quietly grind in a game that they've found themselves to have talent in. And they make uh, either enough money to support themselves or in some cases do very well and are actually uh, uh, making more money than they probably would have if they went forth with uh, the career they were originally planning upon. And he's correct. A lot of these people are smart. A lot of them could have had a career in something else. A lot of them have had careers in other fields, as I have. But he's pretty much saying you're either like a Daniel Negreanu or Phil Helmuth, or you're someone who's on the business side of it, or you're a failure. That, that's basically what he's saying. There's nothing in between. And it's not true. It's just, I, I'm living proof of it. Many others I know are living proof of it. So he's full of crap. And this is this article was mostly a troll job. He, it's it's uh, I believe he wrote this and other controversial articles because they want to raise eyebrows and get clicks over there. And poker news, the way they make money is from all their affiliate links and their ads. So, so Drev, I mean, as and I, I know a number of professional poker players, I know some guys that are, you know, really, really sharp guys and have made money doing it. But the, the issue that I have kind of with the article is he is starting out with the assumption that having a career is, the end goal that everybody should have and that there is something noble about you know going to work at a at a corporate office somewhere whatever it is and showing up every day at a particular time i can tell you i know a lot of people that have jobs like that and they fucking hate it yes yes that's (laughs) and that's true that what you're saying is right and i was gonna yeah i was gonna talk about that as well but uh, i don't think there's anything inherently noble about i mean listen you boil it down we work for the most part uh, to be able to have the money to do things that we want to do on our off time. Yes, exactly. And I don't think there's anything particularly noble about uh, you know one occupation over another. You know, as long as you're not hurting other people. Yeah, and a lot uh, of the a lot of times, you know, the company you're going to work for, they're not there to necessarily do good. Uh, so huh. some people end up using their services, but these the companies are out there to make money and make a profit. And uh, uh, and, and I'm certainly not being anti-corporate either. I'm just saying that there's nothing inherently noble about that versus doing something else for a living yeah you know, there, there isn't there isn't yeah, whether you you want to be uh you know a, a cotton farmer in the middle of iowa or you know whatever it is you choose to want choose to want to do i don't think there's anything inherently terrible um about choosing to play poker for a living i will say that there is a grain of truth uh to what he's saying i mean there are a lot of uh you know, busto wannabes that are circling the drain in the poker world, for sure. That's yes. definitely true. And what's also true is that there's people who are good players that just are so poor at managing money or, or controlling their degenerate yeah. impulses that they're constantly broke, and then they either resort to borrowing or, or, or getting backed or, 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 getting, uh, or, or even scamming 
to yep. keep themselves in action. And and those people will always be around in poker because they get themselves in a situation where they they do feel like they have no other options, and they feel like they, they you know they need money. You, you have to have money to make money in poker, and they resort to whatever means necessary to continue in action. Mm-hmm. So so those forms of criticism are valid, and there are a lot of people like that. There are a lot of so-called poker pros that are not making it, that are losing, that are losing other people's money instead of their own because they're broke. There's a lot lot that exists on a facade that they're winning and successful when in reality they're losing money every year. And (laughs) There's a lot of poker pros out there that are not making money are not consistently making money and never consistently made money. They they may have hit a score at one point, you know, someone who sometimes an amateur player who's fairly good will play some tournament, get lucky, win uh, $200,000. Right. And go, wow, okay, well, I know what I should be doing. And they become a pro. job. And then then six years later, they, they haven't, they haven't had a score more than 30,000. In the meantime, they're, they're spending all kinds of money left and right to enter all these tournaments. And they go. Oh, I just got to wait for that to happen again. It's it's going to happen sometime. I just got. I got to get a few better cards. They they make excuses. And and this is a big problem with tournament poker players who do yeah. it for a living. Is that unless you're really one of the elite tournament poker players who's just crushing it all the time, where there's no question that you have a huge edge. If you're kind of just one of the good ones, but you're not sure how good you are, it's sometimes difficult to tell the difference between variance. And skill, and uh, absolutely, and and Druff, I would even say that, you know, a lot of the uh, the guys who are elite tournament players or whatever, there there still is in live poker tournaments. There's not enough of a sample size. There, I mean, there just isn't uh, to be able to really have any idea. I think the guys that really make it are the guys that uh, have the bankroll. You know, whether they just ran it up on the good side of variance or whatever it is, they've got the bankroll to do it. Um, and they're as good as their competition, but having that bankroll is uh, what allows them to persist. Yeah, and something you always have to keep in mind, when someone wins a large tournament, let's say like a large buy-in tournament, like a 25K buy-in tournament, and it's easy to get jealous of the guy who won, he he takes home $2 million or something like that, you go, crap, I I wish I was him. Uh, Then you've got to think, wait a minute, Uh, (laughs) to enter this tournament, like 90% of the field entered for 25k and walked away with nothing so mm-hmm. so who are those 90 percent? you're not here you're not getting a list of these 90 percent of the people who played and and walked away with nothing you're seeing the if you if you want you can see the top 10 percent who cashed and, and of course the winner but you don't see the bottom 90 percent who lost and you keep having this happen over and over this just destroys people's bankrolls and yeah. and you can forget that some of these people you know some of the people you saw winning a lot five years ago you kind of forget they exist when you don't see them winning for a while. And then sometimes you'll think, hey, wait a minute, what about this person? Did he just quit? And you go look, and you see he's still playing. He just hasn't hit anything. And you go, oh, wow, that's, that's, uh, that's got to be pretty tough. And then you, you look into it further, and you see the guy's, you know, where he's broke or he's being backed by someone because he was broke. Yeah. And, and a lot of times these stories where you can be so envious of the tournament poker player who just seems to be hitting big, one big score after another, uh, it's... It goes down the drain very quickly, and then of course there's the other leaks: the sports betting leaks, the the pit gaming leaks, the uh, lifestyle leaks. So I'll tell you what, Druff, when I when I hear about someone you know hitting a big tournament score, 
my my first thought is actually, oh, I wonder how much of himself he had. Yeah, that there's that. I mean, true. He wins a million dollars, but you know, maybe he's actually taking home, you know, after taxes, maybe he's taking home two hundred grand. Yeah, that's that's um, that's and, very and true. If too. he is in makeup, you know, maybe half of that is going to to pay his backers. Yeah, <laughs> you know. Yeah, there's so there's a, there's a lot of complexity into this that isn't really seen when you just see the the winner of, of some tournament. So I mean, so so he has some points here, Martin Dervishar, in that uh, a lot of the people who are supposed poker pros are are not really supporting themselves, and in some cases they really are leeches on society if they're if they're not even losing their own money, especially if they're scamming to uh, to keep themselves in action. He doesn't really mention scammers here, but that's definitely a part of things, and and even the ones that are, are getting back to her who are borrowing. Sometimes that's a slippery slope. Sometimes the people who borrow, sometimes when they're borrowing, they're misrepresenting their ability to pay back, or they're misrepresenting their ability to win. Uh, so, or, or you know, the variance that they're really facing here. So, I understand what he's writing here, but he was overly critical of the poker pro lifestyle, and also, as you said, very dismissive of anyone who doesn't work a regular job. As if that- yeah, I mean, you know, the, the other comment I just want to add about that is that there is something to be said about being happy in what you're doing. And I, I changed uh, my job uh, because I wasn't happy doing what I was doing, and it was a lucrative job. Uh, and I'm doing something different that I'm enjoying more. And there have been a bunch of studies that have shown that after you reach uh, a certain level of income, the more money you make doesn't really add to your happiness. You know, so I mean, if people are, are happy. Doing what they're doing, I don't think you should begrudge them, whatever it is, as long as they're not hurting other people. Yeah, exactly. And and uh, and also, you you can live responsibly as a professional poker player. Just because you're a professional poker player doesn't mean you're going to be a degenerate who's uh, yeah. who's not living responsibly. He wrote there, uh, uh, they they opt for a life little in the way of structure, responsibility, or the hallmarks of traditional career choices. What? Well, so I, what? Yeah, I mean, but the thing is, even if you don't have structure in your job you can have structure in other parts of your life and uh, you know I, i'll talk about myself again here uh, aside from the professional poker player thing that i'm doing and aside from the fact that i, I keep some funny hours uh I, I do have a conventional life and and i you know i have a young child i have a, a long-term girlfriend that i've been with for over seven years so you know all, all these things are and, you know, and I'm there, so I'm not. I'm not some. I'm not a father who's like never seeing his kid. So he, I'm with him every day. So the the truth is here that this is more of a troll job. This article, it's kind of taking some elements of truth, and but it was written to get clicks and get everyone pissed off. Now, poker. That's why news, I'm surprised they took it down. Yeah. So poker. <laughs> so poker news. They were kind of spineless here. Matthew Parvis is the uh, supervisor, I guess, of Martin Derbyshire at Poker News. Matthew Parvis is best known as the guy who interviewed Howard Lederer in the I Don't Know video. Oh, yeah. So he's the one who did that interview. He's he's since risen up, I think, in the Poker News ranks. Especially uh, Poker News has lost some of its better talent. Uh, Chad Holloway has left Poker News to do other things. Donnie Peters has lost has left poker news to do other things. They weren't fired. They voluntarily left to just pursue other opportunities. But uh, that that's hurt poker news somewhat. And Matthew Parvis, who clearly was happy to have these articles up. I mean, he's, he's the editor there. He, 
he doesn't have to publish this. He, he it's not like Martin Derbyshire is just making posts on a forum. You know, this is Poker News controls what's posted on its own site. So they, for them to take things down as if they're uh, offended by something is ridiculous. So this is what Matthew Parvis wrote to the poker community. I would like to reach out and apologize for the content that was published last night on Poker News. I was out of the office this past week on holiday. (laughs) First of all, I've heard this guy talk before. I heard him interviewing uh, Howard Lederer. He seemed American. Why is he talking about holiday? Do do Americans say holiday? I I thought you say vacation if you're American. Usually. I mean, holiday is usually more a British thing. Yeah. I was out to the office this past week on holiday. I'm, I'm actually an American. I don't know why I'm saying holiday, but it, it sounds more um, proper. But as the head of content for the site, I'm ultimately responsible for what appears on our site, and I can say with certainty this piece does not reflect our opinions on poker professionals in any way. Okay, now well, let's be honest, Ruff. What kind of editorial uh, procedures do you think they really have there? I mean, I, my guess is that the... The dude just writes the story, he goes in the website, he clicks the publish button, and then it goes out. Like, I'm not even sure they have well, yes, but review before this kind of stuff goes out. But, but this wasn't the first incident like this. Like, like Dervishire yeah. has been writing all these controversial articles uh, dating back, uh, like, at least six months. Right. Th- this was the most controversial of them, but it's uh, they were happy to have him before to generate the controversy and the clicks, and now that... Uh, People are really angry now. They're just uh, now they're reacting and pretending like, "Oh my God, I couldn't believe that was posted." So then he wants to say, "The concept of the article was in fact assigned by me to be a discussion about the viability of being a pro poker player. The angle taken by Mar- Marty Derbyshire was not what I had intended, and unfortunately, an unedited draft of the article was published by mistake without my knowledge Bullshit. or approval." Bullshit. <laughs> 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 Isn't that convenient? Right. Isn't that convenient? The one time uh, an unedited draft gets published by mistake, it happens to be the most controversial, controversial article they've ever had. It just happens to be that. No one. way. <laughs> like, why even say that? They, they might as well stick with your explanation. You, they should have had you write this that uh, that Marty you know, had the access to post the article on his own, and that they hadn't yep. reviewed it, and that uh, it was not. According to their standards, and we're sorry. Like that would have been at least a like semi-believable one. This is a. It was an unedited draft. It was posted by mistake. It yeah, was posted right. by mistake without my knowledge or approval due to miscommunication during my absence. Come on, he says. The yeah, that's I- like that's like saying you slipped and your dick fell into some girl. I mean, come on. <laughs> <laughs> the idea was to highlight just how difficult it is to play poker professionally and how only very few possess the mental acuity to make it work full-time. Players need to be hardworking, committed, intelligent, and have the mental fortitude to make quality decisions under pressure each and every day. This is not and in a s- parentheses, please click on our ads. <laughs> yeah. This is not a skill set that many possess and why most who love poker should look at it as a great hobby or a second source of income instead of a full-time profession. It was certainly not intended to disparage the select few who have chosen to make poker a career. Those who know me, how often I mention how poker players are some of the most unique, dedicated, charitable people I've ever come across, and I'm honored oh my to God. And I'm honored to come across. Uh, it's a rim job. It is. I'm honored to work so closely with those tonguing. in this industry. He's, I, yeah, he's tonguing some butthole there. He is. <laughs> I mean. It's, I, I don't even think of poker uh, charitable people. I mean, I, I guess he's counting those who go play the 
little one for one drop because they think everyone is they think it's full of fish. That's the only reason they play oh, that thing. God. Okay, because the opinion written by Derbyshire was published in error, I think it's only fair that the conversation I have with those involved remain private. Yeah, because you're making it all up. However, I can assure you this is not something that is being taken lightly by anyone here at iBus Media, which that's the company that owns Poker News, and there will be accountability. Sincerely, Matthew Parvis. So then, uh, Matthew Parvis, uh, no, sorry, Martin Derbyshire uh, resigned. He was facing a firestorm on Twitter, just everyone bashing him left and right. <laughs> and he was responding to them, making it worse. So he said, oh boy. I am sorry. Is this, he wrote this on May tw- uh, November 29th. It's about time I apologize. No one's forcing me to. It is sincere. This isn't coming out of any kind of censure from my employers. In fact, the decision has already been made to discontinue using me as a bylined contract and live blogger on Poker News. No apology is going to change that. It sounds more like he got fired. It doesn't sound like he resigned. Uh, anyway, I, I've made some mistakes, and I want to own up to them. Listen from them, or sorry, learn from them, and try to do better moving forward. I've written some hurtful and inflammatory things about poker players and the professional poker playing community. For that, I'm truly sorry. It's no excuse, but I let my desire to drive traffic, increase hits, and rise to relevance as a columnist cloud my judgment, ability to emphasize and, em- and understand how others may perceive my words. That part I believe. <laughs> I, he's basically saying he was trolling everyone, and... Uh, and it backfired. I propagated extremist views in an effort to create heated debate and painted many good people in the poker community with a harsh brush to try and maintain a position as a, writing, as a lightning rod inside of it. I was overly critical without merit and insulting. I'm truly sorry for all of this as well. When people attacked me and my work on social media, I lashed out at them, played the blame game, and tried to defend myself by hiding behind the good name of poker news. My colleagues there and other work I've done that was considered more positive for the community. I'd like to apologize for this as well. I mean, I, I don't know if he's already been fired or quit or whatever. Why even bother with this? Like, he might as well walk away with dignity at this point. Or just this is this is really uh, over the top here. So, uh, Druff, I mean, just one of his comments was that he's a, a contract blogger, right? Yeah. So, you know, let's say that you're there's a chick in a bar. And a guy goes up to her to talk. She says, oh, what do you do for a living? Do you, do you think she would rather hear professional poker player or contract blogger? <laughs> yeah, well, <laughs> he, he can, Speaking of career choices. Well, he can yeah. argue. He can say, well, I'm, I'm, uh, I have structure in my life. I, ha- I have structure. I wake no, up. No, you at- don't. If you're a contract blogger, you yeah, sit at home in your underwear <laughs> eating Cheetos and you know typing on the keyboard at whatever hour you choose exactly, to, to yeah. do that. <laughs> <laughs> you know? But it's funny, like he's. I don't know what. I'm not sure what he's trying to accomplish, though, with this, uh, this, this whole apology. It's, people don't keep harassing him on Twitter or something. Yeah. Everybody needs a little time. So this is what else he writes. Uh, the truth is, I can't even stand behind many of the positions I've taken because they do not represent how I really feel. I have a tremendous amount of respect for the overwhelming majority of the people in poker. I can't really hear you anymore. I don't know if uh, anyone else can. I'm too loud. I'm okay, the music's too loud? I can hear you now, but it was kind of fa- fa- phasing out like it was a uh, Skype issue or something. Okay. I, I thought it was the music. No, we're good now. I okay, so going on here. I know that many players make a great contribution to society and their community. 
I've written about it countless times, and I applaud anyone who fights for the cause of social justice in whatever community they choose to live, work, and play. So now he's kissing ass in the social justice warriors, too. <laughs> he's really trying to win the hearts back of the poker community. I, I don't know why at this point. He should, he should be more defiant. He should just go out angrily. Say, I told the truth. You guys can't handle it. F you. I'm out. I didn't rip people off or physically harm anyone. I didn't write anything sexist, racist, defamatory, slanderous, or libelous. But much of my rhetoric was blatantly disrespectful to the poker community, and for that, I feel the need to ask for forgiveness. I could go on about how I'm being treated unfairly, that this is an overreaction, that the positive nature of the overwhelming majority of my work in poker is being ignored, and that the gang-up mentality employed by many people in this case was as bad as anything I've ever wrote. Andrew, I'm going to call you back. I can't hear you. Okay. Instead, I will simply say goodbye and good luck. See, even the last paragraph is kind of a troll job. (laughs) So, uh, can you hear me okay by now? Uh, yeah, it's a little messed up, but I, I think I can hear you. I, I can hear you fine. So, I wonder if the music caused this. And now it's perfect. I, I blame uh, Chicago for this. All right, so uh, let's see if the chat room can hear me. Am I okay? Music. Yeah, they're good. Oh, they're saying, music, they're saying music too loud. Okay, I, I guess I'm screwing up the sound levels. Okay, sorry, guys. No more Chicago. But, uh, yeah, so at the end, he was trolling them. He says, uh, I could go on about how I'm being treated unfairly, that this is an overreaction, that the positive nature of overwhelming majority of my work in poker is being ignored, and the gang-up mentality employed by many people in this case was as bad as anything I ever wrote. Instead, I'll simply say goodbye. (laughs) He just said it. It's like, you know, I I could say that you're ugly and and, uh, despicable and, uh, and stupid, Morally bankrupt, pathetic, and foolish. But I won't. I'm above that. I'm just going to say goodbye. That's basically what he's doing. So even the last uh, paragraph is... uh, It's funny because he goes through this over-the-top apology, and then at the end he does the passive-aggressive jab at everybody and walks away. He says, instead I'll simply say goodbye and good luck. So... That is the end of Mario. Yeah, what, what a douchey thing to say. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? If you're not gonna, if you're really gonna take the high road, yeah, then you take the high road. You don't tell people, I, you know, I could have been a, a prick and say this. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's fuck? what I'm saying. He should have just, uh, he should have just not apologized. Either write the phony apology or write a defiant message to the community saying "f you." This was uh, something I wrote for. Uh, Entertainment value to see what reaction it would get. You guys overreacted. So fine. Poker News doesn't want me to work for them anymore. You guys basically... Wait, wait, he didn't, he didn't say he misclicked and, and published the yeah, somehow that's, draft? Somehow that's missing from the narrative. Somehow oh, that's... That's uh, weird. Some, somehow the accidental publication uh, didn't make it into this uh, apology letter. So strange. Yeah, it's, it's funny how these accidents happen. Just... Uh, it's, it's always... It's always when something really, really controversial is, is posted. It's always an accident. You know, speaking of accidents, and, and I like this guy, so I'm not trying to bash him or anything, but uh, 
uh, I don't even know if this is an accident or not, if he was just drunk, but like on, I never got to see them, but there were some kind of like sexual pictures that popped up on Ronnie Barda's Twitter like two years ago. Okay. And like, like they just like Hopefully appeared. Hopefully not there. of him. No, they were of him. <laughs> oh, God. And, and he's like, oh, I'm so sorry, everybody. Like he claimed his, he said like he misclicked his phone, but it seemed to me more like he was drunk and just posted them or something and then felt like a fool. I never got to see them, which was probably fortunate. But uh, he kept like profusely apologizing. <laughs> Some things you cannot unsee, Drew. Yeah. So you might be you might be lucky. No, I think I was lucky. But he said he kept talking about the, you know he's not like this. He doesn't post things like this. He's so sorry for anyone who was offended. That his mother reads his Twitter. Like, <laughs> so I'm like, well, now I kind of like I kind of want to see and I kind of don't want to see. Like I, I don't want to see Ronnie Barda's dick or anything. But on the other hand, I like he he was talking about it so much on there about how bad he felt that this was quote accidentally posted. And then his mother saw it, and like I was like, well, now now I kind of want to see what he's talking about. But I, I, I didn't. So you have the, wanted to see his dick? No, I wanted to like just at least know what it was without seeing the pictures. You don't know what a dick is. I wanted to see specifically. <laughs> I, I I don't even know if his dick was in there. I'm just assuming from the way he was he was describing it. That's what happened. That's. Uh, but I I think he was Ruff, drunk. If you want to see another guy's junk, I mean, you can say it. It's all right. It's not. Well, I'm it's not going to. I'm not going to look down on you. There's for a lot it. of options to do so. I even uh, <laughs> on the internet you can it's it's very easy to find and not only that if I, you forget the internet I could just uh, you know I could get the grinder app if I wanted that whole sort of thing and uh, uh, I was thinking about them I got two young kids I mean they are so fortunate they're going to be able to see whatever they want whenever they want but is it really fortunate because th- there's been some, well when you're a teenage kid it, it goddamn right well, it there's, is there's been some there's been there's been some discussion and I don't know if I agree with it or not but there's been some discussion yeah. that the Lack of easy access to all that made the real thing when you got to it, you know, back in the seventies and eighties, uh, a lot more exciting. That uh, that the kids now get jaded because they they can see so much porn on the internet and basically, uh, yeah, it's get naked pictures sent back and forth with the girls they're talking to. That you know, by the time you see the real thing, it's less exciting than before, where you didn't have that much access to that. So I I don't know, man. I think when you're when you're that young and the hormones are running wild, I think it's I think it's still going to be just as exciting in person, you know. Yeah, I don't know. I, I can't decide which which one. Uh, well, you know, you look at porn. That doesn't mean you you, you don't want to be with a real woman, right? No, I know, I mean, but I'm talking about like the, the first like the first early experiences you have as a teenager. Is, yeah. is it better to kind of just come into it and everything seems really new or? Or be jaded by the whole thing before you've ever done anything first. And like, I, it's not that I was naive coming into it by then, but uh, I didn't have the access to view the type of things that teenagers today can do. I don't know. I mean, you've been with your girlfriend for quite some time, and I've been with my wife for a while, but I still like seeing her naked. You know, I haven't, I'm not jaded. No, I'm not either. I'm talking about my wife. I'm not talking about your girlfriend. Okay, I don't, I don't that's, look at her naked. That's, that's good. Yeah. Well, uh, I don't know. I, I will say that uh, there's like it just seems. Uh, I, I don't know actually if it's uh, easier nowadays or if, if it was easier back, uh, you know, thirty years ago. If you're a teenage boy to to have sex, like uh, as far as finding a girl to have sex with you, is it easier now or easier thirty years ago? There's a you know, I've heard both sides. I've heard that like now there's uh, 
you know, kids, the teenager trying to be more responsible and not just, you know, not, not just have sex unless it's, uh, it's really meaningful, blah, blah, blah. And like, it's a little different than in the past. And then I've also heard that, uh, with, uh, the, the teenagers sending all the naked pictures to each other and everything that everyone's a lot more sexualized than they used to be. And, uh, the boys then can, uh, basically uh get action more easily i, I don't know I, i've thought about it before like what, what if i was growing up in this time what if what if i was and i think it's probably a little bit easier but i, I still think that it you know, boils down to what it always is boiled down to is you know you got to have game to some extent whether it's you know the way you had game uh talking to people uh, online and on the phone or, or talking to them in person or, or whatever it is you know if you are regardless of the era if you are if you find women intimidating or you're not willing to put yourself out there, you're not going to get laid. You know, it's the way it is. Yeah. Well, do, but do you ever think about this? Like, what if I was growing up nowadays instead of uh, when I did? Uh, in some ways, I'm thankful because, <laughs> well, I probably wouldn't be able to hold elective office, you know? I mean, these days, everything that everyone does is online, and there's a record of it, and yeah, it's tracked. That, that, it's that is one unfortunate thing, yeah. And that part of it is, uh, you know... I, I I think I probably wouldn't enjoy that part of it that much. I, I'm constantly battling with that now, with uh, with running this show and then the, the poker fraud alert and with yeah. the forum and uh, like you know and, and various freaks that uh, decide to get obsessed with me, harass me, and uh, or try to write you know crappy things about me. And I've got to I Google myself and I, I have to take a look at what's up there and then try to anything that's up there that isn't true try to get it taken down or, or suppressed in some way like I, i'm not even trying to like be a censor or anything but there there's stuff that's up there that isn't true and that i, I wouldn't want people seeing when they google me right and uh right. so like and i think wow what if this has been like my whole life <laughs> going back so you're right like back going back to when you're a teenager I, I, everything i could see how that would bother you but you know realistically especially someone in your position what does it matter like who is going to be googling you well, I'll, I'll tell you. I'll, I'll tell. I'll tell you where it matters, and that is, uh, you know, you. It's not so much about like forum people or even about uh, getting a job. It's it's about you get to know people in real life that are not part of forums, not part of poker or gambling, and they'll they'll Google you for whatever reason. Especially if they hear you're a poker player and they want to see, you know, how successful you are, were you on TV or whatever, and they'll Google you. And if, if the first thing that comes up is something that's very nasty and something that's very uh, unflattering, then it can change their opinion of you. And they're usually not going to come to you and say, hey, I just read this about you. They're just going to quietly read and go, hmm, wow, I didn't know this about this guy. Well, I'm going to keep my distance. And you never know. Like, there's a lot of ways it can happen. There's You just don't want like your, your front page Google being infested with a lot of bad things. You just yeah, don't. I mean, I, I guess I can get that. I, I think that you... You are a little bit better off than most in that regard, that it's not terribly likely that you're going to be looking for a job anytime soon. So while it would bother you, and I understand why it would bother you, and that makes sense to me, it, it wouldn't affect you as harshly as it might some other people. No, you know? yeah, that, that's true. That is true. But, but it still affects everybody, unless you honestly just don't care what people think. Or if, right. you, or if you really try to be so controversial that you expect there's going to be horrible things about you, and that's just part of your your being. But I see. I'm not trying to do that. Like even with a show, when I say controversial things, I'm not doing it for the sake of being controversial or to piss people off. And uh, so, yeah, that's why you know I I see what happens with celebrities, and yeah, they get a lot of 
incredible perks from being a celebrity, but man, there are some downsides. Yeah, there I mean, are. You can't do you can't do anything with with shit happening to you, and they've all the women celebrities have got their face photoshopped on porn, doing awful things, and I mean. <laughs> Uh, there's a there's a lot of that life that I would not want. What what amazes me are the the celebrities, the uh, usually male celebrities who cheat on on their wives or girlfriends, uh. and, and how do they think they can get away with it with everyone watching? How do they how do they not believe that either the woman they're with or someone who sees them together is not going to report this? Like because they're they're narcissistic <laughs> and they don't think you know they they don't think anything can happen to them. Yeah, you know? I mean it's it. This is something that like Tiger Woods. Like how Tiger? How do you think you're going to get away? Yeah, with it? I, I, I couldn't imagine this. If if you're even like a semi celebrity, you've got to watch out for that and say, okay, I, I this is just something I can't do because I'll be caught. Yeah, but honestly, I mean that that's got to be kind of hard. Like if you're married and you've got just women just throwing pussy at you on a daily basis i mean as a guy that's got to be tough it, it is but then then okay. you but then you have to say like i'm tiger woods if i do anything that people are going to see and it's going to it's going to ruin everything i have going here so forget it like uh, <laughs> I, I guess man but you know everyone has weaknesses and you're you're alone at a bar some night you're drunk your judgment's a little bit off and you're having you know pussy thrown at you left and right i mean it's <laughs> It, that's the, I guess it's a yeah. That's good why it's thing. tough, and that's why if you're if you're a celebrity, it's probably better not to get married until you're really sure you're past all that, because otherwise you're gonna yeah exactly you're gonna get it out of your it. system to some extent, or you know at least just know yourself and respect the person you're with enough that you're just not gonna do it. Um, but there, are, you know, all I'm saying is that there are definitely some some rough things about being famous as well. Yeah, oh, yeah, I'm sure there is, there is, and uh, you know, uh, I've I've discussed. Negreanu before was one of the you know, much more famous poker players, one of the top poker players as far as uh, fame is concerned. And his entry into this Choice Center thing, which is kind of cult-like there in, in Las Vegas. And uh, my theory about why he entered Choice Center and got so into it was that, and I have no proof of this, it's just my theory, is that he felt that nobody really loved him at that point because this was after his mom died and his dad was already gone at that point. And he, by his own admission, his relationship with his brother was not good. And he didn't have a girlfriend at the time. So while there were tons of people who liked him and admired wait, him... Wait, wait, what, girlfriend? <laughs> I knew you were going to say something like that. <laughs> Sorry. I used ahead. to think that way, too, until he was obsessed with Amanda Leatherman. And then I go, you know what? I, I think I believe he's straight. Like, a guy who's yeah, gay is not going to be... I'm pretty sure he's straight. Yeah, it was, it was Amanda Leatherman that convinced me. Because uh, if you're if you're gay, you just it's just not part of you to get obsessed with a woman. You just, you're just not going to get obsessed with a woman if you're gay. Because it's just... You're, you're not going to have that drive to get obsessed with one. So... I mean, I guess he could be bi, but I, after the whole Leatherman thing and how like how into her he was and how obsessed he was, I think I go. I, th- I think this guy's straight. It's just uh, he has some mannerisms that make people think he's gay. But I, I would say straight at this point. So a- anyway, uh, I felt he got into all that because even though a lot of people liked him and admired him, uh, and he had a lot of friends, he didn't feel that anyone really loved him, and that can be tough for celebrities because. Just because you have a whole lot of people who wish that they could hang out with you or talk to you or, or even women who wish they could have sex with you, that doesn't mean people love you. That just means that uh, they want to be associated with you because of your fame. 
and or they, in some cases they want to use you. And it becomes tough because uh, think of you're a, a famous person. Every person you meet, you're going to have to be suspicious. Are they just... Uh, do they just want to spend time with me because I'm famous? Do they really like me? Do they really... Uh, See, they appreciate me for who I am. And could this person ever love me? Or are they just someone hanging on because I'm a celebrity? It's, it's tough. Where if you're not a celebrity, uh, if people show interest in, in friendship with you or a relationship with you, then you tend to believe that that person is legitimate. Right. So that's that that can be tough. And I think uh, Negroni probably fell victim to that, where it was he, he was... Have, probably have a hard time uh, creating uh, really close relationships or friendships, probably afraid that uh, some of these were not uh, legitimate. And even the ones that were, he couldn't get something that could progress to like to the state of love. And I think that's why he was vulnerable to something like that, to, like Choice Center. And, uh, you know, his mom, he had a very close relationship with her, and he definitely loved her, and she loved him. And uh, when, she, when she died, I think that kind of drove him to that. And uh, so... That's just a theory, though. I, I don't know any of this to be true. That was just my guess because he kind of he got into the choice center thing like shortly after his mom died, so that really, to me, looked like that was kind of the reason for it. Sounds reasonable. And uh, you know, he claims to be happy with it, and if it you know if it really has somehow made him happier and uh, filled whatever void he had in his life, then great. I mean, if it ends up positive for him, that's fine. That's uh, I would never be part of such a thing. And I don't recommend anyone here should be part of such a thing. But uh, it worked out for him fine. I, uh, but I, I don't. I typically don't think that sort of thing is a solution to problems in your life. So anyway, uh, moving on here. What do we got? Oh, we're only past the first topic, boy. <laughs> yeah, I want to talk about Brian Hastings. Brian Hastings, uh, and by the way, he got pretty, uh, I mentioned on a previous show, he got pretty angry with me when I was uh, making fun of him about the multi-accounting stuff when he was mocking Trump. He mocked Trump like a few days before the election that they took away his Twitter access. And he's like, oh, hey, Trump, how does it feel that uh, you to have somebody else on your account right now? I said, oh, if there's, any, if there's anybody who's an expert on, on being on somebody else's account, and he got really mad at me. <laughs> so... Anyway, uh, Brian Hastings, he's had some scandals over the years. He had a scandal involving Isildur, where he and a few others pulled a bunch of hand histories and basically studied Isildur's play together and even played against him together, where they all sat at the same computer and pooled all their knowledge, both uh, data mining and just knowledge from playing with him, and and crushed him for over $4 million. And... uh, Hastings foolishly admitted to this in a, an ESPN interview with Gary Wise, who was at the time a, an employee of ESPN. And Gary that was Wise, when he gave his Oscar speech, right? Um, what, what I, mean, you, I remember that interview. I mean, Hastings basically sound, sounded like a uh, an actress giving her yes, uh, yes, Oscar speech, yeah. saying, "You know, oh, and I owe it all to him." And we, you know, yeah, yeah, that's what he did. So, so then he admitted that that. Uh, yeah, that, that, that he had been helped by others to do this, and uh, it looked very bad. So, just in case you think this was a youthful indiscretion, and that he's learned since then, because I think this is back in like 2009 or 2010, so... And, and he's not 
that old, so he, he was a younger guy back then. Uh, last year, he had another scandal, which was worse. He was multi-accounting, but it was really the worst type of multi, or probably the second worst. The worst type of multi-accounting is where you're using two accounts at once, including with yourself. That's that's the worst kind. Uh, or, or even playing two accounts in the same tournament, because that could easily happen where you collude with yourself, because you can't control what tables you're at. But the second worst type of multi-accounting is where you take over an account that is known to be a fish. And people play you because they believe you are that fish. And that's much worse than just setting up a random account. Because at least it could be argued that a random new account could be anyone. It could be someone who's good, it could be someone who's bad, and it's up to each player to figure out who this new person is and if this new person's good. So just because there's a new person on the site doesn't mean he sucks. But when you take over an account of a fish, of a known fish, then people know exactly who they're playing, or at least they think they do. And they seek out to play this fish, and they play that fish in a style that they believe is correct against a fish, and not against a pro. So a pro who is mistaken as a fish, and uh, you know that's very unethical. And I'm uh, so this is much worse than like using a, a fish's name. On another site, because again, that's it's not guaranteed that every person who's on each site is the same name. But on the same site, which at the time was PokerStars, you take over an account. If supposedly he bought the account from a known high stakes fish, and you take over that account, then everyone playing that has every reason to believe it's that fish. Why wouldn't you think that? So someone you've crushed for so long. An awful player that's like free money to you. You see him sitting. He's willing to take on all comers. That's like a dream come true. Except it's actually a pro. So that's really, really unethical. And this happened uh, like a year and a half ago. That's what we call a wolf in sheep's clothing. Right? It was. That's a good description. Yeah. Yeah. So, so that's a year and a half ago. This was not uh, when he was uh, young and dumb. So he definitely has these lapses. Well, what's interesting is unlike a lot of other poker scumbags, you kind of know that they are scumbags, and uh, they don't directly say it, but at the same time, they don't try to come out and posture that they're great people. Like, take Chino Ream. You, know, you don't have Chino Ream coming out there talking about ethics. You don't. He just, uh, like, he kind of knows what he is. He, he doesn't know he's as bad as what he really is, but he, he also doesn't walk around acting like he's the, the moral police. He, he realizes he has some failings, and he realizes what he's done. And, uh, so you don't get that out of Chino Ream or, or many of these other people who are seen as uh, shady people in poker. But Brian Hastings is someone who really does believe that he's very moral and upstanding, despite these various lapses. And he, he went to Cornell. I mean, how, how bad of a person could he be? That's <laughs> true. So here's, here's, see, he wrote a blog. He's written some blogs recently. He wrote a really weird blog shortly before the election, about why he supports Hillary Clinton so strongly. And at one point said that he really relates to her because her email scandal reminds him of his multi-accounting scandal. <laughs> <laughs> he really said this, and he's saying that, you know, people make mistakes, and just as Hillary made a mistake and got over it and learned from what she did wrong and admits it, uh, so do I. I'm like, okay, that's, it makes sense why he supports her so much, but... Uh, 
Anyway, this, he wrote that shortly before the election. I, I think he lost a good deal of money betting against Trump. Yeah, I know a few poker players that lost a ton of money with that. That's got to be really tilting to watch if you're on that oh, side. Oh, it's got to be so tilting because, you know, I'm sure they bet not just because they thought it was a good bet, but at least in part because that's who they supported. So right. you get the, the crushing defeat of uh, someone you didn't want elect to get elected, and then you also see how much money you lost. Yeah, that's and, and, fucking terrible. And you just sit there helplessly as it happens as, as the night oh, passes through. So, that's, uh, so yeah, that, that had to be very tough. But anyway, he strangely enough, he didn't really talk that much about that in his blog. Right? I don't think at all in his blog. Uh, he's talked in other blogs about the betting. But let me uh, let me go to this blog he wrote. Because uh, basically, Brian Hastings is claiming that he is quitting poker, or at least quitting poker uh, as a full-time profession, because it's unhealthy and because it's causing him to be depressed. So th- this is what he's saying. And by the way, we've had this before. We've had other people with uh, not-so-great reputations quit poker. Uh, Hasib Qureshi comes to mind. That's who I was thinking Yeah, of. and then uh, Perlot Friedman claimed he quit, and he's becoming a record producer. And now we have uh, Brian Hastings. Has Perlot ever done anything wrong? I yeah, yeah. He, 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 he was representing UB. Oh, uh, UB. Yeah. And, yeah, and was ignoring yeah. everybody's... Ultimate sellout is what that should be called. It really was. So, okay. So, uh, and by the way, after that happened, he didn't apologize to anyone either. It just uh, He just went forth as if nothing happened. So They don't get his bohemian lifestyle. <laughs> yeah. So, he, this is what uh, Brian Hastings wrote. He just wrote this in uh, late November. I don't have the exact date. Last week, I was flying home from Montreal after spending four nights there and playing a World Poker Tour event. The tournament ended up disappointing for me, uh, but the trip was great. I loved getting to explore an amazing city, an amazing new city, especially since my favorite person was able to make it for two nights to explore with me. I think he's talking about his girlfriend. Is he still with that uh, that former stripper? See, I I don't know if she is a former stripper. She does does look like it, but I, I... I, I don't know, but I don't know if she is one. Like, I, I don't want to say she is one because she she very well may not be. So, um, uh, it is a bit of an odd couple, you know. Brian Hastings is this typical like white bread, uh, like late twenties guy, and uh, and she's like a uh, a black chick that does she she doesn't look like that's not what you'd picture for Brian Hastings' girlfriend. Even if you want, to I don't pick- have any problem with her dating a black chick, but she does look like you know. I mean, if I saw her working a pole, I wouldn't be. It wouldn't seem out of. Yeah, out a lot of, of people have a lot of people have said this about her, but I, I don't know her past, so I don't want to. I don't want to say she's a stripper because I, I I really don't know her past, so I'm, I'm I not going to. I was just joking around. No, I, know, I, don't, I, know. I don't know that she's a stripper either, but who knows? Yeah, it, when I first saw them together, I did think it was an odd. Like when I, I'll be honest, when I first saw them together, I thought it was one of these situations where it was just like uh, you know she was an escort or something, and then like. I, then I saw them all the time together, and I'm like, oh, okay, that must be his girlfriend. And I was like, I wonder what, like, how that came to be and where he met her. And like, yeah, I, I did kind of think along those lines. But they they've been together for like two years, I think. So yeah, and they, they, well, all right, well, it's probably legit. But I mean, I'll tell you what, if that ended up being a hooker with a heart of gold story, I wouldn't have been shocked. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I, I don't know how he met her though. It's, it's, that is that is true. But anyway, I, I I know little about that relationship other than it's gone like two years, and it it seems. Like 
Yeah, whatever. Semi-stable. I don't. I don't progress him. Okay. So anyway, he goes on. So she says. So he goes on to say. it did dawn on me that the highlights of my trip had nothing to do with poker itself, nor would they have even been if I, if I made a deep but not first place run. In that moment, I decided I was ready. It was about seven years ago that I first experienced the dark side of poker in a meaningful way. Now, now here comes this dark side of poker, okay? Uh, in December 2009, I beat Victor Blom for $4.2 million. <laughs> That sounds real dark. Yeah, it's, I, I wish I had dark days like that. Uh, it was the largest single-day win in the history of online poker. Six-tabling heads-up PLO does not leave much time for thinking or reflecting. It's all about preparation and instincts. I was the better player on that day, and Lady Luck was kind to me also. Oh so, so, far, so far, it's not very dark. <laughs> uh, when the dust settled and I checked my Hold'em manager, I was on cloud nine. The euphoria of that moment has been replicated only a few other times in my life, although similar, similarly happy and arguably more healthy feelings surface more often, mainly due to loving relationships I have. So he had to throw that in so because his girlfriend reads this. He's like, wait, what, what? What about when you met me? What about when you met me? How is that, how is that the same euphoria? He's like, oh, whoa, 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 whoa. But it's, it's, loving relationships are even better. Better, better than $4.2 million. Yeah, baby. Every time I hear you fart in bed, it's a it's a life changing moment. It's a four million dollar fart. You yes. got it. I, I grabbed a drink and tried to get my roommates and friends to join in the celebration, but it was finals week at Cornell, and there were no celebrations to be had. I ended up just having a drink or two by myself, watched some late night TV, and called it a night. So, so I feel really sorry for him that his friends wouldn't celebrate with him after he won four million. Like. Uh, he just had to get a drink and watch some late night TV. Oh man, life life's so rough. My friends want to celebrate with me because it's finals week. I want four million dollars. I, I lived in Ithaca for a little while. There is always party going on there somewhere. That's what he I just, was thinking. Like he it, didn't try hard enough. Yeah, that's that's what I was thinking. Like, is it really? He won four million dollars, and his friends are like, "Nope, nope, go away. We're studying. Go, nope. We don't want to talk to you. Go away." Like, I don't. That, that just it. doesn't make any sense. Yeah. I mean, he goes over to one of his friends, tells him, "I just won four million dollars." Let's go to the bar. Drinks are on me. Trust me. People yeah. People are piling into the car. That's, that's what I'm thinking. <laughs> yeah, Brian, yeah, take your $4 million. Get out of my face. I don't want to see you. <laughs> no, no, no. Don't spend any money on me. Get, just get away. Get away. Finals. So he says, the next morning, I was flooded with interview requests. Wow. People want to hear what 21-year-old me has to say. How cool. Of course, I tried to accommodate as many as I could. Some of the interviews were easy enough. One, however, would be my introduction to the dark side. I feel like uh, I feel like I need some music here. I'm going to regret it because it's going to mess up the Skype call. And uh, but uh, I kind of feel like I have to uh, have to play this. Uh, hold on. I should have had this ready before, but I just thought of it right now. Let's see. Can we get it? There we go. That's what I was like. That's what I was looking for. He was introduced to the dark side. As I noted above, preparation is key when playing six tables of heads-up poker, regardless of the opponent. Victor had a very unique style and had been playing anyone who would step up to the plate. I personally spent a bunch of time watching him play as well as reading the 2 plus 2 high stakes forum in 
the NVG for some hand analysis samples. A friend whom I studied poker with regularly took it a step further and purchased some of Victor's hands off a website, a practice that violated the terms and conditions of full tilt, but was relatively common in those days and not established as taboo. You can find posts of several reputable players who try to do the same right out in the open. I did an interview with Gary Wise for ESPN. 21-year-old Brian was humble by nature and felt kind of awkward doing an interview touting me. Yeah, it, it doesn't sound he was, like he sounded awkward. <laughs> if he did that whole uh, Oscar speech and, and he was just sitting there congratulating himself how great he was, it didn't seem like he was uh, hesitant to do this interview. But he says, So I went into it thinking that I wanted to credit my friends for their help and preparation. Somehow that led to socially awkward 21-year-old Brian uttering the phrase, conglomerated hand history databases on tape in the interview. For the record, I don't even know if that's an actual thing that can be done. Mania and anxiety phrased that sentence for me. So, his conglomerated conglomerated hand history database, he's saying it was phony. It didn't exist. Yeah. Yeah, anxiety causes me to just come up with a term like conglomerated hand histories. <laughs> so somehow he was just anxious, and, and a database magically appeared in his imagination. It was an imaginary database. It wasn't really conglomerated. I explained to Gary post-interview that the words were inaccurate and taken out of context. He replied that I said them on tape, so of course they were true. That was when I learned that poker media probably doesn't have my best interests at heart. Well, oh, give me a break. So this is the dark side, that that he admitted that he was... The, the dark side is you say something stupid and someone quotes you on it? Yeah, that you admit that you, you were uh, teaming up against the guy and, and buying his hand histories and people studying it together, and that's how you beat him. I'll tell you what, though. I remember actually looking at the, uh, the EV graphs and some other things that he posted on there. And there, he actually ran bad in that match, but there was nothing to, that would have possibly saved, you know, like the, the hand history review, review and whatever they learned about his playing style and all that stuff. Like it was just one of those uh, sessions where it was just inevitable. Like it really didn't matter. The, the way that he ran in that particular match was just insane. He just ran incredible. Yeah, you know? yeah, and that that's that can happen too, where people delude themselves that it, that it was uh, all skill when they ran incredibly well, and they don't realize right. how well they ran. All all I mean is that you know, okay, let, let's say it actually happened, and they did you know hand history review or whatever. Um, that really had zero impact on the outcome of that particular session, yeah. because he just ran incredible. I mean, and a PLO heater is some is is an amazing thing. Like, I don't know if you played much PLO, but when people go on uh, massive runs in PLO, it's just incredible. Yeah. I mean, it's just absolutely amazing. Yeah, so, so anyway, he was, so he was, he's blaming the media here for the fact that he said that they, you know, thanking his friends for, for their conglomerated database that helped them beat victory. He stupidly admitted what they were doing, and you know, whether it had an impact or not, that is what they were doing, and he admitted to it, and that he was mad at Gary Wise for printing it. Well, he, Gary Gary Wise is right. He printed the truth. So he says, In the ensuing weeks, I received a lot of heat, albeit mostly from NVG tards, referring to 2 Plus 2's uh, News Views gossip forum, and failing players, most real pros had my back for what it's worth. So he's saying that anyone who questioned him was a failed player. I guess this guy's been talking to Martin Derbyshire. So if you're a failed player, 
or an MVG tard, then you're critical of him for doing this. Uh, the real players, they were all for this, he's saying. I remember being... Yeah. At, in I'm it, sure the real players would have loved it if they, he data mined against them. Yeah. <laughs> I, I remember being at an Indiana Jones show at Walt Disney World with my parents and frustratedly scold, uh, scrolling 2 plus 2, watching my character be defamed. Eventually, Full Tilt investigated, stripped my friend of Red Pro status for a month. That's a real harsh pun, uh, penalty. You lose your Red Pro for a month. Okay. Okay, you better never do that again. Okay. All right, we've taken care of it. And found that I did nothing wrong. Still, from time to time, I would hear people label me a cheater. It aided me some. Of course, he still won $4 million. It's, uh, I, I think... After you've won four million, it, it's hard to feel sorry for someone who's frustratedly scrolling two plus two when people are criticizing them. Well, I do feel sorry for him that he won four million dollars and didn't have any friends to celebrate with. Yeah. I mean, Jesus Christ! I got over it though. I spent the rest of college focusing mostly on my studies and relegated poker to ten twenty hours a week status because I thought it would always be there after I graduated. Then four months after I graduated, I was visiting my parents in Pennsylvania, tried to log into online poker sites, and got the DOJ screen of death. I saw everyone around me panicking, but I knew that would do no good. I tried to take a deep breath and calmly assess the situation. It wasn't pretty. I shifted my focus from online poker to live poker for the next few months. Got second in a heads-up tournament in Madrid. Made a run or two at the World Series. Uh, won some money playing nosebleed games in Bobby's room at Bellagio, and then came back to my parents' place in Pennsylvania and tried to play my, plan my ne- next move. This is interesting, because notice that, that uh, he seems to run home to mommy pretty often. Yeah, I was going to say, he wins $4 million. Why the fuck is he living with his parents? Yeah, that's, it's, you'll see this as a theme as we go through this uh, blog, where he keeps going back to his parents in Pennsylvania. So it's like... He he was never even emotionally ready to leave the house. Is the truth, and he's he's like you'll you'll hear for the rest of this. He's bouncing around all over the world, never finds his place, and he always goes back to his parents in Pennsylvania, which is really weird. I can understand like moving into a a house or an apartment or a condo that's by his parents because he just wants to be close to them, but to live with them when you have that kind of money and when you're in your your mid twenties is is kind of odd. But uh, going on, yeah, he must have been breastfeeding at age nine. <laughs> He must have been breastfeeding at like age 27. So, uh, m- moving abroad sounded kind of fun at first. I narrowed my search to Vancouver, Montreal, Playa del Carmen, Barcelona, maybe one other I'm forgetting. I chose Vancouver due to quality of life, similarity to America, and the existing poker community there. I moved there for three months in September of 2011 to try it out. I did all the research by myself and made a few rookie mistakes. Building wasn't great, not close to a grocery store, and mess surrounding blocks. I guess even if the area wasn't good. Uh, I went to three banks on morning one before one would finally let me open an account. After jumping through a few hoops, I finally got set up online again. From a poker standpoint, Vancouver was great. I left for three weeks mid-trip to play EPT London and World Series Europe and Cannes, and when I was, but when I was in Vancouver playing online, I crushed it. 50-100 PLO games were great. I focused on those and banked 350K or so during my three-month stay. Something else was happening, though. I felt really far away from home. I missed my friends and family. And then he has to write, not hating on the good friends I made in Vancouver, much love. <laughs> so he has to make sure the Vancouver peeps feel included, that they're not being dissed here. It started to be cold and rainy every day in November, and going outside was no longer fun. Uh, I was seeing a girl casually, and one day I called her and told her I had to stop. Not because of her, 
but because of my depression made my apart made leaving my apartment unbearable. How bad is that? Like the guy breaks up with you because he can't leave his apartment to see you. He's like, uh, yeah, it's not your fault. I just I just can't leave my apartment. She's like, ah, sure. What's the real reason? No, no, no. It's, I I can't leave my apartment. What you doing badly in poker? No, no, no. I won three hundred fifty thousand, but uh, I'm depressed. I I can't I I can't leave it. It's unbearable. I mean, depression is a real thing, but um, <laughs> it's, it's, $4 million buys you a lot of fun. I mean, I, I don't know. <laughs> and another 350 k right there. So he says, prior to Thanksgiving, I don't even understand quite what he's saying here. He said, like, I told her I had to stop because depression made leaving my apartment unbearable. Like, what was what was it about leaving his apartment? I don't think he's agoraphobic. So what what is it about that leaving his apartment was unbearable? You think leaving and seeing a girl that he enjoyed spending time with would be a plus. I would think just sitting at home playing online poker all day would be depressing. Yeah. So that's I mean, a, or he could order takeout. He could have her come over. I, I yes, I don't understand. Like <laughs> I, that's a weird reason to break up with someone. Like I don't know. I mean, it sounds like he was actually depressed. No, I, be, yeah. I believe that. I, I that's the one thing I believe in this whole essay that he has a uh, struggles with depression. So he writes, uh, prior to Thanksgiving, I booked a flight, took what felt like three to four hours to pack up all my stuff. He must not have much stuff. I, I can't even pack for a trip in three or four hours. Uh, f- flew back to PA, swearing never to be an expat again. After three or four months on my parents' couch, see, back to his parents' couch. <laughs> Why? I, I don't know. I don't, I don't get it. I don't either. He just won 350k. He won 4 million before. Like wh- wh- I don't get it. Yeah, I don't get it either. He doesn't explain this either. Like uh, he doesn't say like, "Oh, I, I have bad depression. My mom always makes me feel better. I feel closer. Yeah, I feel less depressed around my parents." Uh, okay, he d- I'd he, buy that. I, I'd buy that. But he doesn't explain that. He just he just uh keeps talking about going back to his parents. So after three or four months on my parents' couch trying to convince myself that my brain wasn't actually disintegrating, some friends suggested renting a place in Hallandale Beach, Florida for a month. It seemed better than continuing to wallow in my own misery, so I did it. And I fell in love with South Florida. Part of that was a manic love because simply palatable was so much uh, so much better than my status quo. I found fun, big live cash games to play in, games which I mostly get shut out today. Shut out, shut out of today, which he complains about on Twitter all the time, by the way, now. Uh, I, I played some live tournaments from 1K to 10K buy-in and found out they were actually pretty fun. Uh... I met I met some people I liked. One of whom was a local realtor I met playing one k one k at the Hard Rock. I decided that buying a seven hundred ninety k beachfront condo and putting thirty percent down due to the nature of my profession was expensive but justified because I wouldn't go back to hopeless depression. Less than two years later, I lied in that bed in that very beachfront condo, hopelessly depressed. Life comes at you fast. Did he steal that from Ferris Bueller? I think he, he did. I think he, I think he just did. If you don't stop for a second, it's going to pass you by. Oh, my goodness. Uh, I saw my net worth plunge by something like 70% from 2012 to 2014 due to a combination of ill-advised uh, poker staking and unlucky uh, investments such as draft day, as well as being hustled by my, quote, friends and peers in games I was new to, like Super Stud, Aid or Better, and Open Face. So this this sentence is interesting. This is the first time in the whole essay, other than admitting that he was depressed and that he kept running back to mommy. Other than that, it was mostly a, a bragging 
blog up till now. Oh, I won four million here. I was the best player. I, you know, I, I, I crushed this. I crushed that. I won three hundred fifty k. You know, I bought a seven hundred ninety k condo. Uh, like everything was great and fun. And you know, he, yes, he was depressed, but uh, that, that's the only thing bad he was admitting to. As far as like results wise, as far as bankroll wise, it seemed like everything was going swimmingly. Well, finally, he's admitting to here that. All that money he ran out, seventy percent was gone in those two years from two thousand twelve to two thousand fourteen, uh, due to some off the felt mistakes he made. Plus, also playing some new games that uh, he thought he could just be good at, and claims he was hustled by friends who claimed they were also new and were actually good at them. So, uh, the draft day thing is interesting. Uh, draft day, I actually have a history with draft day a little bit, a little bit, I should say. Uh, during the Falling out I had with with Micon and Donkdown. Uh, one of the draft day was a sponsor at the time, and they were paying Donkdown five hundred dollars a month to advertise on there. And uh, when Micon was not uh, keeping to the agreements that we had with our separation contract, I informed and I and I had proof of that, so I informed draft day in, in a tweet that that was going on. What is this separation? What do you mean? When I left Dockdown. Oh, oh, oh. Okay. Yeah, so I, le- I, yeah, yeah. So, so I, I said to Micon at the time, I said, look, you know, if you want to violate the contract, uh, the first thing I'm going to do is let everyone know you're violating the contract. It's not going to be a secret. Right. So, so he, uh, you know, he basically gave me the middle finger. So I said, all right. So, so I went and informed Draft Day, like with just like one tweet or two tweets or something. And he was furious about it. And indeed, Draft Day decided they wanted nothing more to do with it and, and dropped out. Mm. But I, I didn't really follow them after that. Like after after draft day dropped out of as a sponsor for Donkdown, uh, I, I kind of uh, uh, I kind of stopped following them. And then FanDuel and DraftKings rose up to be the the two mega kings of daily fantasy sports. And I didn't even think about oh what about draft day? And I actually thought that draft day was down. But actually, it still exists, draftday.com, if you go there. But it, it's much, much smaller than the, those other ones. And I think they sold it to some other company. But I guess if he's saying that he lost a lot of money in Draft Day, what probably happened is they probably spent so much advertising and it went nowhere. And uh, honestly, if they were spending $500 a month on Dockdown, I understand why they were probably not doing very well. But uh, they... Uh, so I guess he lost money there. So I, I, n- I never knew those people lost money. I, I knew Draft Day eventually hit hard times. I, I didn't know if they lost money or if they just didn't make the big money that the other ones had. I guess. Well, what happens is, I, I think uh, I don't think Draft Day was ever public. So, what happens if the investors invest money in there? Uh, typically, written into the investment agreement is they'll get dividends based on profits, right? So, you know, he could have invested hundreds of thousands of dollars, but if they're not turning any profit, he doesn't get his money back. Yeah, yeah, it <laughs> probably know? is something like not that. Not like you can just say, give me that hundred grand back. That's not how it works. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're basically buying dividends uh, and with your equity in the company. Yeah, so that, that was – so he says, I tried renting a place in Chicago – and getting more hands-on with draft day, only to realize they had actual employees uh, to do all that uh, to, to do all that was necessary, and I didn't really have a role over there. 
<laughs> can, you, can you imagine Brian showing up to an office and standing behind someone's, you know, who's working in a cu- cubicle, just looking at him like, "Hey, you want me to help you with that?" <laughs> yeah, I, like, no, that's I, what I, I was picturing. It's so funny. He, he actually he didn't just show up there. He moved to Chicago. He's like, "Okay, guys, I'm moving here to, to come work with you." Okay, yeah. So I, I just got a place here. All right, great. Uh, so I'm coming into the office today. All right, cool. All right, hey, I'm I'm, I'm here to work. Uh, okay. What do I do? Uh, uh, we don't know. Uh, just, just yeah, my coffee could use a little refreshing. <laughs> Actually, we we need a few copies made. Can you can you uh, <laughs> run these over to the Xerox machine for us, please? Uh, you're dating yourself now. Come on, people okay. don't people don't use those anymore. Okay, so uh, we we need a few uh, pages printed. Can you run them on the uh, the wireless printer, please? So, so he, yeah, so he, he probably just like awkwardly standing around there. <laughs> and yeah, probably, I mean, isn't that a funny picture? If Brian, like, you know, <laughs> walks in the door, we'll say he gets there like 10 or 11, you know, he's a poker player, he's not used to showing up at 8 a.m. And uh, the, everyone's busily doing their jobs in the office, and he's just kind of standing around going, eh, could I help you with that? Is yeah. there anything I could do? You know, casually walks slowly over to someone's door kind of peeks his head in and say yeah can i help you brian is there anything is there anything you need he's like oh I'm just just want to see if there's anything i could do like, no no I'm, I'm trying to get some work done brian thank you <laughs> yeah, but, and he was like hey what about you do you need any help no no that's okay i'm okay i'm good thanks he's like just yeah. he's wandering 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 like what do i do what do i do i just moved here i just i just got a condo here i've got i've got to find a role here i've i got to fit in here somehow like I, I, I think this probably really happened. Like I don't, I don't think that's an yeah. exaggeration. I, I could totally pick. I, I wish I was a fly on the wall there. I wish I could have like seen that, like a video of that. I think I'm sure be- it was something kind of similar to that. You know, yeah. They'd show up and they'd be like, um, you yeah, can sit over by the storage closet, I guess. Yeah, I bet it was something like, like you know, maybe draft day wasn't doing that well. And he said, I, I, you know, how about I move here and I help out? And they're like, okay, yeah, sure. And then he comes over and that, like they didn't really think up like what his position would be. They just kind of like told him, sure, if you want to help, you can. And then he just shows up. Okay, I'm ready to work. Like, uh, hmm. yeah, we've, we've pretty much got everything covered here that we need to do. So, uh, you can hang out if you want. (laughs) (laughs) You can hang out. You can, we got a, we got an office pool table. If you want to go chill out over there. Yeah. You, it's, uh, the, the Coke machine here is only 35 cents. It's a good, it's a good deal. (laughs) Okay, so, uh, so he says, I played on USA Poker sites some, then read a book called Alligator Blood by James Layton that exp- explored the underworld of Daniel Svitkoff and the black market payment processors. I withdrew my balances. Now, that's really weird. I mean, yes, that book exists, and it is about uh, Daniel Svetkov and uh, stealing $100 million from the major poker sites. He was a payment processor. But it, did he really just realize at that moment that the payment processing industry was shady? Like, does he like? Oh my God! I can't believe this. This wasn't legal. Like, they had illegal payment process. I'm out. Uh, get me a computer right now. I've got to withdraw. I've got to withdraw. People, people. Hey, 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 guys. Uh, guys, guys. A draft day. Give me one of your computers. Uh, we're working. No, no. Give this to me right now. <laughs> America's card room. Withdraw. Bovada. Withdraw. Uh, merge. Withdraw. Oh, whew. okay. I got it out. I got it out. Like, I got to wait four months for my check for merge and. I gotta wait uh, the two months from America's Card Room and Bovada. They're pretty fast, so, but I think I'm in time. I think I did it. So he says, I befriended a poker pro who lived nearby. We bonded over common interests 
and talked poker a bunch. At one point, he said he could set me up with a PokerStars account that I could play on from Florida with no trace. I was depressed again and missing online poker dearly and feel, feeling out of good options, so I took him up on it. Now, this is, this is where I've got to call bullshit on the depression. I, I believe he, ha- he suffers from depression, and I believe these things were, despite things going well financially, he would still sometimes just sit there and lie there depressed going like, I should be happy, but I'm not. Like, I, I can believe that's happening, and I know, like, like Kurt Cobain, for example, like, he had everything to be happy about, and he killed himself because he was, he was depressed. Well, he was a drug addict too. Well, I mean, he was strung strung out half the time. No, that's true. But but yeah, there are people that have every reason to be happy and aren't because they suffer from from clinical depression. And that's yeah, you know, so he may have this going on. But that doesn't mean you can blame your depression for every ethical lapse you have. And here, Druff, it sounds like you're going to be disparaging his character. He's just <laughs> making a reasonable life choice, cheating people out of money online. Yeah, so so he's so he's talking about how he wanted to play on PokerStars using a VPN, which that by itself, that's between him and PokerStars. I don't really care if people go do that, but but uh, he's he's already blaming on depression, which is BS. In reality, he just wanted to play on PokerStars and was missing it, and it's like, oh well. Someone has a way to do it. I'm going to do it. Like just just admit it. Just admit I, I missed playing on PokerStars. I uh, this is a way I could do it, so I decided to. Don't don't get this depression crap there. That's not why he did it. So yeah. And the only problem I have with a VPN is just one of fairness, really. You know, because there are lots of other people who decide to abide by it that uh, they're missing out. Yeah. You know. Yeah. But but I agree with you. It's not you know it's not the end of the world from an ethical point of view. Yeah. So he says it, it was the wrong thing to do, but I justified it by how wronged I felt the by the entire industry. What, what what does he mean by that? I mean, the 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 industry didn't shut him out. The, the government did. Now it's true the industry this happened because the industry was operating illegally. But if it didn't operate illegally in the first place, it would never have existed. So well, the industry is the guy that wrote down his quote, the stupid shit that he said about the the <laughs> yeah. hand uh, conglomerated hand histories. Oh, maybe that's what so he that's, means. Yeah, that's maybe. part of the industry. Oh, okay. that like, and the other part of the industry he doesn't like is. You know, people invited him uh, into some of these games that they knew he was a fish at and took his money. Okay, so maybe that's what... See, I was thinking he was mad like at not being able to play there anymore. I think that's what he was trying to say. But uh, you're, you're probably right that he meant, he meant the other things he was already complaining about. Mental health played a big role in my decision. When the sky fell, I quickly found out that this, quote, friend didn't have my back at all. In fact, he would go on to double-cross me in ways too repulsive to even post on a public blog. Well, no, they're not. What 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 do you mean too repulsive? Did he like screw him in the ass when he was sleeping? Like, how is it too That's repulsive? That's exactly what we want to hear. Yeah, like <laughs> if he really got screwed over by someone to where he becomes a sympathetic character, even if you don't want to name the guy, just say what happened. Too repulsive. Exactly. How repulsive could it be? I mean, just just tell us. What does that even it's, mean? It's it's probably not that repulsive at all. Yeah, or or there or he's afraid that the guy will come out and tell his side of the story and he'll look bad, so he just. Uh, he just figures if he doesn't give any details, that guy won't either. They probably both will look bad if this comes out. So he says, Nor did quite a few others whom I expected to. I didn't respond to the attacks well and lashed out back some. When the dust settled, I realized I had effectively turned the person that I, turned into the person that I resent, even if only for a short period of time. I can remember seeing therapists... Now, now by the way, he, he's skipping over something. He's almost... This blog's almost over, Okay. I'll tell you something he never touches upon, unless he was trying to do it in this past paragraph. But I, I don't think he did because this doesn't really... He's not really up to 2015 yet. 
He doesn't talk about the buying the account of the fish. Like, he just skips over that. This, this paragraph seems to be about using a VPN, which that's the least of the problems here. So, so I, I don't know if he's like kind of combining this all of the decisions he made then, but the, the buying the account of the fish was not depression. It, it wasn't friends screwing him over. It, it was just greed. It was greed and it was cheating is what it was. So he doesn't cover this. So he goes on to and, say... And entitlement. Yeah, the entitlement yeah. too, yes. He, he felt like he should be entitled to play. Yeah, and play on, and play on a fish's account and, and have people play him with a you know, believing that he had a much different style than he really did. Because it was, I mean, that's pretty fucked up. It is. I, I, because I think about when I played online poker and I see a fish there that I know I've played as a fish and I know I've beaten for a lot of money, I know he sucks. Like, when I see the guy, I'm thrilled. And I go play him and I expect that same player that I'm used to playing. And uh, yeah, I'm going to call him down a lot lighter. I'm going to do a lot of different things against him than I would against good or okay players. So to have a, a pro on that account, knowing that I think he's that same fish, it really gives the guy a huge edge, and it's very unethical. And there's, there's another wrinkle to this, too. Um, and that is that that following World Series, like before all of this came out uh, about him being on that account, he made a shit ton of prop bets with other pro poker players about how he was going to do in a lot of these mixed game events. And as far as they knew, you know, he just was not good at the mixed games. They yeah, had he, no he, idea. Right, and he told them that, that he too. was online practicing and getting really fucking good at those. Yeah, games. and he was telling them that like he hardly played them and things like that. So, yeah, that was another it was a way for him to hide and and play these online. So, yeah, it was a, a double of the one-two punch there. So, he says, I can remember seeing therapists four and five years ago taking career inventory tests and talking about how I needed to move on from poker to be happy. Unfortunately, I didn't have the self-confidence to do it until now. Sonia, that's the uh, girlfriend he has, whom I met in August 2013 and started dating Stage in... Dece- name. <laughs> I started dating in 2014, has been the best thing that's ever happened to me. It's been a long, sometimes painful journey, but with her help... I have realized that, yes, I am brilliant, and yes, I am capable of great things bigger than mastering a game and winning other people's money. So that's, uh, he's, he's learned from this whole thing that, yes, he's actually brilliant. He's brilliant. That's the, that's, that's the takeaway here. He's learned. After all this, he's, he really is brilliant. Good job. Way to be, uh, way to be introspective there. So... I mean, I don't blame the guy for wanting to be happy, but that doesn't, uh, <laughs> you know, whitewash all the shitty things that he did. Yeah, you, you don't finish like a whole blog about mistakes you made. Like, yeah, you know, I realized I'm brilliant, so I can move on now. And while I love the game itself, I loathe the politics and a number of the industry players. Well, that's what people are afraid. The stuff you did is what people loathe. I mean, this this is the type of stuff that people hate about poker, and you were a big part of it. So, right, you, you can't you can't loathe the the people who are giving you a hard time about the stuff you did wrong. You, if there's anyone you should loathe about this, it should be yourself. And and, yeah, you and, just, and if anyone had an impact on giving online poker a bad name, it's him doing shit like this. Yes, and, and, it, and other people too. Yes, but he it, contributed. Yes. To- the tarnishing of his own profession. Yeah, it's, it's him and others like him. You, you can't do all these things and then say, oh, I hate the industry, the, the politics and the, 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 the people, the, the industry players. I, I, I just can't, I can't stand them. They're all just out for themselves. Well, look at yourself. Look in the mirror. 
So he says, the time is now for me to shift my focus to my new company. His new company is called Unity. That's U-N-I-T-E-A. And yes, they make tea. That's his new profession. He's making tea. More details on that in a blog to come. I feel reborn, and I can't wait for this new journey. If you didn't notice, Unity is a pun on unity. Something we are in dire need of these days. Isn't that sweet? So he gives a little bit more information. All these people are kissing his ass in the blog here and uh, you know, telling him how uplifting this was, blah, blah, blah. But he actually gave some information about unity. Uh, someone asked, uh, is unity a multi-level marketing scheme? Just wondering. So he responded back. This was about four days ago. It's not a bad question. <laughs> but he responded. Was that you, Drew? No, I, I wish it was me, but it wasn't. So someone writes. So he writes back. Not at all. Plan is to open one retail location and go from there. So how does he think this is going to work? So well, he's going to open up some tea store in South Florida. Expect just out of nowhere that people in South Florida are going to want to buy Unity. Even if he sells, you know, even if the retail store can be online too, like that's a very hard thing to just break into. Yep. There, there are so many like gimmick products out there that tout themselves as being the next great thing in whatever uh, area that product is, and almost all of them fail. They, they almost all fail. It's very, very hard to come with a new product just out of nowhere and, and have it be successful. It, almost all of them fail. It, it's a very, very tough thing to do. It, it's, it's about as tough as saying, I'm going to go to Hollywood and be an actor and then hit it big. It, it's kind of like that. It's just a, a tiny percentage succeed and succeed big time, but most of them fail miserably. Yeah, and I don't begrudge the guy for, for trying, but realistically, I mean, do we think that he actually has done market research and has a business plan and all that kind of stuff, or does his girlfriend just like tea and he decided to start selling it? Yeah, I think it has know? to do with his girlfriend because – so Unity doesn't even have a website yet. It All it has is a Twitter account, which is U-N-I-T-E-A-F-L, Unity Florida. U-N-I-T-E-A-F-L. And if you go there, you see like a big banner picture of him and his girlfriend, which I guess is sweet, but that has nothing to do with tea. Like, if you're going there to learn about whatever tea he's selling, you don't care about, like, you don't want to see a giant picture of him and his girlfriend, which has nothing to do with tea. Now, so I realize, you're saying he, you don't think he did a lot of market research? No, no. I, I, <laughs> I just wonder where this idea even came from. It's so random. Like, like why tea, of all things? <laughs> and, like, one retail location. I think he would be better at multi-level marketing. I think he should start because that. Because, you know, there was one day she came home, and she had, uh, you know, some Tazo tea that she got from Starbucks. And she said, oh, Brian, I, I, this is really good tea. We should sell this stuff. You know, that's probably how it, that's probably how it came about. You know, something silly like that, which again, you know, it's fine. Whatever idea you come up with for a business, that's fine. But you you have to do market research and you have to do a good business plan. Otherwise, your chances of succeeding are are very very low. Yeah, it's extremely yeah. low. And you, it's just to even get the word out that it exists. Forget the interest in people having to order it. It's, a, it's a, the fact that people they even know it's out there. First of all, and then those that know it's there have the desire to get it, and that the product has to be good enough to where people 
will want to continue getting it and spend whatever money that you're charging for it, unless you're you know dirt cheap and beating the competition. But that's hard to do as a single retail store. So right, and and there are loose leaf, you know, boutique tea shops that exist, uh, and there are websites that sell this stuff. Um, so I don't know how he's going to distinguish himself. Yeah, I, mean, I assume I, it's just going to be a retail outlet, but I don't know. There's actually another Unity that's in Canada. I found like Unit. I think there's Unity dot ca spelled the same way. Well, there are only so many puns you can have on, with the letter T in them. You <laughs> yeah. Know? So, so that that's his plan now. Now, someone said he's quit poker like five times in the last few years. So maybe this doesn't mean much. And he doesn't say he's never playing again. It's just that he's. Uh, switching to something else, and this could just really be his depression talking, like, ah, I'm done with poker, I'm so sick of the, 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 the toxic people here. Now, l- listen to this quote, or I'm almost done with this topic, but I've, I've got to quote this because this is amazing considering everything he's done. This is what he wrote on November 29th, just two days ago. For anyone who values an extra dollar in his pocket more than dignity, please unfriend me. Can't do it anymore. Progress. <laughs> or sorry, process, not progress. It's hashtag process. So he's saying if, if you value an extra dollar more than dignity, you have unfriend him and exit his life. That's exactly what he did. I mean, how, do you, how does a multi-accounter who buys an account from a fish to trick people, how do you say something like that when you did this a year and a half ago? There's a little bit of irony in there. Yeah, how, how do you say that? I mean, at least Justin Bonomo, for all I criticize him, at least his multi-accounting was 10 years ago. He can claim that he's uh, he's gone enough time now to where that's that's in his past and he doesn't do it anymore. But but a year and a half ago, now you're, you're, you're telling people that if they value money over dignity that you don't want to do anything to do with them? I mean, you, it's one thing to say, I've changed. I was once like this too, and now I'm moving on. So if you're like what I used to be, please exit my life. That makes more sense. Just like a, a drug addict may say, you know, if you still want to do drugs, please don't be in my life anymore. That, that's fine. But it sounds like he's just talking about other people being this way, and he was never this way, other than... Well, what he- this just jives with everything I've ever heard him say, which is just he doesn't take responsibility for anything that he's done. Well, that, and that's what this pretty much is. It's, it's, yeah. uh, it's like an excuse-making... Uh, the, the whole blog is, is either bragging or making excuses, and... The, the only part that I fa- the only parts that I found heartfelt there were the discussion of the depression, at, at least when it wasn't being used for an excuse, and the time that he lost seventy percent of his bankroll from various bad investments and bad decisions. So that that was the most interesting part to me, because that seemed to be revealing actual negative things in his life with, without uh, necessarily some excuse or something that was hard to swallow. So this is. Uh, but yeah, he definitely doesn't take responsibility for anything. And that's that's what I've noticed the whole time with him. When he was caught with this whole thing with that uh, Fisher's account, he basically told everyone to fuck off. You know, he was, they're not going to do anything about it. He knows it too bad. Was pretty much his attitude. So uh, he definitely still has a lot of growing up to do. And it's, it's someone who keeps going back to their parents over and over to live with them when they're, despite having a whole lot, you know, having seven figures in the bank. Uh, well, maybe he spent it all on therapists. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know? Maybe his therapists have uh, $4 million now. Yeah, I don't know. It's uh, He definitely has issues here. There's no question. And his girlfriend, whatever her, bank, whatever her background was, I think she has the patience of a saint here to deal with all this. 
Unless he's buying her a lot of stuff, then like, maybe she doesn't have patience with a saint. I don't know. Depends how much money he still has left. If, if he's if he's like... Be honest with me, Druff. You A picture of her flashes up. You don't know her. You don't know anything about her. High maintenance, low maintenance. Oh, definitely high. Yeah. Like, like I, way, that was, way high. That's what it looked like to me, too. No, that's what yeah. I thought when I first saw her. That's uh, I, I thought yeah. that, too. I'm like, oh, she, you know, she's with this... Uh, um, yeah, you know, she's with him because he has money, and that's you know I'm sure he spends money on her, and like yeah, you know, I, I, so that, they've been together three years. Maybe it is a loving relationship. Maybe it is something very positive for him. I, I don't want to disparage her just you know because of she has that look. But yeah, I, I that's what jumped out at me, and I saw her in person. I, that was I saw her in person before I saw pictures of her. So, uh, provided she, is, she may be she may be a wonderful person, and they may have a wonderful relationship. I'm just. Saying, I mean, you know, based on my first impressions of her, I mean, she definitely doesn't seem to be uh, uh, the low maintenance type. Yeah, she she doesn't seem to be thick or thick and thin. Yeah, now me being me being me being a cheap Jew, uh, I've never attracted the high maintenance types because they just know that it's it's not going to go that way with me. So yeah, it's because you refuse to buy them drinks uh, on the first date, Druff. Okay, they get the idea. <laughs> so, so the, at least there, I don't have that worry. And uh, yeah, I'll, I'll, I don't know if I've ever mentioned this before. In, in the period of time I was dating in, in between my last two relationships uh, in Las Vegas, I, I didn't want to tell anyone at the beginning about me being a poker player or even my full name i didn't want to be googled and be seen for this because i was afraid it would attract gold diggers who you know wouldn't get the idea fast enough that i was a cheap jew so i I actually would would just not talk about that and and just make make up some kind of uh, story about what i did usually some kind of like something based upon my previous uh, profession yeah the only problem i have with the uh the term gold diggers is that it implies that the the gold is this passive inanimate object, right? And, you know, if you have any kind of a clue, you know what kind of girl is going to be a high-maintenance girl who might be after you for money, you know? And it's not it's not a difficult thing to figure out. Well, so. yeah, but there's some that are in the middle. So the, the obvious ones I, I didn't want to touch, the, the there's the ones that are obviously not... Yeah, the girls who just seem very low maintenance and just don't seem to care about money at all, and there's right. ones out like that. And then there's ones in the middle that that seem to appreciate nice things, but don't necessarily seem like they're with you for that. Even if they are happy that you have money, and and that is a plus for you, uh, or even if they just don't want to be with someone who's who's broke all the time and they don't want to deal with the stress of that, which is understandable. Uh, but it, I don't want anyone's first impression of me when I, when I when I was on the dating scene I didn't want their first impression of me to be something about me having money so I I purposely avoided that I didn't want them there were, there were two things I didn't want either the positive or negative impression of, of the poker lifestyle I didn't want them being afraid that I was a degenerate that they couldn't trust with money and I didn't want them to think of me as, as like a sugar daddy or so even if they were my age like I, I just didn't want them to see me as someone who's going to be uh, spending big money on them you still could have not gone Dutch on the first date, bro. You still could have bought them a fucking drink. <laughs> no, you know what? You know what? Even better, forget to going Dutch. You just uh, go meet them like really late at night, and there's nowhere to go, except for like Denny's, <laughs> and it's really cheap. 
That's that's a trick. See, see, on the first date, if you if you go at uh, eight o'clock at You're night, taking first dates to Denny's at midnight. No, no. Here, here's okay. Listen, listen. How this goes down here. Okay, you're talking. You don't have like a, a scheduled first date at midnight. You're you're just like talking on the phone, and the girl says like, "Oh, I really wish I could meet you." You know, it's. Uh, you know, it seems too long to wait to Friday. You go, oh, okay, I'll come over right now then. Like, oh, cool. So like, it, it seems like you're conceding to come over then at midnight. But in reality, it's, it's like having a first date where you don't have to take them out. And, and it's more likely something's going to happen. Oh, my God. See, if you, if you meet a girl for like... <laughs> listen, the depths that you're going to go through listen, to it, not have to take them out on a date. Listen, if you, if you meet a girl at... at uh, the worst thing you can do is like go to like a lunch date because that's like such a bad environment for anything to happen because it's you know it, it, in the middle of the day you're not gonna like the girl's not gonna be in the mood to do anything she's not gonna be making out with you with the sun beating down on her head in the strip mall like it's not gonna happen so uh the worst you can do is is like a daytime date because there's nothing's gonna happen an evening date uh something may happen afterwards but but you're gonna be expected to take them out somewhere that uh is gonna cost you a lot of money but if you meet late at night uh, you don't. There's really nowhere to take them out, so you're not. It's not being held against you. That you didn't take them to a nice place, and you're not. Uh, and also, it's much more likely something's going to happen. If a girl's willing to meet you at midnight, usually that means something's going to happen. So that's uh, th- that was my approach. Now, to be honest here, though, with with my current girlfriend, with my current girlfriend, I actually did take her on on a real first date, and it was I, I didn't do the midnight thing. She actually she flew to Las Vegas. And uh, I, I picked her up at about noon at the Las Vegas airport, and then uh, we uh, did some stuff during the day. Not like anything sexual, we just like did some outdoor activities during the day, and then we uh, I took her to a nice dinner at night. So that was different, but but that was someone I had known from the past, for uh, you know from college, and then uh, we talked for a few weeks on the phone. So that that was different. That that one I was I was really seeking for that one to be something that was going to last like a real relationship yeah, god forbid one of these other girls you end up marrying and she, she's got to tell her kids oh yeah you know we met in the denny's parking lot at midnight <laughs> no but you can you can frame cheap, it because he was too cheap to buy me dinner. no but it, but it doesn't go that way see if to, to her it would have been he met me at, at midnight and we went to denny's because we, we wanted to meet each other so badly that we couldn't wait till uh, friday at eight so we just went you know, on wednesday night at midnight we went, went and met at denny's it sounds it sounds so sweet that we we couldn't wait another one and a half days to meet that we we had to go do it right now even though nothing's really open except Denny's. I guess, but if you're a chick and you're you're meeting someone for the first time and you're going out really late at night, I mean, you got to be a little bit smart about it. That that's how a lot of the newspaper headlines start out. No, but I'm telling you, see, like like like, yes, you're right. And if I were a girl, I'd be terrified to do that. But, uh, like. The, those the girls I'm talking about, like I'd been talking to them on the phone. Sometimes not even that long, but they just get this impression of me that I'm very safe, that I'm not someone to worry about. I mean, that it may not be very smart because I could be. That's just what they on, said about Dahmer too. I know I could be putting on an act, but the thing is that <laughs> it, it, for whatever reason, I, I would project enough of a an impression of someone to be comfortable with that they weren't scared at all, and and even like meeting in person, they they would uh, decide that they weren't uh, scared or intimidated in any way, and they you know like so. Or or they had suspect judgment. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, or or they drank at night. But uh but whatever it was, they they were uh this was never really an issue. Like they just they just felt comfortable. So it was yeah, that's so, when they, they had uh you know, 
a glass of wine and a Xanax, it kicks in. They're like, yeah, screw it. I'll go meet the guy so, in the parking lot. So it worked. And it, usually it was their idea. Like, oh, I've got to meet you tonight. i got to meet you tonight. So I'm like, okay, well, let's go meet tonight. And then I'm thinking, yes, I don't. if this is a fail, it doesn't cost me any money. That's so brutal. No, you know what? If if <laughs> if it's a success, like if the date goes well, then then I don't feel bad about having spent money. It's just, the, the worst is when you've spent money and it's just, well, okay, it's been nice meeting you. No, but no, but the crazy part is your first your first thought is, oh, this is great because if it doesn't work out, it doesn't cost me any money. <laughs> you would think you would be thinking about, oh, you know, I hope this works out. I don't want to get disappointed or I don't want to be upset or whatever. You're like, yeah, no, I, I can't wait to save 10 bucks. <laughs> I, I got so I got so used to it and so jaded over time, like meeting girls from online. I, I, with most of them, like the, the attitude was, well, it's going to be a little frustrating if this doesn't work out, but more of just kind of like I wasted time on it. But uh, like I, I was like, well, who cares? I'll just I'll just talk to another one in a few days. Like if that have like I'll be disappointed for the second. But like I, I go into it thinking if this doesn't work, yeah, no big deal. There's only been a few that like coming into them. I think wow, if this doesn't work, I'm gonna be really depressed about it. And then, then the I'm not just saying this. The the one that I felt the most that way that would be really really frustrating, depressing if it failed was was my current girlfriend like when we when she came out to i was well that was one of the few i was nervous about is i wasn't nervous about any of these since i was very young but this one i was actually nervous about because it had such a build-up to it and it it seemed so promising and i thought if this is a fail that's going to be such a freaking letdown like i i was this is gonna be a tough one to get over if it fails so uh so i didn't but that was but that was that was unusual most of them i would approach like yeah, if if it doesn't work, it doesn't work, and I, I know there's many behind it. These are kind of a dime a dozen. So uh, you know, even if I like this girl, I know if, if it fails, I'm not going to attach much emotion to it. So I don't th- see. I don't think the Hastings girl is going to be meeting you in no Denny's parking lot. No, she, no. She wants to be taken out to a nice dinner. No, I'm not saying that me and Brian Hastings have the same approach. I'll I'll, I'll, <laughs> I'll acknowledge that. No, no, these girls were not high maintenance. But that's like, like I just wouldn't appeal to the ones that are high maintenance. I, I just, I, I just don't think that, uh, in several ways, I just don't think I really match with them. So I, I haven't had that much of a problem with that because I, they just, it, it's not even like they get to know me and they go, "Oh, this guy's a cheap Jew. I, I want nothing to do with him." Like it doesn't even get to that point. They don't even, uh, we don't even click in the first place, which is good. Uh, Scott from the East Coast is trying to call him. I'm trying to add him, but something's not working here. Saying add to group, it's just, I'm clicking add to group call, and it's just like ignoring it. So let me try to add him. I'm gonna try to add him back. I should have used the old Skype. I, I made like a last minute decision. Do I do, do I add the do I do this with the old Skype or the new Skype? I chose the last second the new one. I'm sort of new. Like I haven't downloaded. I, it. I can always call back if you need me to. I don't care. This is so weird. I've had this before. I think where I've attempted to add someone. I just can't. Yeah, we're, we're going to have to reconstruct this. I'll, I'll call you back in a second. Okay. Okay, we're going to go to old Skype. When the new fails, you go to the old. So sorry, Scott, I'm trying to uh, answer your calls, but uh, it's just not letting me. This, this is why they shouldn't update products. Should, if a product is working, just leave it alone. You don't, you don't have to update it just to update it. So many of these companies just want to update for the sake of updating. Just, they, they want to come out with something new because they feel they have to. That's always bothered me. And where is... Uh, here we are. Here is Calwatt. 
try to put him on first. Watch, we're not going to reach him. I, I know it. <laughs> Just this calling. Oh, oh, there you are! Wow, what a what a shock! I, I see. You know, the old Skype actually shows me your birthday. Oh, that's cool. It's it's like right in my face. I, I see. Oh, buy me a present. No, for some reason, I I thought you were a little younger than you are. For some I reason, I th- for some reason I thought you were a little younger. Not much younger. Must have been that must have been that black dress I was wearing. Yeah, it's a little bit younger. Like I I, I see the birthday and I go, wow! I didn't realize uh, quite that far back. Okay, so let me let me try to add uh, Scott from the East Coast now. We'll see if going to the old Skype. I bet it's going to work. I bet I bet old Skype's going to solve this. Then I'm going to just make a pledge from now on. I'll tell you why I didn't do it this time. It was because why isn't this working? Why isn't this working? There goes your sponsorship deal. <laughs> I think I'm doing this wrong. I think I'm forgetting how the old Skype works. Um, conversations. How do I add a call? To, it says add phone number. Oh, add people. See, there's add phone number, add people. That's that's the trick. See, this this I will admit this old Skype's interface is poor. And I'm going to blame Belly Buster for this because he's, he posted how to get this thing. Here we go. Says it's ringing. This is a Scott from the East Coast. Who's ah? See, it works. Yeah, I, I knew. I knew switching Skype's better. He may not answer, but Domino's Pizza. How can I help you? Yes. Um, yes. I, I'd like to find out how much are you charging per topping? Dollar uh, seventy-five today. Today, what it went up? Yes. Okay, uh, in that case, uh, I'm going to get a, a plain cheese pizza. And um, so i, I got to figure out here, what's the difference between a, a medium and a large? The, what, what's the price difference? A uh, Jewish guy can afford a medium. Non-Jew can afford a large. Well, that's not very nice. The Jewish people have a lot of money. How dare you say that? Okay, so, so uh, what's the size of a large compared to a medium? Uh... The difference in the dough. What? The difference in the dough. No, what's the size difference? What's the actual size difference? Two inches. See, that's exactly my point here. See, see, the the smart Jew gets the large, because the large is only a little bit more money than the medium, but, but it's actually a lot larger. But it seems like it's not larger, because uh, two inches seems like no big of a deal. But because it's actually a round pizza, you're talking about the diameter... And if you if you figure out the area of the pizza, which is what matters, it's actually a big difference. So I'm going for the large. And even if I have to throw part of it away, I know I at least got correct value, which is the important thing here. And and if I ever do get a topping, I, I will like if I get two toppings, I always make sure to uh, to split them. So this way, I can only pay for one topping. Yeah, if you part this, part that. It's a good trick. Okay, so anyway, Scott from the East Coast. Kind of like when I get double pepperoni and half cheese. Yeah, that's, that's, I never thought of that one before. That's a good trick. Okay, so uh, Scott from the East Coast, hello. Hey. And are, are you? Hey, I, was, I tried texting you so you didn't have to call me. I just wanted to know how many girls you met on J-Date back in the day. Uh, that's not something that uh, 
Zero. I, I bet zero. Not zero point zero. Wow. Z- yep, uh, you're exactly correct. I on J date where I was only on for a short time. I met zero point zero. No, I hated that site. I'll tell you the problem with J date for anyone who is Jewish that may think of using it or even isn't Jewish and is thinking of using it. This at least was my experience. Now I'm talking about like almost 15 years ago now. Or maybe it was 15 years ago. Something in the early 2000s when I used it. The problem with J-Date was that it was full of uh, Jewish American princesses who had unrealistic standards where basically their whole dating life was a failure. Mostly because their standards were unrealistically high for what they could realistically get. And they thought that J-Date was the solution. That they'd get on J-Date and the, the Jewish Prince Charming that they were waiting for all their lives was going to sweep them off their feet. And anyone who falls short of Jewish Prince Charming wasn't worth their time. And these, it's not like these were like super hot chicks with everything to offer. These were just you know, very average girls. Average looking, average job, uh, average personality at best. You know, like these, these were not girls that you're you know, thrilled to be dating. These are girls like you're like, oh, okay, I guess, I guess maybe uh, I'll give her a chance. Uh, it was that type of girl, not not someone that you just feel the regular like, girl from just the regular girl from the valley. Yeah, it, it wasn't something you you think is like way out of your league, and you're, you're thrilled to give you the time of day. This this is just like some ordinary girl, and yet yes, she's treating you like like you're not good enough for her. And this was very common on JD. Not just it wasn't just my experience. Like many guys I, I talked to that have used this have found this, and it occurs much more there than on other sites. And so I got tired of that real quickly. And uh, there, there were also a lot of the, the serial daters, and I, I don't mean sluts, I mean girls that would go on tons of first dates and, and not like anyone. It's kind of the same syndrome. And then... Uh, Todd, there were time. plenty of sluts when I was on it. It was the it was the plenty of fish before we had plenty of fish. I don't know. I never, see, on, I never got that far. On this, at least on this coast. See, I, I, see I, I'll tell you, in, in L.A., I never got that far. I got... Uh, I didn't even like them enough on the phone, or sometimes even before we spoke on the phone, to, to even go that far. So I, I never met uh, a single one of them. Oh, God. Here, let's see here. I think we lost... Who's uh, Kilowatt? Kilowatt, you back? I am here. Oh, good, okay. Did, did, do you hang up on your own? We just lost you. It just cut off. See, this is the problem. See, I get on the old Skype, and I can take calls, but then we get cut. I, I can't win. I need, like, a combination of the old Skype. I'll hang up. You guys are having a great show. Okay, thank, no, thank no, you. No, we're, we're good, man. <laughs> so, wait, wait, hold on. I want to hear about the, the sluts you met off J-Date, though. Uh, I'll leave that for when I see you again in Vegas. I don't oh, wanna, okay. I don't want to put anybody down on the radio. Okay, that's, that's understandable. But so, so, but you, you, how long did you utilize J-Date in that way? Uh, from about the time I was 23 to 28. Got sick of it at 28. Went to another site, met the worst, worst woman I could ever meet in my life, and uh, fortunately led me to meeting my wife uh, a year later. So, 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 you, you, so you met your wife through like the worst woman you could have met in your life? No, 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 no. I learned to get off of online dating. Oh, I see. So, oh, I see. So, so it, it drove you away. Now, where where did you meet your wife? We haven't been. Have we been down this road? No. Met my wife at a previous job. Okay, I did not know that. I'd uh, rather I never... leave it at that. I, I don't. You, you know the backstory. Uh, Joy, I, th- I don't think you ever told me this one. 
Well, you, you can tell me foster some other mom, time. Foster mom, dated a mother three, or none of them were hers. That You know the story. Uh, I'm trying to think. I may have forgotten it. Well, okay. Well, well, you can refresh my memory some other time. So, anyways, yeah, Scott. So, you are you're in Atlantic City. What, what are you doing there? Just to play online poker, or you're just uh, Caesars give me a ton of um, I don't know how to describe it. Um, money to come up. Oh, okay. Between between slots and paying me reward credits just for showing up. So, I just show up tonight and collect between tonight and tomorrow. Yeah, I've done that before. Yeah, I, I've done, I've done that where I like there's like basically a, whoring myself out to get money. Yeah, I've done that before. Like there's some good offers like on back to back nights, and I just go there and you know collect the money and just kind of hang out and then leave. <laughs> so, yeah. All right. Well, good. Uh, and uh, thank you for calling in. All right. Later. All right. So let's uh, let's move on here. Now, how how much longer till you uh, abandon me and go to sleep? Uh, I don't know. I'll do what I can, bro. Okay, so it's been a slow paced show so far, but we'll move I got on. The, I got the the time zone disadvantage, you know. Yeah, you mean? do, you do. You got the the West Coast bias on the show always hurts you. It it is a big West Coast bias. Like I go, oh, we can start eight thirty. It's no big deal. Like eight thirty is not that late. And I go, well, East Coast is eleven thirty. I screw them. Like they don't matter. But then, but then I have to have then I have co-hosts on the east, and then I feel bad. Oh, that's what I wanted to ask you before. So, you know, obviously, hopefully, Brandon comes back and everything. But uh, is this a package deal? Is is Traderuski not coming along? No, Traderuski will. Uh, he'll he'll come on. He's Traderuski is friends with both of us, and he, he I'm sure he'll support both shows. Traderuski is a very agreeable guy. You know, he's not going to take sides on anything. I know. I, I miss him. We've got to get him to call in. Hopefully he's listening. Yeah, it's a good question if he's listening. A lot of times I think he's not, and then I, I get a message, oh, I'm here. Yeah. Well, a lot of times you think he's falling asleep and be like, I'm here. <laughs> Traderuski, message me if you're listening. Send send me a message, uh, a text message here. Traderuski is one of the lucky few who has my uh, phone number here. Do you actually have my my cell phone number? I don't think so. Oh, I'll, I mean, I'll give it to you, but uh, I wasn't sure if you had it. Okay, so I, for some reason, I thought you had it, but if you don't have it, I'll give it to you. Okay, you you you've earned it. Oh my god. Okay, so <laughs> you know, speaking of cell phone numbers, not to get on another tangent, but on uh, Dockdown. Some guy from Minnesota, like Judonk, posted my phone number on the on the forum or on his forum when he was running it. And uh, some guy from Minnesota was like relentlessly pranking me, just over and over, just calling, 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 and not saying anything. Mm. And with a blocked number, and he thought he was so clever, and he didn't realize that you can see through blocked numbers if you know how to do it. So I I saw through his number, which I, I didn't have that ability at first, but then I looked into it and did it. And I called him up and confronted him. And and he denied it and said it was that he heard his roommate was doing it, but it wasn't him. But he was very, very uh scared during the phone call. And I wasn't threatening anything or anything. He was just very, very uh shocked that I got this and didn't know what to say to me. I he was very nervous. Oops. So uh, then I, I had to figure out who he was. I'm like, well, who, who is this guy? Why was he harassing me so much? 
And what was so strange is I, I forgot how I figured it out, but I figured out who he was on the forum. He didn't tell me. I, I figured it out. And uh, when uh, I figured out, I f- the guy had done nothing but post nice things about me. Over he wasn't a, a like, really active poster, but the few times he did post and mentioned me, it was always positive. He never said one negative thing, and when he did talk about me, it was always positive. I'm like, why is this guy then doing this to me? Why was he harassing me like this? And it was like during World Series events, I was just getting bombed with phone calls. So he kind of like left the community after I exposed all this. So anyway, we have a caller from the Z three hundred five area. Call you on the air. Hey yo, <laughs> are you kidding? You know who the fuck it is? I told you I was calling from this. I, I wasn't sure if I could believe it, but yeah. So the bad guy is apparently in Florida. I'm Broward County, born and bred, brother. So, so, so why are you in Broward County right now? Hey. We all might be in the same place, but we just use different phone numbers. You know how it is. It's like that guy from Minnesota. He probably was your next door neighbor. He's fucking with you. No, no, I, I figured out everything about him. You know, you know, you know me here. I, I, uh, I, I got the whole story. I got, well, you know me too, right? So, so I mean, how, how many years have we known each other? Well, yeah, you know, it is true. I, I haven't really known you to leave Pittsburgh, so. Oh, come on. What, that, it's not about leaving Pittsburgh, man. I go to West Virginia. Come on, that's leaving Pittsburgh. <laughs> I'm, still, I'm still waiting for you to come. You, you kept talking over the years about coming to Las Vegas, and it, it just never happens. No, hold on. Listen to me. Fuck that. I had warrants and shit. It's not about leaving Pittsburgh. I'm saying, how many years have you known me? I'm about to give you some fucking knowledge here, man. All right, what's the knowledge? You give me knowledge. I, I've gotten knowledge off of you for how many years, right? I said, I love you on the radio, how everything goes. What do you mean you broke the band up again? I mean, just when I started liking the band, it got broken up again. So it's not fully broken up. It's just the temporarily having issues. But so, so what? What knowledge are you going to drop here? What, I want to ask why the bands always get broken up, man. Well, I, I don't know. It just happened. I, I'm asking the questions here. Hey, remember the first time I talked to you when you thought I was a pimp? Yeah. Here's how this interview goes. I talk, then you fucking talk, brother. Well, th- not that I don't think you're the <laughs> no, Las Vegas No, I'm kidding with you, man. I'm, I'm jagging with you, but, like, what the fuck's going on here? You got 13 people in the fucking, in the chat. Well, There's because... only 13 people. Everybody's divided. This is like the Trump versus Hillary Clinton election. No, it's just because it's a Thursday later at night. That's why it's not, uh, the live audience is not as good as it usually is. But, uh, so, so anyway... And also, we hadn't been on since mid-November. People kind of forgot. So, anyway, uh, bad guy. Look, I, I don't want to break up. I, I, you're not in the mood tonight. I can tell. Right no, now. look, I know. I, I don't. I, I am in the mood. But I just don't want to break up. There's no band I'm trying to break up. But these things just happen. I know, but what the fuck? Well, I don't understand. Like, what's the what? What the hell happened here? Like, why did you guys can't just do the radio, man? I mean, like, I, 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 I'd like to. It's just it it. Uh, like disagreements crop up over time. Yeah, you know I'm not a Brandon fan, man. I mean, I'm not against them either, but I, I thought he broke up the band. But I, I'm starting to think you broke up the bands, man. No, I didn't. I didn't break up anything. Uh, Brandon has some gripes about things. Uh, some of them are understandable. I have, in return, have have my own gripes, and we're we're talking it out. So we're we're trying to. Now, here's my thing, though. Here's my thing, though. Now, if he wants to do a show on here. You want you want paid for it though, right? No, okay. So so this since you brought this yeah, up, hey, let's let the cat out of the bag. That's what the people want to hear. They don't want to hear. Listen, first off, I want to say one other thing. Kilowatt is great. Actually, he's a great, great co-host. He is. Even though I knocked him out of the, I knocked him out of the 
tournament, and I knocked Trader Ruski out of the tournament. I told that him to go you? fuck Brandon. When I knocked, <laughs> yeah, I'm Hoyas. I knocked you out, and then I said, say hello to the bad guy after I did it. Do I get paid ten times? That's what I said to you. Oh, and I knocked Trader Ruski out, too. I knocked them both yeah, out. Yeah, Trader Ruski texted me, by the way. He is He is listening, by the way. Uh, no, I like Trader Ruski, man, but if he's going to sell out, then he's a sellout. No, I, he's not going to sell out, though. That's, the, that's what I'm saying. He's not going to sell out. I will say what you're going to answer my first question, man. Can you answer that? I'm putting you on the fucking mic here. Well, what is the question? What's going on here? What are we going to do? Well, uh, so- I feel part of this radio show, dude. I went to jail for this radio show. That's the <laughs> truth. Well, listen, I... I- I already explained the whole thing, and I said that we're, we're trying to work this out here. There's, no, there's nothing intentional about this. I'm not trying to drive anybody away. And and if, if for some reason we can't come to terms and Brandon wants to do a show from this site, then he can. And the only way money comes into it, and there's a little discussion about this on the site, the only way money comes into it is if anybody, Brandon or anyone else, uh, use, wants to use the site to broadcast and is doing a show where they make a profit through sponsors, then I just want yeah, some token sum of money to, to cover the server expenses. It, it doesn't feel right to have others utilize my server to make money while my server's losing money. It, it doesn't make any sense to me. So, so well, like, that, now, I agree with that, but isn't it only like 20 bucks a month or something? No, it's, I wish it was only 20 bucks. No, it's more than that, a lot more. So... Really? How no, much I, thought you it was only I thought you guys always made fun of that. It only cost like this much to, like when MyCon did it, it was only this much to do the server and blah, blah, blah. I, I mean, I don't know all that. I'm actually doing cheaper than what MyCon did. But, man. No, I'm doing it cheaper than what MyCon did, but. Druff, uh, we'll, we'll have to talk off air because, I mean, you can fire up a, a really good VPS for not a whole lot of money these days. Okay, you well. See, you gotta listen to Kilowatt. This guy knows his <laughs> shit, man. Uh, maybe, maybe I am paying too much, but uh, it, it is a pain in the ass to move. It's a big pain in the ass to move. Hey, well, hey, when you're drowning, I try to call, but I mean, I can't call and say, hey, Jeff, I want to fucking kill you. I mean, I'm going to kill you guys, you motherfuckers. I mean, I can't be a pimp again. I mean, I'm not, like, it's, but I'm liked on this fucking site. I don't give a fuck what anybody says. I mean, I can be funny sometimes. I bring a lot of hits to this site back in the day. I mean, I brought a lot of good stuff to this site. Yeah, you did. To all the sites. Am I right or wrong? Yeah, you did. All three. You did. All three. You did. But I'm a loyal motherfucking listener here, and I don't want to see you drown here, man. That's that's like, it's saying. not going to be any dry. It pisses me off. I mean, I, I take respect in being part of this. The, the show, I'm the part show. of this site. Because when you Google my name, it says I'm a drug addict, pill-headed nigger. <laughs> <laughs> and I don't even take any pills or never do, did drugs in my life, man. I'm telling you. I never well, smoke weed. We're, we're, Drinking, I do. The show is not going to go down. It's going to continue no matter what. And, uh, and if Brandon wants to do a, a second show of his own instead of continue on this show, then he can do so. And and if he's you know if if he does it like like I do here with no sponsors, then I'm not going to ask him for a penny. And uh, if 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 there were sponsors on his show and he was making like making a few bucks, that I wouldn't ask for anything. If he's making decent money, then I'd say, well, then at least I don't want to operate this thing at a loss. And I, I'm sure he would be fair about that. Uh, if if he wanted to run off another server with somebody else or run off his own server, uh, he could do that, and and I wouldn't stop him from posting about it on poker fraud alert he'd be welcome to do that so i, I hope it doesn't come to those things but uh yeah everything's going to continue there's there's it's not going to go down or disappear and we, we've had periods before by the way where brandon wasn't here 
and, no, and, I know. And, I, I and, know that. And I'm got past saying, them. I just, want, I, I just feel like you're overstressed about this shit. Bro. No, I'm, I mean, I'm not. I think you're really overstressed about no, it. No, I... And I, you shouldn't be. No, but, I'm, I'm actually... I mean, Brandon Lee, I mean, I, I'm the only one that says he takes his ball and, go, and he goes home. I mean, he's done that like four times, at least, since I've been... In the eight years I've been on this show. I mean, I don't understand what the hell the fucking thing is with that, but... I mean, there's got to be something, man. I mean, Mike Horn took his ball and went home, too. Well, that's a whole different story. But, the, look, I, I, I'm I, not overstressed about this. The show is going to continue. Uh, and and, and it, as you said, it's it's happened before. For whatever reason, Brandon has left, and then he's come back, and then he's left, and he's come back. So so I, I prefer he's here. But uh, think of the other times when he left. I think the, the, we all prefer he's here, even if we don't like him. Okay, I mean, so, I like Brandon. I don't not like but, him. But what I'm, what I'm saying here is, is even, even if he leaves, the show continues, and then inevitably he usually returns anyway. So I'm not saying I'm going to ignore his concerns. I'm not going to ignore his concerns. But I'm saying that, that what's, what's not going to happen, I'm not going to say, oh, Brandon's leaving, oh, okay, the show's done, I'm shutting it down. And uh, I, some people may have the impression that the show may be headed towards an end because it's been erratic recently with the schedule, but that's not true. It's not related to that. And uh, No, one thing I'll give you, man, you give the people what they try to, what they want in a way. I mean, like you said that one with the chip counter guy. I mean, he, he, he I don't think he meant any, I mean, he was more fucked up than me on there interrupting you. I mean, that was bad, dude. That was horrible. Like, I, when I was listening to it and I was drunk, I was saying, and I didn't listen to it live. I listened to it the next day. I was like, this is fucking horrible. This guy's fucked up. I mean, he kept interrupting you, interrupting you. That's what you, here's what I'm saying. Killer Watt's a good dude, though, man. And a, a couple of your co-hosts were good guys, but you, you, you need something to go with you, man, or it doesn't work. It just doesn't work. It won't work. Then you're going to have ten listeners. Then it's going to be five. Then it's going to be three, two, one, none. I'm telling you, bro. <laughs> will, will you be I'm, the last no, one? You're will laughing. You, I'm telling will you. Will you be the last one? You're gonna divide it. If, if, if this goes down the drain like Donktown did, it's going to be divided. And then guess what? They're going to open up another fucking forum, and it's, this is going to be all done. So, so are you are you going to be that last one? No, I'll, I'll be dead. Be no, I'll be next. drunk. Yeah, I'll be the last one calling drunk. You don't even allow drunks to call the radio show. No, no, they can call. I just don't want them to be on for like three hours now. <laughs> no, dude, I respect the show, man. I, I mean, I, I like it. I've always liked it. I told you guys this. I mean, I don't want to see. I mean, you said it's not about a friendship, though. I don't understand then. I mean, like, if you guys are friends, I mean, how can't you do a fucking show on a fucking Wednesday or Thursday and just do it? Uh, it's not about money or anything. It doesn't make sense to me. Now, I think he gets butthurt too much. I'll agree with that. Like, oh, Joe didn't tell me we were starting the show at 2 o'clock. I mean, like, dude, are you my friend or not? I mean, who gives a fuck? Just pick up the phone. I mean, if if I was your co-host, I couldn't do what he does because I'm stupid and I'm fucking drunk half the time. But if I was your co-host, I wouldn't care about that. But Well, I mean, everybody has things Everybody I mean, has that, things that, that, that they care I mean, about. How good is your friendship? I mean, it, it doesn't sound like it's that good. Every, everybody has things they care about more than others, and, and everybody has things that set them off more than others. And you know, So we just have to uh, talk about what these issues are. You tell me that's not anal? Look, er, everybody... Like you, you, like, you won't say anything bad. That's your problem. You don't fucking just come out and just say what you really feel. No, but I, I but come out. I, get, I'm not going to come you out. You get really pissed off, and then your back's against the wall. Then you come out fucking guns blazing. 
But but same I, thing with Micon. You never said how you felt with Micon, man. The well, I was I was I was okay with Micon until near the end. I was okay with him, and then then some things happened that I didn't like, and then it, stuff happened that I really didn't like. So anyway, yo, I would never piss you off. Why's your girlfriend? Because you come out guns blazing <laughs> with social security numbers and everything. No, I, you so know, know Kit Kat or whoever the fuck they are. Because I could, what happens when I click on Kit Kat? Why can't I? Like, it says Wait, I don't have any huh? user thing. Well, what are you talking There's about? A person that, who is that? Who? Kit Kat. I, I don't know any Kit Kat. On the Kit-Kat. site. I don't Come know, on, but they suck quit. at poker. Just full of shit. He knows who Kit Kat is. No, I don't know what you're you talking click about. On, anybody out there, click on Kit Kat right now if she's on there or he's on there, and it'll say you have no privileges to look at who it is. Because I think new people come on the site, so I try to click on their name to see if it's them. And I clicked on Kit Kat today, and it said, "You can't." I couldn't even. I can't. I can't even see what they're looking are you at. Talking, are you talking? Hold on. Are you, are you talking about the the poker site? Yeah, I'm talking about PFA. I'm talking about your site. What the hell you think I'm talking I'm not about? Talking yeah, about you're the, blowing up his spot. That's his side piece. No, I'm. Ta- I'm asking you. Is are you talking about Poker Fraud Alerts Forum or the or the poker site? Yeah, poker. Poker Fraudler Forum. You click on Kit Kat. You you can't see where they look or anything. I I don't I don't know who that is. Oh, you're so fu- no. I'll look, I'll look who it is. Are you fucking? Serious, I don't know. I don't bro? know who Kit Kat I mean, is. You think I believe that after I know look, you if, for if, eight listen, years? Listen, listen. If I was covering, if I was covering up who Kit Kat, if I was covering up who Kit Kat was, what I would say? Well, you better find out who it is because if you click on their name, it doesn't work. Well, they're probably not validated yet. It's probably a new user or something. Yeah, exactly. That's why I clicked on it. Okay. Well, I I don't know who it is. No, no. See now, now he knows something I don't know. So I mean, Kit Kat's your girlfriend. Is that who it is? No. Oh wow! I don't. I don't know who Kit Kat is. Nine years, bro. I fucking went to jail, and you you're gonna sit here and play like that. I don't know who Kit Kat is. Oh, Brandon does open another site, dude. I'm going over there. I think you you want Kit Kat to be someone interesting. It's probably just no, a spam. no, no. I, I swear to God, I clicked on it today and it said, and I I logged out a while back and I clicked on it. Well, I thought it was somebody that maybe is trying to spy on me because that they do that. And I love to know how many fucking Pittsburgh addresses you fucking validated, letting them keep doing it. <laughs> I mean, I don't care. Though. I haven't seen someone from Pittsburgh come on here recently, so. No, not recently. So, yeah, someone's asking. Know, someone's well, asking in the in the chat: Is this guy drunk? Yes, I'm always drunk. I'm the bad guy, you idiots. I mean, go back to NWP and Donk Down, you fucks. I'm TK the Pimp. I mean, am I drunk? I'm not that drunk. I, I think I'm. Am I not? I'm not being too loud, am I? No. So, so you're. Uh, so it's two thirty a.m. I'm right? not really drunk. I'm not that drunk. Yeah, two thirty. I stayed up for you. You're fuck. Punk ass, punk ass tonight because Brandon sold out on you. Why are you, are you, you getting, start the goddamn show to eleven thirty? Would you would you have, would you have otherwise gone to sleep or, or no? Probably, I don't know. I mean, it depends. I mean, sometimes yeah. No, I stayed up for the night. I mean, I played your tournament and everything. I, mean, I, I, I bet there's forth. not. I'm not, but I knocked out both your co-hosts. I knocked out. I knocked out Kilowatt, and then I knocked out Trader Ruski, and then I got beat. <laughs> I, I was leading too when I got beat, but I got beat. Huh. But guess what? Jay Stout won, so that's a good thing. Well, it's a good thing for me because he's an original, right? You know, Jay uh, Stout in the chat is saying, hey, "Listen, I think listen, you owe me seven fucking dollars, and I think it's going to go up to ten because I think the guy that was winning was a Russian. He was like a fake guy. Okay, like, if, he's if, not going to he's not going to pass your goddamn criteria. He, he may not. But listen, listen to what Jay Stout is saying about Kit Kat. He said Kit Kat is a cat house near Carson City, Nevada." 
many 3 a.m. visits when I was single. So, so I guess JSTAT used to go to okay, the... Okay, come on, Drew. Quit fucking with me. No, JSTAT... I, mean, I clicked on it because I didn't... I no, no, re- listen, read the chat. JSTAT is saying he used to go to a whorehouse I called KitKat. I understand he's saying that, but KitKat is not real, man, because when you click on it, it nothing happens. It, it tells you you don't have access to the to the person. Probably okay, I'm sorry if I blew up spots. I didn't no, no spot. I don't know what you're talking about. I did, I did. <laughs> I mean, geez Louise. Hey, ask the hard questions. You're on TK Live now. Fuck fucking your radio show. I mean, it's, it, this is my radio show now. I'm actually on another server right now, and you're on the show. Do you care? I'm taping all this. Boy, I know that fucking commercial. How about the guy that made Big Macs from Pittsburgh and he never got paid a dime for one of them and he just died? Do you know that? No, that wasn't on the. I can't believe it didn't hit the form. No, but you know, Big Macs. It's not really a big deal. It's just a piece of bread in the middle. No, I know, but the guy. You know, he started that shit in Pittsburgh, man, and, and then he he had like forty stores. They all put him out to his stores, and he never got paid a dime for it. Imagine if that was today. That, this that, guy'd be a millionaire, man. Yeah, I know. A billionaire. That would, that would suck. Yeah, but I, I will say, I, I, even as a kid, I, when the Big Mac came out, I didn't understand what was so exciting. I said, just, it's, it's just a double burger with a bread in between. I know, but what what kind of bread's in between, man? Is it like the bottom of the bun? Yeah, it's just another bun. What? It's just another bun. Like, what's the big deal? I know. It's not. It never. McDonald's burgers are never good, man. I only <laughs> get them for free, guys. And if you want to look it up, come on my new site. This is TK Live, TKLive.com. I'll show you how to get free Outback, free <laughs> no, hamburgers, free motherfucker, whatever you guys want. This guy loves me. He can admit if he wants to. He, he don't have to, but he does. Hey. I'm part of this fucking thing, man. I don't want to see it drown, man. I, I want you guys to fix this. And Kilowatt's a great co-host, though. I mean, like, you're, not, you're not really missing anything without Brandon, but, I mean, it's just everybody knows Brandon and shit, man. So Brandon, Kilowatt, and you, it could be like a, could be like the Beatles getting back together. Throw Mike on in there with his fucking, you see them fucking goggles this guy's wearing on his YouTube, man? I, I looked it up. No, I, 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 have, I haven't been watching videos. The guy's fucking crazy. What's wrong with him? He's into, like, drone racing now or something. I don't, I don't really pay too much yeah, attention. Yeah, I think he's lost his fucking mind, man. Oh. I mean, so I'm glad you got rid of him, because this fucker's going to hit me with a drone. I mean, I, this guy's fucking nuts. <laughs> I mean, you got it's good you got rid of him. I mean, but at first, I, it was horrible. I mean, like, for real, that shit worked. You and him? That was... The, you guys could have got syndicated, man, if things would have stuck together, I'm telling you. It was that good. It was fucked up. I mean, it was good radio. I don't give a fuck. I, le- I mean, I listened to radio growing up my whole life. My grandma listened to radio the whole time, man. You guys were like... But you need somebody to fucking be... Like like he said before, man, Kilowatt said, I was listening when I was playing. You need some kind of yin for your gang, man. You You need that, man. You need that. And I know you'll get it. I know you know what you're doing, right? Or yep. just put your hard-ass fucking girlfriend on the phone. She sounds sexy as fuck. Just put her on the radio, dude. Like She's her asleep. Voice, she... The one that I was calling, the, the, the one election I was calling in, that's like four years ago, right? Yeah, yeah. She's like, hi, welcome to Poker Fraud Alert. I'm like, holy shit, I'm going to start jerking off, bro. I'll let her know so, that. Hey. Hey, I already said that on here before. I have nothing to hide. So yeah, anyway, you know, uh, I love you like a brother. I love this fucking site. 
I love all the people on this site. We're all like a family, man. So we're not going to break the family up. All right. I had enough broken families thanks, thanks, in my life, right. man. We ain't breaking this family right. thank, up. Thank you for this inspirational call. And what? you keep up what you're doing, bro. You're a great co-host. I mean that. Thank you, sir. You take care of you guys yourself. Okay, thank you, bad guy. God bless. Shalom, motherfucker. <laughs> a, that, was, that was bad guy for some reason with a 305 phone number in, in, uh, in Florida. And he said he was calling from that number. And I, you know, I don't believe he's he's outside of Pittsburgh. It's just... I think it's just hard to get bad guy out of Pittsburgh. Like he may go to West Virginia sometimes. It's just it's hard to picture him leaving those areas. And I and I I used to be naive and believe he was going to come to Vegas, but then I, I realized it's never going to happen. Josie came to Vegas. I I didn't see her there, but she she actually came. But bad guy didn't come to Vegas. I would meet him though if he came to Vegas. Yeah, Druff. He started saying, uh, "You kilowatt and Brandon make a great," and I was just. Praying that he didn't say threesome. <laughs> yeah. Well, so a bad guy says uh, this guy has no clue. I don't know who he's talking about. Maybe he's talking about uh, Larry Laffer in the chat. Uh, Larry Laffer is saying the Arch Deluxe was the shit. So was the Big and Tasty. I agree with half of that. The Arch Deluxe is terrible, and that was a big failure at McDonald's. And then the Big and Tasty was a success, but in the wrong way. The Big and Tasty was a cheap but big burger. It was like a cheap quarter-pound burger. And the problem was it was taking away sales from the more expensive burgers. Because people were like, you know, wh- why should I get a quarter-pound with uh, a few extra little things on it for $4 if I can get the Big and Tasty for $0.99? Cents? That's exactly what I thought, too. So the Big and Tasty sold very well, but it was killing the other products that were supposed to be making the money. So they did away with that too. I used to work right next door to McDonald's, so I was uh, going there more than I really wanted to. I'm of the opinion, as most people are, that the McDonald's burgers are not very good, but the fries are good. Everyone loves the McDonald's fries. You know who's got a good burger? That Five Guys has got a fantastic burger. Yeah, you know Five Guys. Uh, I, I do like them. I, I still think I like In and Out better. Yeah, but uh, Five Guys, I, I like the burgers. It's uh, and if you're waiting there, you, you eat those free peanuts in the meantime. Oh, that's they, what you like about it. That the they give peanuts. you the free peanuts are good. Yeah, and then you uh, the the fries aren't that great there. The, the the weakness of Five Guys is their fries. You don't like those Cajun fries they got. They're a little bit overly salty, mm. and sometimes they get sometimes they get overcooked too easily. So they're, they're really hit and miss with the fries. McDonald's has the best fries somehow, but uh, the thing I like about the Five Guys burger is you can you can order it exactly the way you want it, and they they got some pretty good stuff. Yeah, I usually just get mine plain anyway. I just put ketchup on it. Oh Jesus! <laughs> okay, so let's see here. Well. Las Vegas, bad news out of there for those that are cheapskates, or at least those that don't like wasting money on parking. As reported before, MGM properties are charging for parking, but that's year-old news. What's not year-old news is just a few days ago, Caesars has announced that they are going to start charging for parking as well. 
And I don't just mean Caesar's Palace. I mean all Caesar's properties in Las Vegas, except for the Rio. On December 19th, just 18 short days from today, the Link and Harrah's will start charging for valet parking only. I don't know why they're choosing those two properties, probably because they're both fail properties and they want to test how it goes. In early 2017, all Vegas casino properties, except for the Rio, will start charging for both self-parking and valet parking. The Rio does not have any plans to charge for parking at any point because they're not on the strip. That's the excuse. Uh, Platinum and above total rewards cardholders will get the parking for free, both self and valet, similar to how MGM properties give free parking to the Pearl cardholders and above. So Platinum and Pearl are both the second to bottom tiers on the uh, the cards. So uh, as long as you're the second to bottom tier or above at either MGM or Caesars, then you can still park for free. Local Las Vegas residents, the ones with ID, can get free parking. Now this is a bit different than MGM. They only grandfathered it until uh, December 2016, so that's ending within days at MGM. But uh, I don't know the exact date, but sometime this month. But uh, Caesars is just letting locals, at least for the time being, they haven't announced any end date for this, uh, park for free. But you have to show ID. Or they may have a machine that reads your ID. I know MGM properties do that. Now, you may wonder, uh, what if I don't play enough at uh, Caesars properties or don't plan to play enough to earn platinum? What do I do? Do I just pay for parking? No. It just requires a little bit of preparation. There is a free credit card you can get that will automatically upgrade you to Platinum. That is the Total Rewards Visa card. And just enter Total Rewards Visa in Google, and you can apply. It is free, so no charge at all to have it. No annual fee, no hidden charges. You can just let it sit and never use it. And you will have Platinum status for as long as you have the card. So I would suggest getting that if you are going to go to Vegas and park there. You know, don't pay them whatever outrageous fees they want because it's uh, like, why do it? Just, just get this card and let it sit, even if you don't ever use it. So if you Google Total Rewards Visa, you can apply for it. They have pretty lax approval processes. So Caesars announced this on November 28th, and not to be outdone, or sorry, they announced it on November 29th, but not to be outdone, on November 30th, and I'm sure this was not a coincidence, the win announced that they will also be charging for parking very soon, but only valet. The win and Encore properties in Vegas will be charging for valet parking. So MGM started the trend. Caesars kind of hung back for a year to see how it would go. They saw that there was not a mass defection from MGM properties. They said, hey, we're going to do it too. And then Wynn was probably prepared and said, okay, well, we're going to wait. If Caesars does it, we'll do it. So as soon as Caesars says they're doing it, the next day Wynn said they're doing it. So that's, it's becoming the normal in Vegas. It's as soon as it's going to be everywhere, except for maybe a few trash properties. Now that the major properties are on board for this, if you think about it, MGM, Caesars, and Win Encore, I mean, what's left? 
yeah, you have there's a Venetian and Palazzo, and, and they are saying at this time that they're not going to charge for parking. So you have those, but other than that, that it's mainly uh, failed properties on the strip that uh, are not charging for parking. And do you think that'll affect the tips of the the guys of valet? Um. I mean, if they're already paying, if people are already paying for it, I wonder if they're like, "Well, might. I'm already paying for this." Well, yeah. not only that, there's going to be fewer people doing it. Yeah, that that's the real killer. So that's, but you know, I always felt that these valets make more money than they deserve. I mean, if, if you're going to do it and make a lot of money in tips, great. I'm not holding it against you, but I'm just saying that it's not a very skilled job, and a lot of them make fairly good money just from all the tips that add up. So I'm I'm not crying for them if their tips go down. Well, stripping's not a very skilled job either. No, I, I, guess, I guess these uh, 35-year-old valet guys can go strip. They can go, they can <laughs> Are go, you trying to justify not tipping these guys? They can go down to the Thunder from down under and uh, take it all off. For, do you tip the valets? I do, but uh, you know what bothers me with the valet... In, wait, in, in paper money or in coins? Well, barely in paper money. <laughs> <laughs> What bothers me is that it, it, I, I feel like the expectation of what you're supposed to tip them has gone up, mm. and uh, and there's so many people in Vegas that are tipping them things like five dollars, ten dollars. That if you tip less than that, then then the, sometimes some of them will treat you like you're a jerk, and then I feel like why am I tipping them at all? Then I still do, but like I feel like I can't win. Either I'm like grossly over tipping them, or I'm tipping them something I think is more fair, and they don't appreciate it. I had the same thing going on at Commerce back when they, the food was free. That the, people were so often handing a, a five dollar yellow chip in the high limit section, or or a ten dollar chip to the food runners, who all they do, all the food runners do, is bring you over food, drop it, and leave. It's not like a waitress or a waiter that checks on you several times throughout the meal. It's like, like you order, they get it, they bring it to you, they leave. That's it. You're done with them. Yeah. So so I don't think they deserve a, a tip equivalent to what a, uh, a a server in a restaurant gets, and they, and they bring over like five meals at once to different people. So they you know they don't need to deserve. The, I mean, I'll take that job for that type of money. So so uh, yeah, I'm I w- not a I'm not a big fan. I mean, I still tip because I've, I've known lots of people that have been in the service industry, so I'm, I definitely tip. But I'm not a big fan of uh, of tipping in general. You no, know, I'm, I'm not I, either. I would rather have whoever is employing them giving them a decent wage and just not have to deal with it. Yeah, you know? I would too. And so, so like those those food renters of commerce, like I'd give them three or four dollars uh, for just bringing me like a, a, a just a meal of two or three plates that they're just dropping off and leaving while they're carrying like tons of other plates for other people. Right. And 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 I, they just like snatch it out of my hand and walk away pissed, like like I just uh, insulted their mom. And I go, what the hell? Like, you uh, know, so if I'm not giving five or ten like some of these other high limit players that don't care. So now, now I'm a jerk for giving them three. Like, Wasn't the, there something with Brandon and one of the the chicks uh, from uh, All American Dave's? Something about tipping? Yeah, but there, it seems like it was a misunderstanding. It, it looked oh. bad. I don't blame. I was totally on Brandon's side when it happened. And I totally understood why he thought it went the way it did. And in fact, the owner of All American Dave's handled it very well and apologized and gave Brandon like a free meal or something like that. Oh, nice. Like they, they, it was handled very well by the owner, and uh, I. I, I gave the guy props for that. I, I do think that, and and the girl did do something that's wrong, but it, I think when the whole thing was done, it wasn't as bad as it appeared. It was, uh, some some of it was a misunderstanding on their part. It wasn't Brandon's fault. It was the the, the, the girl, they, they did things that, that were confusing and looked very bad, and they didn't realize they were doing. So, uh, anyway, 
that's a little bit different from what I remember, but the commerce, they were definitely obnoxious with that. And uh, I, I just hate tipped positions where it's not like at a restaurant where if you leave like a 5% tip and the waiter's pissed, that's understandable because it's so below what the expected uh, tipping rate is supposed to be. But I, I hate when in these non-specific things, like someone just brings food to you and drops it off and you give them a few bucks and, and you're treated like a jerk. It, it shouldn't be. Just because there's people over-tipping them doesn't mean you should be looked at like, like you're a jerk. So, right. But I agree with you. I, I wish that the places would just pay the employees more, play, you know, pay them something fair for the job they're doing, right? and then charge me more, you know, charge the customers more according to the higher pay, and then and then there's everyone gets the same service. It's not uh, it, it's not a contest of who can tip the most, and, uh, and and you don't have to worry about pissed off employees because certain generous people are over tipping, and that becomes the expectation, and that's that's, that's really frustrating. So, and it, when I see that, it just makes me not want to tip at all. I'm like, well, if they're if they're going to act like a jerk when I give them three dollars, then maybe next time I'll give them zero if I get the same reaction. Right. So that's. Uh, yeah, I, I I don't love it either. But anyway, yeah, the the parking is has started and it's it's not going to go back. I mean, I think this is the the new situation on the Vegas Strip, and it's a, a new way to squeeze money out of people. And these casinos are realizing as as their revenue from gaming goes down and down. And there, there's also an age problem in Vegas, and the age problem is that. The younger people are not as interested in games like slots, which are the big money makers for casinos. And younger people also are just less interested in the casino games in general. And they're afraid that after more and more years pass and the older people who are their best customers die off, that the younger customers who are going to age into middle age, and the middle age people are going to age into older age, that they're not going to replace the older people one-to-one, that they're going to lose customers slowly from the customers dying off and not being replaced. So they're trying to get away from the whole thing of counting on gaming for revenue and trying to make more money from the hotel and entertainment and now the parking. But uh, another way to look at it, though, is think of all the hotels, which is the vast majority in this country, that have to survive without gaming. And still are profitable. So how how can they not be able to be profitable with having all that and gaming? Shouldn't the gaming be like a bonus? One would think, but they they just don't seem to manage it right. So anyway, that's that's what's going on. And uh, unfortunately, this is this is the one problem with the consolidation of these properties is that, uh, or one of several problems. What's nice about the consolidation is that you can use one card in a bunch of places and have. Uh, uh, you don't have to join a million different rewards programs, and when you play at one, you've earned a status at all of them. That's the good po- side. The bad side is that there is not that much competition anymore, and all all you need is a few of them to change a policy to be customer-unfriendly, and if they all kind of change it together, then there's nothing you can do because <laughs> they've all, they're all doing it now, and the only ones not doing it are, are, are not very desirable properties. Now, it's true... When, uh, that uh, Palazzo and uh, Venetian have not uh, jumped on that train yet, but uh, we'll see. Maybe they will eventually. So, uh, at least with the Rio providing free parking, the, the World Series will not be an issue with parking. 
But I really suggest if you're going to Vegas, just get that damn Total Rewards card. It'll be worth it. You know, all of those, uh, and I realize that it's still a good deal and all that kind of stuff, but all of these Total Rewards cards and shopping cards and all that kind of stuff, I always feel like, uh, you know, you ever watch those nature shows where they they trank some uh, poor animal and then they put a tag on his ear and then they release him back into the wild? I feel like that whenever I'm using those things. And, and it's true, and there there is a lot of... Uh, information gathering with all these cards, and they they figure out things about you. There was a, a controversial thing that happened some years ago, I think about six years ago or so. I think it was Target, where a woman who was pregnant and didn't even know it yet uh, got a coupon, one of those auto-generated coupons when she checked out, for like prenatal pills. And she's like, what the hell? Why am I getting this? And Target actually had something programmed in there that if certain things are purchased, it's indicative of something a pregnant woman would would crave or want. And it figured out from the patterns of her purchases that she was probably pregnant. And then she went and took a pregnancy test and was. And instead of thinking, oh, this is kind of cool, it figured it out. She felt really violated that they're analyzing her purchases so much that they figured out she was pregnant before she knew. I mean, I think it's both. I think it is kind of cool, and I also could see it as being violating, you know? Yeah. But you are. I mean, you're tracked. You ever seen those nature shows, though, where they you know, they get some poor tiger, and they shoot him in the ass, and he wakes up all wobbly and wanders off with this big-ass thing <laughs> stuck to his ear, you know? Yeah, that's and you are being tracked, and uh, that's why with these programs, uh, first of all, if you don't have to give your personal info, and I'm not talking about casinos. Casinos, they look at your ID. You have no way around that. But uh, at supermarkets, just give fake info. You can give a fake phone number. You can give a fake name. It doesn't matter. It's just uh, you just have a card that uh, even if you accumulate credits or points, you can still do that under fake names. Yeah, my dad registers everything to his dog. Yeah, so you can do that. You can do any of these things. You can give a fake address. They, they don't really mail you anything. If they do, it's not very valuable. So... There's a lot you can do to not give away information, and even where you can't avoid it, at the very least, look to get the most out of these programs. Like, I was just having this discussion with my dad today about uh, hotel cards, uh, hotel credit cards that are associated with the hotels, and that's uh, a smart thing to do these days, is to get these credit cards that automatically upgrade your status at various hotel chains. You know, there's Marriott. Uh, uh, they've merged with Starwood, so it's the same program now, but there's Hilton, there's IHG, there's Hyatt. So you, you get these credit cards, and, and uh, you get free nights. You get automatically upgraded to a status that would be hard to achieve otherwise. You have to stay like 50 nights to reach that status, and here you just get it automatically with a card. Uh, if you work these programs well enough, you can get a lot of value out of them. Where in the past you couldn't really do this, and nothing illegal, nothing unethical here. This just you know you're working within the program to get maximum value. Uh, so that's that's really becoming a big thing now to do. That a lot of people are doing in the uh, with, with, as far as hotels are concerned, and any of these type of loyalty programs where you're joining something, you should always look on you know, how do I get the most out of it? How do I utilize it to where I get the most benefits for the least amount of spending. And and there's nothing wrong with it because on the other end, they're trying to analyze you and seeing the most they can get out of you. So you're, it's like a game back and forth. And if it, and, and when you're winning the game, it feels good. 
when when you're winning over the banks, when you're winning over the the hotel chains, when you're when they're trying to use these cards to track you and to uh, maximize profits by looking at all your habits, and then you in turn figure out how to maximize your value with them and get far more out of them than they get out of you, then you've won. So that's. Uh, yeah, there's the good and the bad with these things, but you know, people who are so concerned about the government and the surveillance on them, the government uh, and their power to invade your privacy, your privacy has been invaded. It's not by the government; yeah. it's already been invaded by by industry, by 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 uh, commercial interests that have uh, that sell each other data. Yeah, that's what I try to tell my dad. I mean, it, it's basically over. I mean, it really is. Um, you know, he didn't join, he, he wouldn't join Facebook, um, because, you know, he just didn't want, uh, to be tracked is what he said. Obviously I could set him up in such a way that he would not be tracked and it's not an issue, but he didn't want to do it. But I, you know, I talked to him, I'm like, look, man, I mean, it really is, it's all over anyway. I mean, you'd be shocked at the amount of data that is out there. Yeah. I mean, and it's just, it's done. Uh, it's as, already done. As far as Facebook's concerned, you, you can use this and stay relatively private even without going through heroics or a lot of technical trickery you can just do it uh, even as a non-technical person by just not ever letting not ever connecting anything to your facebook so you're on a different website says log in through facebook don't do it log you make, make a separate account there don't ever log into anything through facebook don't ever join games that get your email email lists you know anything you that mean like the world series of poker when you want a fucking chip count right right that's a great example <laughs> you remember that yes God. and then they backed away from it after claiming they wouldn't they they uh, they just quietly went backed away from it just idiots. Yeah. I, I wonder who they got advising them. Yeah, I, I love how they, they defended it and said it's not going away, and then like a, like a week later it goes away. <laughs> so, yeah. so they realized like nobody was using it the way they intended it. But yeah, so you just don't log on to anything through Facebook and just only use your Facebook account as Facebook. Don't, don't play games through Facebook. Don't uh, use third-party websites through Facebook. Just use Facebook only as Facebook and connect it to nothing else. Then, and, and don't check into places there. Like, don't do those things. Just just use it to post status messages and comment comment on your friends' messages. And there's not that much info they'll get out of you. The the most Facebook learns about me really is various groups I've joined. They can see certain interests I have, but big deal. Like I, I don't care about that. So uh, anyway, yeah. You, you, but yeah, anyone who's so worried about the government. And there's surveillance and collecting data on you. Don't worry about it. It's it's already been done by uh, by companies that are selling your information everywhere. So you're worried about the wrong thing. And I try to convince people of that. That that's the last thing. That you should is be, true. The last thing you should be concerned about is it's uh, for some reason it's scarier to people that the government's doing it rather than uh, uh, private companies. But the truth is it's it's <laughs> it's the same. So let's let's see what else we got here. Uh, okay, on, on the Vegas subject, we have two more things to talk about. I'm going to talk about the closed and renamed Vegas casinos since 2000. This was brought to us by a listener who goes by Alpha1243. He's a big collector of Vegas casino chips and uh, a big fan of Vegas trivia. I don't even know where he lives. He may. I don't. Oh, he says he's from Florida, so he's not even from Vegas. But you know, there's some people who are just very fascinated with Vegas culture, and it, I, I'm actually someone 
like that to some degree. I don't have the degree of knowledge that some people like, like this alpha guy. Even Daredevil, remember, remember uh, he knew a whole lot about this type of stuff. That guy had an amazing amount of knowledge. Yeah. So th- this alpha guy seems to have a lot too. So, but but yeah, I, I find all this interesting. I just don't study it as much as these guys do. So when I see articles like this, I go, oh, cool. Like I, I like seeing old uh, videos of Vegas in the 60s, even from one from the 70s, which I can remember myself being brought there as a kid. <clears throat> but here's a list of, of casinos that have closed or renamed since 2000. And it's, it's surprising because... Uh, you wouldn't expect there to be this many. Thirty-eight of them have changed. Hmm. Aladdin. That cl- there was there's actually two Aladdins, but the uh, the newer of the two, first it was demolished, then it was rebuilt, then it closed permanently in 2007. It is now Planet Hollywood. Aladdin mostly failed. The new Aladdin mostly failed because people did not want to go to a Middle Eastern themed casino shortly after 9/11. So it was, Is that for real? Yeah, it, it opened up at a very bad time. <laughs> yeah, it, it opened like shortly after that. Yeah, people just weren't into that theme. Uh, well, and, and you know, maybe I'm being too cynical, but I'm shocked that enough Americans even know that there's <laughs> there's a Middle Eastern theme to Aladdin. <laughs> yeah, it just. It, I mean, it could have been other reasons it failed, but there. I mean, I. I I guess there were other. I was in there, and they. I. I also just didn't like the layout, and I thought the staff was kind of rude. So that probably didn't help either. I went in there once, and I had some friends that told me this. They observed the same thing. Barbary Coast. It closed in two thousand seven. It is is currently uh, Bill's Gambling Hall and Saloon. Uh, actually, it's not currently that. It was closed. It became Bill's Gambling Hall and Saloon. It's now the Cromwell, and that's part of a Caesar's property. Now, why did Barbary Coast close? A lot of people don't know this. Do you know why that closed? No clue. Barbary Coast is on Flamingo and Las Vegas Boulevard. It has a good location, Center Strip, but it was kind of a dump. In the mid-2000s, Caesars had the idea that they were going to demolish an entire block, starting from Harrah's and go all the way down to where uh, Flamingo Boulevard is, and build a mega resort. Bigger than anything. That never came to pass because the 2008 uh, crash came, which affected uh, Vegas very much. And the, after the economy slowed down big time after 2008, they decided to scrap that whole plan. However, they had already taken the first step. And the first step was to own that entire block. And the only hotel they did not own there was the Barbary Coast. So they bought the Barbary Coast from the Coast Hotels. And traded, uh, I forgot what, they had some other property that was off strip that they traded. Coast. And got the Barbary Coast. But they couldn't call it the Barbary Coast anymore because it was no longer a coast property. So they just renamed it to Bill's Gambling Hall. And then they, that was only a temporary thing when they decided to abandon the, knock everything down and build a mega resort. And they just kept all those properties as is, which included uh, Harrah's Imperial Palace, uh, Flamingo, O'Shea's, and uh, and Barbary Coast, which became Bills. You know, they, they they realized they had to do something with Bills, and they closed it and became the Cromwell. They rebuilt it. Barcelona, I never even heard about that. I don't know where that was, but in two thousand nine, it closed and was demolished. 
must have not been a big deal. I don't even know what it is. The boardwalk it was uh, that was on the strip had a little like fake wooden roller coaster in front, but it wasn't real. Uh, that was demolished in 2006. Castaways that was closed in 2004 and demolished. The Westin Cause Arena. There was a Westin uh, in uh, Vegas. It was, I used to live right by it. It was on Flamingo and Coval, very close to where Tupac got shot. Uh, it was a failure. And it, it really didn't meet Westin standards. Uh, before that, it was the Maxim. But the Maxim had lost its license. It lost its gaming license, became the Westin Cause Arena. And that was a failure, and it closed, and it is now called the Max. Closed in 2013. The Desert Inn was demolished in 2000. It eventually became the Win. It was it was built in its place. But I, I didn't realize the Desert Inn was open as late as 2000. I kind of I kind of saw the Desert Inn as like a really old school property that was gone a while ago. I didn't realize it lasted till 2000. Uh, Fitzgerald closed in 2012. That was a downtown property. Is now the D, the Detroit theme of all things. The New Frontier, that was in uh, 2007, that was uh, demolished. Gold Spike, that was a downtown casino that closed in 2013. The Horseshoe, called the Horseshoe Club, it closed and became Binion's. In 2006, Hotel San Remo, which was near, uh, near Tropicana, it became Hooters. So Hooters was once called the San Remo. I've played in both of them. Imperial Palace. That closed in 2012. That is currently the Quad, owned by Caesars. It was originally not owned by Caesars, but it was bought as part of that whole project to eventually wreck that whole block and build the mega resort. The Klondike Inn was closed in 2006 and demolished. Uh, that was... I'm sure where that was. I've heard of it. The Las Vegas Club, a downtown casino, played there once. Closed in 2015, but it is being refurbished. It may reopen. The Las Vegas Hilton was closed in 2012. That was an iconic property that was, uh, at one point, the biggest hotel in the world. But it became the LVH, which then closed a year later and became Westgate. That's really a has-been, that property. No, no one re- it's got a bad location on Paradise, kind of where no other hotels are. I used to stay there a lot in the 80s and 90s. Lady Luck was not very lucky. It closed in 2006. became the Downtown Grand, which is still there. Nevada Palace, I don't even know what that is, became the Eastside Cannery, which I have heard of. That was in uh, 2008. The Quad. That ceased to exist in 2014, became the Link. They just called it that because the, the Link Shopping Center was open there with that big wheel they have there and all the so they they wanted uh, a hotel associated with that so they renamed the quad which was once imperial palace into the link the regent is currently called the rampart after it's closed in 2002 the resort at summerlin uh, is what it, that was before that before it, in 2000 became the regent the riviera historical property there in las vegas a lot of stuff went on there it was demolished in 2015. Sahara closed in 2011. That's on Vegas Boulevard in Sahara. 
it was it became the SLS, which has been a big failure, big expensive failure. And I could have predicted that from the start. I wish I wish I could have like uh, I wish I could have bet against that one succeeding because I knew that was going to fail. The Santa Fe became Santa Fe Station. It was owned by Stations Casino, so it closed in 2001, became Santa Fe Station. Showboat closed in 2001, became Castaways. Silver Saddle was demolished this year, 2016. Slots of Fun. I mean, that's I, I don't know if we can really count this one as closed. It's right next to Circus Circus. It is now only slots. It used to have table games there. They were very rude over there, the table games, by the way. I, I, last time I played there, they were really nasty. I didn't like them. Uh, South Coast is now called South Point. It technically closed in 2006 and it's called South Point because it's no longer a coast property. Sports World Casino, never heard of it, closed 15 years ago in 2001, demolished. Stardust. I remember seeing the Stardust. It seemed like a cool place uh, when I was a kid. But uh, it was not so cool. It was a big has-been by the 2000s and it, it was demolished in 2006. Terribles, at one point also called Terrible Hearths. Uh, it was closed in 2013. It is now the Silver Sevens. That is the property which first banned me for blackjack card counting. Let's see. We've got a few more here. Vacation Village. I've never heard of it, but closed in 2002. was demolished. The Western, another uh, a casino that had been around for a long time, closed in 2012, demolished. Westward Ho. I always thought that was a funny name. Never even heard of that. Westward Ho uh, closed in 2005, demolished, and... Is that like a locals casino? Or? Yeah, yeah. And then uh, Wildfire, which I've never heard of. I've heard of Westward Ho, and I've seen it before. Wildfire, I've never heard of it. Uh, it still exists, but the table games have closed, slots only. So these are casinos which have either closed or been renamed or changed uh, to only be slots only. Uh, you can find the post listing these, including pictures of all these different chips from these different casinos. That this guy's uh, either collected or found pictures of. Uh, I've, I've go to the casinos in Las Vegas forum on Poker Fraud Alert. You can read about all this stuff. He's making a lot of interesting posts. This Alpha twelve forty three, so uh, pretty interesting stuff. He also is doing a lot of blogs as well. He's written eight blogs, so uh, very uh, interesting member of the site. Caller, you're on the air. Hey, it's Desert Explorer, Northern California. Yes, hi. Hey, um, I had two things. You know, I'm been a fireman for my my whole career so and i'm in a vegas buff so i kind of combined the two um real fast i wrote the um remember the vat landing in gene i used to go there's like a riverboat yes demolished. yes yes and that always cracked me up but um i to the story i like to tell everyone a little history if you go out to um past boulder city there's a county island down at the bottom by the lake that's where they have a casino because it's outside boulder city limits and there's three casinos there it was gold strike then the hacienda and then uh, now it's Dotties. But I always tell people the story, and it's interesting, is when Gold Strike, they wanted to remodel the casino. This has happened a couple times, I think, in Vegas. This is the best example. They mysteriously have a fire at always at 2 or 3 in the morning, just when they want to remodel the casino, get the casino done. And uh, Boulder City Fire took the, they attacked it. Mutual Aid came in from Carson City. But it, it was the cheapest way to demolish that hotel and get ready for remodeling. And the thing that always cracks me up is it conveniently happens at the same time, 2, 3 in the morning, and they never find out who did it. And it's funny because the uh, county uh, the county or the city authorities or investigators, they always turn a blind eye. Well, they're going to rebuild. It's money coming in. So I don't know if you've ever heard that or not, but it's always funny how 
no one ever gets prosecuted, and the hotel just conveniently burns down, and then we just turn a blind eye and we move on. So, so are you saying they do this for insurance money? I think they do it for insurance money, and it's the cheapest way to demolish the property. They quickly went from Gold Strike to the Hacienda. It was really nice. I'm sure you've been there. But that fire always amazed me, uh, how they just kind of, the, the the officials, the county officials and the city just turned blind eye. Oh, well, it happened on with uh, rebuilding. Yeah, there's... And I, I, I would believe it. There's a lot. There's a lot of corruption. There's. It's kind of. There's a lot of things about Nevada that that are still very old west kind of old school sort of thing that uh, you don't see in other places. And uh, a lot of stuff doesn't surprise me out there. Like I've I've talked about the the crime situation. The the, the we're, we're I know you don't know much about Micon. I know you, you weren't really around in those days. But the lawyer that represented him for running the illegal, uh, unlicensed Bitcoin gambling site, uh, and, and he got this really, really light slap on the wrist sentence, Th- those lawyers have gotten other people off that mm-hmm. who seem dead to rights that they're going to be going to prison, and they get them off with these extremely light or sometimes non-existent sentences. But these law- these guys charge a fortune, like 50K, 100K, sometimes they not even do that much work, but yet they're extremely effective. And I thought, you know, there's got to be something going on here where they have some kind of pull in in, in the, uh, the the criminal court system there, probably involving maybe the reason they're so expensive is that they are uh, passing some of that money along to those who are uh, passing down these light sentences. There's got to be something going on to where these guys just pull off these miracles and yet are so expensive. Maybe we kind of got, you know, I know it was only a movie, but Casino, there's an example of how the inside works a little bit with the county commissioners. Uh, one other thing I think I wrote on the chat room is uh, 1980 was the MGM fire, and it was MGM, then it changed to Bally's. Isn't that correct? Yes. Okay. And uh, I don't know if you want to revisit uh, Laughlin. Laughlin's changed so many properties. And one last note is my dad, he's passed away, but he used to go to uh, Laughlin, and he was at the Riverside. Cause, was it Riverside? He was there when Don Laughlin was actually uh, uh, dealing cards. He oh, got that's, the, that's he, really long time ago. So, all right, well, thanks for the call, and I just wanted to share those little tidbits. Uh, the Boulder City story always amazed me. Yeah, that so. is interesting. All right, thanks a lot. All right, thank you. Uh, I'm so that's... Uh, yeah, Laughlin is, for those of you that don't know, Laughlin is about 95 miles south of Vegas, southeast. Uh, so it's not, uh, if you're driving back to L.A., you're not going to pass it. It's, uh, you have to drive a different way. But it's, uh, it's kind of like a, a small, it's like kind of like a smaller Vegas that's more for, uh, kind of has more of a working class feel to it than, than Vegas, which which is more of the, tries to project more of the glitzy high roller uh, atmosphere, even if you're not one, where Laughlin is kind of, it has more feels like a local's place. And uh, it's also by a river, so it has some activities there over the summer. You can even take a little water taxi between casinos there. And uh, there's not that much to do in Laughlin. You may want to go there sometime if you're in Vegas just to see it. Uh, Calwatt, have you ever seen Laughlin? I have not. Yeah, you're not missing that much. Like it's it's really, it, it's really kind of like a small Vegas with a river, is what it is, and uh, it's uh, at least they have water. Yeah, uh, it's it's actually right on the border between California, Nevada, and Arizona. There's actually a place you can go to. It's not marked, but there's a place you could stand there that's 
like a three corners sort of thing where you you could be in all three states at once. And so that that's where Laughlin's located. And there there is a, a Caesar's property there. There's a Harris Laughlin. And so he was he was talking about that. And it, it, they've changed a little bit over there too. Uh, you know, they have to be different than Vegas, otherwise they're not going to be able to survive over there because it's it's nowhere near as big or interesting as Vegas. So who's going to go there? So they have to appeal to a different crowd. So as I said, it's more of a working class crowd that a working class crowd that doesn't want all the hustle and bustle of Vegas. They want kind of a quieter, more laid back place that also isn't aimed at high rollers. So that, that's basically what Laughlin is. And if you ever do stay in Laughlin, if you ever see the hotel rooms are expensive or even moderately expensive, go book another weekend because it's cheap there. And only once in a while does it get expensive when they're having some kind of event. So if you're seeing hotel rooms are like $200, then you're coming at the wrong time. And uh, he, he was also talking about Boulder City. Boulder City is another direction from Vegas. That's towards uh, Hoover Dam. And uh, they have a few casinos out in that direction. So, now, did you know that uh, Vegas is relatively close to Arizona? Like, uh, 25 miles away? Who are you asking? You. You're the only one left. (laughs) I didn't even know he dropped off. Sorry about that. Uh, No, I didn't know that. Yeah, and and, uh, Arizona actually has a different time zone from Nevada. Arizona has the same time zone during daylight savings time because they don't observe it, so it's the same as Vegas time. But when daylight savings time is not in effect, like right now, it's an hour later in Arizona. So right now, for example, in Arizona, it's one twenty a.m., and in Vegas, it is 12.20 a.m. So, uh, but yeah, it's, it, Vegas is actually pretty far east as far as the Pacific time zone is concerned. So... It it actually gets dark there fairly early in the in the winter. That probably does where you are too. What, what time is it getting dark these days? In, in uh, oh, early, like starting around six. Oh, it's a it, it's it's got to be earlier than six. I like hear it's 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 before five here. It's a, the sun the sun sets before five. Well, I mean, it depends on what you mean by dark. I mean, it's definitely dusk by then. Yeah, like it's but it's like pitch dark at like five fifteen. No, it's not not here. Okay, in Vegas it is. Wow. So, yeah, uh, it's because Vegas is almost in the next time zone over. And, and the reverse of this occurs in, in the summer. You have these, like, super early sunrises, which is actually kind of depressing sometimes. Like, you've been up all night, you just don't really want to see the sun rising. And, like, in Vegas, it's like, I I, I was driving on I-15, uh, not quite at Vegas, I was about uh, 40 miles from there, but... I could see the kind of first light at around 4.20 in the morning. Mm. You know, one of the weirdest experiences I had is I went to Iceland, and we were there when they had the midnight sun. Oh, yeah. <laughs> which was just, I mean, it was just weird. It was just really bizarre. Like, the, the sun wouldn't set. Everything just, it was like someone turned down the dimmer in the dining room. Yeah, I've heard about I've never seen that, but I've heard about it. The, I, I've actually never even been anywhere that the sun has been up at 11 p.m. I, I've uh, I've seen it where it's up at like ten forty five, and you see some still some light at eleven p.m. But I've I've never been anywhere where I've been places that the sun is up past eleven, but I've never been there at that time. 
Yeah, and it was just weird because, you know, things that normally happen at night, like, you know, drunk staggering home from a bar and all that kind of stuff was all happening during the day. <laughs> or not during the day, but, you know, in the light of day. And it just felt really out of place, you know? Well, uh, I'll tell you this uh, Desert Explorer guy who just called. I, you know, I've talked to him, and he told me that he was going to recently take a job. He ended up not taking it, but it was going to be in the very northern part of Alaska where they have months of just sunlight with never any darkness, and then in this winter, months of super cold and no light at all. Mm. That would be that would be tough to live in uh, to just be where it's constantly dark and it just never the sun never rises yeah. for, for months. I mean that would be very depressing. Yeah, yeah, that'd be brutal. You know, I I, I think what we should do is try an experiment and uh, bring Brian Hastings over there and see how he <laughs> fu- functions in that area. Oh, come on. <laughs> see if he uh, meets any girls over there and says, you know, I can't really see you. I'm, I'm depressed. I, I I I can't bring myself to leave the apartment. No, that's a real thing. I remember being over there, and everyone's like, uh, why the hell are you coming here? <laughs> yeah. It's like uh, for a lot of a lot of people in Iceland, they, they love where they live, but they're, you know, it's a small population and a very isolated island, you know? So wh- why were you over in that island, just to, just to see it? A buddy, buddy of mine was just like, hey, let's go to Iceland. I'm okay. like, all right, let's go to Iceland. Like, I, I do like seeing out-of-the-way places that are not necessarily meant for tourists. I think it's interesting just see things that just as they are and how people really live and what life is like and sometimes even to blend in with it and, and just be part of it for a few days. It I, was a great trip. Yeah, I, like I, I find that to be interesting. Like things that are, Whenever I go places and I see things that are aimed specifically at tourists, like, oh, I don't want to do this. I, I want to get away from it. I want to just get to where, to see what the, it's really like there, what real life yeah. is like. And, I mean, I remember a few things. They've, they've got a whole lot of volcanic activity there, so they've got a ton of hot springs. So it'll be, you know, super cold outside, but uh, they've got all these hot springs that you just kind of can jump into and hang out in. And, and that was really cool, and I, I didn't feel good about it, but I ate whale while I was there. Because <laughs> they're, they're able to, you know, legally get a certain number of whales, and god damn, that, that was actually really good. Had <laughs> a whale steak over there. Wow, I've I've never had that. Yeah, it was a pretty cool place. I think I've seen it on cartoons or something. Like where, uh, you know, Popeye uh, punches. He he eats spinach and he punches a giant whale and then it turns into a whale steak and he eats it. And I think I saw that, but <laughs> I, I think that's the closest I've come to eating a whale steak. I I used to watch Popeye all the time. As, as and well, the funny thing about it is that yeah, a lot of people ask me like, oh, you know, how was it and all that kind of stuff and the. Thing is, I mean, it, it feels like you're just eating a steak because remember they're mammals, so it's it's a red meat. It's oh, not yeah. like you're not eating fish. That's right. It's not a fish. That's true. Yeah, I mean, it may it may live in the water, but it's not. It's a red meat, so it was really oh. kind of so. interesting. Well, let's see what what what, we, what else do I have here. Okay, uh, the New Vegas NHL team has been giving it given a name. It's it's starting to look more and more real. Uh, it's called the Golden Knights, and it even has a, a logo that uh, it, people complain it looks very generic. It's like a, it's kind of like a a star with two swords in it, like making an X, and then a star is, is over. Like Ranu's team, right? 
Negreanu claims that he didn't actually invest in it. He was just supporting it. He said he was approached about investing in it, but he didn't do it. He's just a fan, is what he's saying. So I, there, there were some questions that, like, uh, is this he own part of it? But he's, he's insisting he doesn't. Hmm. But it's called the Golden Knights. Negreanu did say that he bought some expensive seats for himself and then bought 10 cheaper seats that he's giving away to underprivileged kids in the area. So if, you know, if that's true, which it probably is, that's very nice of him to do. And I'm not sure, though I'm not sure are kids in the ghetto really going to want to see hockey? Is that really a popular thing to see? Uh, for some reason, are you making some kind of off-color joke? No, I'm just saying I don't think it's popular in those areas. I like I, I think about the ghettos in L.A. that I knew of. I like I can't picture people getting hockey tickets being excited. Like basketball tickets, yes, maybe even baseball tickets, yes, but uh, hockey it just seems like a, it seems like uh, hockey. It's mainly white people are into it. So you're saying there are no Crips on ice? Probably not. But <laughs> yeah, I, I I mean I admire Negreanu for. Uh, for trying here, we'll we'll see. Maybe the kids will like it, but yeah, it's it's easier to like something when it's free. Well, they'll they'll like it just because they get to go do something. They feel special, you know. Yeah, I'm, I'm not criticizing. I think it's great he's doing that. But, so here, here's some texts I got from the five six three Doom Texas. He said, "Druff podcast God Doom." It's good to see he's still listening because I know he's a good friend of Brandon's now. So it's good to see he hasn't abandoned the show, even though Brandon's not here. Uh. You know, from the 410, Scott from the East Coast says a bad guy is running from the popo. From the 609, this is uh, someone from New Jersey. In Vegas, you have a huge number of homeless everywhere, and if you go around the stratosphere, you get shot. I, I wouldn't go that far, but the stratosphere is a bad neighborhood. And there's some weird shit about uh, people living in the tunnels underground yeah, there in are, Vegas. there are, yes. There's like drug addicts that live in the tunnels underground, but then when it when it rains hard, it can flood. They have to get out of there or they're going to die. <laughs> All the cockroaches come out. Yeah, and, and it's really weird. Like there's d- these documentaries on YouTube you can watch, and what's really the worst down there is that there's a constant like a few inches of water down there on the ground. So you're always like walking through a few inches of water, which you can imagine is very unpleasant. And then also your stuff is going to get soaked. So they have to have their stuff up on these, like they, they, they stack some crates and then put some tables on the crates. Otherwise everything gets soaked. So you're constantly walking through a few inches of water. Can you imagine like just living somewhere? There's like always a few inches of water on the ground. That doesn't yeah. sound fun. What, what were those tunnels originally for? There's their storm drains. So that's, that's the problem. That's all they yes, are? there's storm drains. That's the problem. Is it's like storm drains to run under the city and get the because it, it can get flooded in Vegas very easily. Vegas only gets about four to five inches of rain a year, right. but it tends to come in bunches. So they yeah, because the ground doesn't absorb it. Right? It's like those crazy flash floods in the desert. Yes, yes, it's big big time flash floods, and then it just rains very hard sometimes too when it comes there. So it comes down. So some of those guys in the tunnels are going to do some whitewater rafting when it really comes down. Yeah, but the people have died there from this, and so they always tell them that the guys in the tunnels, like, you've got to be very aware of the weather, and if it's raining, to get out. And they, they showed one couple who was uh, living there, like a male-female couple, that what they did for money is they would just walk around Vegas casinos and grab these tickets that had, like, a few cents on them that people hadn't cashed. Yeah, I remember. I think I must have seen a documentary on that or something. Yeah. I remember that. And uh, so, yeah, that's so anyway, he writes that. Uh, he said, uh, let's see. He, 
Tunic has the same thing also. Foxwoods people love to leave their kids alone when they're gambling. Just saying that all of AC is bad. I just feel like we always get shit on while the problems of these other places are overlooked. Uh, Uh, A lot of AC is pretty fucking bad. I don't get why every time AC is mentioned on your show, it's always with disdain. Every casino town has the same issues. But look, I I can tell you, AC is is much worse overall than Vegas. AC really... Has a lot of problems. It's it really the, most of the town is a ghetto, and people feel unsafe there. And Vegas, it has its bad areas. I, I know it does. And the stratosphere that you mentioned is one of them. But it's it's not uh, the percentage of, of of bad neighborhood in Vegas is much lower than in AC. And in fact, the Borgata, a lot of the appeal of the Borgata is it's on a hill that's kind of isolated away from all the trouble there and then they have yeah. guards and they, they like like uh it, it's isolated from all the trash that you see everywhere else in ac so that's part of the reason people like the borgata so much borgata is literally the only place in ac that i would go to yeah so uh well of course there's trash in all the different cities and bad people in all yeah, the different cities. and every city's got slums and every city's got dangerous places but it's a uh, it's a matter of how much, right? Yeah, and it, it is true. If you go to Vegas, like you especially should stay away from the area between the Stratosphere and downtown, except for just driving through it, because that that's a really bad neighborhood. There's some real like low end ghetto strip clubs in that area too. Where yeah, a buddy of mine who uh, lives there was telling me. I think uh, I think I was staying at um, I think it was the Gold Coast. Because I was uh, at the the World Series, and it was just after they had renovated their rooms, and it was actually quite nice. And he was telling me that, he's like, yeah, just uh, uh, if you want to go that way, that's fine, but don't go down that way. <laughs> you know yeah. where that area is? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Is that accurate? Yes, it is. Okay. But here's uh, with breaking poker news, if you can even call it that, from this from the 480. The Montreal Nationals, and no, that's not a sports team. This is a, a GPL team, a, the Global Poker League. Uh, news about this. <laughs> uh, they have won the GPL title over the Berlin Bears. So the Bad News Bears lose once again. Uh, did, did anyone even know that was going on? No. Like, I had no idea. I had no idea either. So <laughs> I get, this is probably, he and China Maniac are probably the only two who know. Uh, 100K... I don't know where it came from, probably from sucker investors, went to the winning team. They had to split it up. Uh, they had to play a full best-of-eleven match, and uh, the Montreal Nationals won 6-5. to five. And in the final match, Brian Rastu, I guess, had won every match of the entire playoffs, lost the final match. I guess he was kind of like the, the Barry Bonds of, uh, of the GPL. So... That, that what, what's the name of that German guy that uh, that was getting hustled? The one who's been oh Fedor. Yeah, Fedor Holtz. Yeah, <laughs> well, maybe that's where the hundred K came from. Came from Fedor. Yeah, he probably borrowed it from Fedor Holtz for another uh, cash exchange. Yeah, there'll be a post on two plus two. Yeah, in about in about five months, there'll be a post on two plus two saying Fedor saying, uh, "Yeah, the, the, the he I'm owed a hundred thousand dollars." Yeah, yeah, I, I believed him this time. I didn't think he would pull it twice, so I figured, yep. okay, uh, Alex Dreyfus has to—he has to be telling me the truth this time. He says, "I, I really need—I uh, I really need ninety thousand in euro, and I, for a hundred thousand cash." So I sent him my ninety thousand euro, and I never get my hundred thousand cash. Uh, Alex, please send hundred thousand as soon as you get a chance. <laughs> no, I'm serious. I, I had no idea that that. 
I didn't either. Thing yeah, I knew nothing. Going on. Yeah, it's it's, and that's the problem. Like nobody knows or cares. So, and I don't, you know, I I don't know everything, but I know a decent amount about the the poker industry too. You know, I mean, it's, okay. Yeah, it's just good, nobody cares. These these are kind of just artificial teams just thrown together. There's no. I I think it was actually Lyman of all people who I. I, I don't care for it very much, but he actually made a good suggestion where he said that uh, if they're going to make these teams, it should be something like uh, where they mean something like the, the Commerce All Stars against the Borgata All Stars against the, uh, the Bellagio All Stars. That would be interesting. That would say, I'd say, oh yeah, I know these guys from Bellagio. Oh, I, w- I wonder how they stack up against the good Commerce players. That would be interesting. Not just these- I would. I mean, but that would. The, here's the the downside to that. I mean, I, I I think that he's right that that would be more interesting than what they're doing now. But the downside to that is that's only interesting if you're really in the poker world. Yeah. No, know? I know. And, and, and what they're trying to do is grow it beyond that. But this, the, the artificial, you know, teams, that they're taking cues from uh, professional sports and and e-gaming and that type of stuff. But it just doesn't it doesn't work. Yeah, it doesn't, it doesn't translate work to poker. in this context. Yeah, it doesn't translate to poker. Uh, yeah, and, uh, so but it looks good on a white paper when you're trying to fleece some Macau <laughs> guys out of the investment money, I guess. Yeah, that worked. So, uh, a this is an interesting one. For ten years now, there's been this battle between Antigua and, and the U.S. regarding this World Trade Organization uh, ruling. Antigua had a, a fl- what, I, in my opinion, a flimsy claim that the U.S. has no right to ban people from playing gambling from gambling on their sites they're based in antigua because uh it's interfering with international trade with free trade and and that uh this is basically saying you can't use antiguan products and they were getting pissed wouldn't wouldn't that be kind of akin to saying that uh you know they people from the the u.s can't be banned from buying wives from china or something yeah or or or, you know they're Because it would be interfering with free yeah, trade. Yeah, or, or doing it's co- illegal. It's illegal. Or doing cocaine from Colombia. Yeah. So, so whatever. Yeah. yeah it's. it's it, it, I thought it was a very flimsy claim. If the U.S. wants to make laws against online gambling, whether I agree with them or not, uh, they have a right to. They can, the other countries can't say, "Oh, you're you're depriving us of revenue because you're making this illegal." It, it's. Right. It's not like even if the U.S. wanted to say you can only play our own regulated sites. Well, fine because the. the they have the control. They have the power. If an Antigua site cheats you, you're screwed. There's nothing you can do. So it makes sense why why a country would want either to ban online gaming or to regulate it and only allow regulated sites within their borders to do it. So Antigua, I, I felt, didn't really have a claim here, but somehow they won a World Trade Organization ruling yeah, that, was hilarious. that the U.S. was violating their, their free trade rights and that they owe Antigua money. So the U.S. said, yeah, well, you know what? Screw this ruling. We don't agree. So uh, we're just not going to pay. So they just haven't been paying. It's been dragging on like 10 years, and, and they have not been paying. Mm-hmm. And so the question was for a long time, what can Antigua do about it? Like Antigua can't say, okay, we're going we're gonna to have economic sanction, sanctions against the U.S. Then the U.S. will say back. <laughs> and what if Antigua said, well, we're going to use our military to attack the U.S.? I mean, there's really nothing they can do. They're, they're, uh, uh, they can they can abduct and kill white women, though. <laughs> so I think they have like 55,000 people in the country. It's like a tiny country. So they they realize they really only have p- 
power in one way, and they've they've threatened this before, but now they're claiming they're actually going to do it. And that is they claim they're going to start pirating U.S. intellectual property. That yeah, right. that they're going to start distributing U.S. movies, U.S. music, uh, U.S. software, wh- whatever people want, whatever they can do, they'll do it. And uh, they're going to say they're going to give a big middle finger to the U.S. They're going to say this is the way we're going to collect. So yeah, there's a big flaw in that plan, though. What, what do you feel the flaw is? Well, what I feel the flaw is is that they're an island in the middle of the ocean. They need some kind of an internet connection in order to be able to do that. And I don't, I can't think of any country that would actually host that. And the U.S. could just sever the <laughs> sever the lines to them. You know? Yeah. So uh, that could happen. You're right. And there's uh, so they were awarded twenty one million dollars. And that's what the U.S. hasn't been paying, which was a very small sum of money. Yeah, I was going to say, that's not much. That's a tiny sum of money for the U.S., but the U.S. just in principle saying, we're not doing it. We're, we just don't think this is fair, and we are not. We just don't want to. So, What's the point of the WTO if, they, if they're just going to ignore it, though? Yeah, <laughs> this, that's, the, that's the truth of a lot of these organizations between countries. Is that the, the Seriously. More powerful countries like, can why even Why even have it if when a ruling comes down you don't like, you just fucking ignore it? Yeah, and that's... And so what uh, what they're doing here is they, they're threatening to. So I said they're, they're threatening to just violate U.S. intellectual property rights uh, if this is not settled by the end of 2016, which means there's only a month left before this can be done. And then uh, we'll see if they actually do it. They've threatened this for a long time, but. Uh, it could happen. So anyway, in uh, in 2009, a company called Zooks, the Z-O-O-K-Z, I've never heard of it, but it opened online. It offered tens of thousands of music selections and movies and was going to add 300 movies and 10,000 songs each week. And uh, yeah, apparently you would just download directly from it. It wasn't a peer-to-peer sharing thing. It was just a place you could just download uh, this copyrighted material from. And uh, it was in Antigua. And it was operational for a few days in 2009, and then the U.S. pressured Antigua, you better take this, you better force this down. And uh, Antigua did finally take it down after a few days of at first refusing than they did. But uh, something uh, e- something like this could easily open again. That, uh, in fact, uh, this was so they could... Also, this Zooks was not owned by the government. So that's part of the reason the government took it down was because they wouldn't have made the money from this. It would have been some private uh, citizens there. So there's a concern that something very similar to this Zooks will open again, except this time it'll be a government site and they'll just use that to you know, make start making money and start to collect uh, what they were owed. Now, I guess the, this original twenty one million has uh, has gone up to two hundred fifty because it's twenty one million per year since this ruling. And it's not interest; it's just that it was, this was ruled, and the U.S. still hasn't changed their uh, hasn't changed their tune on this. They're still not; it's still not legal to gamble on these Antiguan sites. So every year, twenty-one million is racking up. So I guess they're still. I don't know where the hell they're going to host this stuff. 
Yeah, yeah, you would think so. You would think that the U.S. could uh, could put a stop to this if they needed to. There, you know, it, it seems like this is yeah, this isn't thought out very well. Well, because you know the the type of media that they're talking about trying to pirate it it takes up a huge amount of bandwidth. To yeah, be it able does. to try and do that. And the U.S. really could, you know, for a tiny island like Antigua, yeah, it really could interfere with their internet in general. If this, if they just to do this. It's not like it's not like there's a Russian porn, a Russian site doing this, and uh, for the U.S. to cut off all of Russians' uh, internet would be a, a, a very big deal over something like this. But this is uh, Antigua. The U.S. could do this, and, and just no one would blink. The U.S. would say, "Look, you're, you're not. If you're going to operate a site like this to steal our intellectual property, we're just going to shut you down." Well, realistically, I just think that the Antigua as a, comp- as a country doesn't have the bandwidth to host something like this, right? So they're going to have to host it in some other country that has the bandwidth to do it, and the U.S. will just, you know, strong-arm that company into shutting it down. Yeah, I, I don't know what – they may have the bandwidth because they, they do run a lot of sites out of there, so maybe they have more than you think. I'd, I'd be shocked if they had the, the bandwidth to actually sell, like, gigabytes and gigabytes of, of free movies. You know, I can't even... The, the rush for people to download that would be incredible. Yeah, I mean, there could be a bottleneck here. This could happen. I, I hadn't really thought of that before, but... Yeah, if, if there really was a huge rush of people going to download from there, they probably, probably couldn't handle it. So... Uh, so yeah, this, 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 it's not only this twenty-one million, but it's been adding up every year, including with interest, because the U.S. has not changed its position. But this is the problem with these things of like the World Trade Organization, even the U.S. the U.N. to a degree, is that uh, they really don't have that much power or any power, and, and the more powerful countries that are members can just say we're not going to follow this. You know, and I was actually—I don't want to go on too much of a tangent, but I was actually listening to. A program that was talking about this recently, and that one of the reasons why, like in the United Nations, there are a number of big powers that have veto power, and the reason they did that is to keep uh, you know countries like the U.S. and China and the Soviet Union in it, because uh, the League of Nations that predated it—that um, was the problem—is people just said, "Well, fuck this, I'm leaving, I'm not dealing with you." Yeah. Um, so that was kind of a way to just keep them in, but it does kind of make it like. You know what's the point of this thing existing if it has no teeth? Yeah, that's you know, and that's and that I, by extension, I've said that about uh, about laws before involving you know on the regulation of gambling sites. And I said, look, it's people were decrying the prosecution of of uh, illegal sites, or you know, like what happened with MyCon, or on a grander scale, what happened with Full Tilt and, and Poker Stars, but. The truth is, it's, it's either the laws exist and they got to be enforced, or the laws should be taken off the books. You can't just have if you have laws where they don't have teeth or they're never enforced, then they're useless, and all they do is is punish those that actually follow them. So, yep. so that's uh, if if the law is is lousy enough to where you you don't want to enforce it, then the correct thing to do is take it off the books, not to just not enforce it. And, and yeah, I remember I remember reading about that uh, back when it happened. I was like, holy shit. You know, Antigua, Antigua actually got a WTO ruling, and then <laughs> later on, it, I just kind of shrugged and I, I said, oh, "All right, I guess we just said fuck it. We're not going to do it." Yeah, that's what happens. <laughs> like, what, what are you guys going to do about it? So, so that's 
we'll see if this actually happens, if they make this attempt. They're, they're giving this deadline by the end of the year. A, uh, a former Poker Stars employee has been sentenced for a five-and-a-half-year-old matter. The Black Friday bust, where uh, Poker Stars was part of it. Remember, Poker Stars was operating illegally for four and a half years between the passage of the UIGEA in late 2006 and the April 2011 takedown of Poker Stars Full Tilt and Ultimate Bet. So the various people were uh, indicted in relation to this, including a guy named Paul Tate, who at the time worked for Poker Stars. He doesn't work there anymore, but he did at the time. Uh, they've already sentenced nine of the 11 defendants in the Black Friday indictments. Paul Tate did not get a very stiff sentence, though. He only got uh, time served, so he doesn't, he's not going to go back to prison. And a fine of $119,000. Uh, he did have uh, a relatively minor role in the whole thing, so he wasn't a, a major figure. Uh, but he was convicted. He was sentenced for a single count of operating an illegal gambling business. It did have a possible five-year prison term, but uh, he was able to get uh, just time served. Uh, this Paul Tate is now 42 years old, but he began working in 2006 in Poker Stars, and uh, then he was. Involved somewhat in the processing of online deposits and withdrawal transactions in 2008 because some other employee left. He took over their position. He was never a part, however, of the upper management. And uh, that allowed him to get off of this easier. His, uh, his name was connected to payment processing activity, but he was never in upper management, so they decided that they're not going to come after him that hard. And... As part of his plea deal, Tate acknowledged that his actions violated U.S. law. He said, my family and I have paid a heavy price for this conduct, he said to the judge. There's only two defendants left that have charges remaining, and uh, both of them right now cannot be touched. Isai Scheinberg, the founder of PokerStars, is one of them. He, uh, he's, he's refusing to come to the U.S. Or, or surrender himself, so he's still under indictment, but he's not doing any kind of plea deal, and he's not uh, coming to the U.S. There's been rumors that at some point he wants to put this behind him and just pay some kind of massive fine, which is really what the government's after, but he doesn't want to. He's just going to stay in Israel and uh, not do it. Uh, the other one, Absolute Poker CEO... And cheater, super user, Scott Tom. He is actually hiding in Antigua. Though it's pretty well known where he is, but uh, Antigua is not cooperating. Scott Tom participated uh, in all kinds of things. Not only was he uh, running pretty much all aspects of Absolute poker, but he also was one of the cheaters who was looking at people's whole cards, including mine. He played me heads up onto the Gray Cat account and stole money directly from me doing that. He he owned you. He he really did. And uh, <laughs> uh, the 
worse thing, though, than this was the hundreds of millions of dollars that they stole from corporate investors and also millions of dollars in poker balances that were stolen when Black Friday occurred. They pretty much just closed up and ran off. Didn't pay anybody. So uh, Scott Tom just decided it was done. So not only did he stiff a lot of corporate investors, but he also stiffed uh, players on AP at that point, some of whom kind of deserved it, the ones who stuck around and played there even after the scandal, and others that did not deserve it, just casual players who had no idea that they were on a site that had done this. So those are the two remaining who have not been uh, prosecuted yet because they cannot be reached. Isai Scheinberg and Scott Tom. So that's uh, nine of the eleven have been sentenced at this point. Uh, FanDuel and DraftKings are actually going to merge. This has been discussed. The two biggest daily fantasy sites have been running at a loss, and they've realized that the only way to stop that is to consolidate, and this way it will cut down on the expenses that otherwise they would be incurring. And they yeah, they could they don't have to duplicate a lot of things such as the market. Uh, that was an, an investor driven thing. But what is all all the companies that invested money in them said, Look, <laughs> you you guys are gonna have to start making us some money. You're gonna merge. Oh, is it see I didn't know that the investors were demanding that, but it makes sense. So, well, I don't know that for a fact, but from what I'm from what I know of the, the industry, I'm pretty sure that's what happened. Yeah, well that's a good chance of that. That's a good assumption uh the on november 18th the both companies made a statement that they're going to merge here's a statement uh, the operational efficiencies and cost savings that are expected to result from the merger will drive a greater focus on developing new products and features including more variety in contest format contest formats loyalty programs Enhanced social functionality and ancillary sports-oriented content and experiences all aimed at creating a more diverse, exciting, and appealing experience for fantasy sports players and all sports fans. The merger will also help the combined company accelerate its path to profitability. The combined company will be able to invest in strategic partnerships across the sports ecosystem. Media, advertising, and other partners will benefit from access to more products and customers as a result of DraftKings and FanDuel's diverse user base and league relationships, as well as increased investment in advertising. Together, the combined entity can accelerate the growth of fantasy sports category, drive broader and deeper fan engagement, and more efficiently reach these players. What a load of BS. This is, it's just basically we're cutting down expenses, is what they're trying to say. So, yeah, because otherwise they, they would just be spending each other into mutually assured destruction, yeah. basically. You know, from the <laughs> that, that is what's been happening. So, yeah, that's, yeah. Uh, that's why they had to stop this. Yep. Uh, They've still got to get regulatory approval of this merger. But uh, once they do so, they will have just about a monopoly on the industry with more than 90% of all daily fantasy sports being on that will soon be one site. Mm. And uh, what could happen, believe it or not, ESPN, someone at ESPN believes that this could actually 
cause more competition. You may ask, how could that be? If there's going to be a mammoth site, how, how can they possibly be beaten? And the theory here is that uh, both of these sites have had to spend a lot of money paying off lobbyists to try to fight and, and legal fees to get licensed and legalized in, in various states. And that once they can combine and save on these costs, that uh, this will bring regulated DFS to a lot more states, which will allow other sites to spring up and uh, and be able to compete with them. Once there's a le- legal and regulatory framework for them to do this, where right now in states where it's kind of murky, uh, it's just a lot harder for those smaller companies to just start up at this point. So uh, that's that's one theory that this could actually help. But I don't know. It's hard for me to believe that uh, people are going to go anywhere else but FanDuel DraftKings if that's the monster where everyone plays. It's kind of hard. When you go on these sites, you're looking for other people to play. It's not like going on there to play blackjack and you're playing against the house. Here you've got to find other people to play against. And why would you go anywhere else than the site where most people are? So... We'll see if any of the any of the other sites can really make inroads, but it will be happening, provided there is a regulatory approval to this. Let's see what else we got here. Okay, I'll talk a bit about uh, it's the end of our poker gambling topics. I want to talk a bit about the Donald Trump thing that's going on because there's a lot of people on both sides of the aisle who are upset at what is happening with Trump and his various cabinet appointments, and even ones he hasn't made yet where he's just uh, considering, such as uh, his sudden and sort of weird closeness with Mitt Romney, who is one of the strongest detractors of Donald Trump during the election process, at least on the Republican side. And... uh, there's he's being considered now for Secretary of State Mitt Romney, but but aside from that, there's there's a number of people who were appointed to Trump's cabinet who are not outsiders, and to some people represent the same big government that Trump ran against. So some people are saying that he is doing the opposite of what he promised already, and he hasn't even taken office yet. And they, uh, a lot of people are upset, including those that voted for him, and they were big Trump supporters. But uh, there's the answer on the other side here, the Trump supporters, that... Drain the swamp didn't necessarily mean appointing complete outsiders, but but people who just were not necessarily all career politicians. And that there have been a number of people appointed who were successful businessmen in some way, but uh, or business women. But yeah, but that it uh, draining the swamp does not necessarily mean just. Uh, appointing people with no experience at all. So that's that's been the claim somewhat on the other side. Now, I have to say, it, it's not a smart thing 
to appoint a cabinet of people who have no experience at all, and of people who are so far on the outside that they don't have enough experience for the job they're being given. And and uh, you end up with a, with a big mess because you, you really need people under you who are competent, especially when you're someone like Trump, who was not in politics before this and is going to have a very steep learning curve to even be president at all. And in fact, that's been one concern about him is that he doesn't have the experience, and he doesn't seem that intellectually curious. These are fair criticisms of Trump. So, uh, th- there's been some controversial appointments as well that are upsetting people. There's there's a lot of paranoia right now that Trump's election and, and, and some of his uh, appointments to the uh, the cabinet are indicative that we're going to be returning to uh, the days of of, uh, of racism and sexism and a lot of social progress that has been made in this country uh, are going to be reversed. So uh, Steve Bannon is one that's really attracting a lot of attention. Who's uh, the, uh, who's heavily involved at uh, Breitbart, which is a very right-wing uh, site. And uh, yeah, the founder of Breitbart, Andrew Breitbart, uh, died suddenly of like a heart attack a few years ago. Uh, but uh, Bannon was the CEO of the Trump campaign in August 2016. He was also an executive chair of Breitbart News. And uh, he's also been associated with what's known as the alt-right, even though he doesn't like that term. He did take a leave of absence from Breitbart to work on the Trump campaign. Uh, So some people are are very upset with uh, Bannon's uh, appointment. He was uh, appointed... uh, Chief strategist and senior senior counselor to Trump. So, um, something people need to take into consideration, though, is that uh, I've seen a lot of pieces judging Bannon on material that's on Breitbart, even some things written by uh, the uh, the controversial, the intentionally controversial personality milo and it has to be understood that just because things are printed on the site does not mean that bannon is is the one responsible for writing these things especially for things that are written on purpose to get a reaction out of people he's these are it's not like he wrote these things or or he necessarily believes these things that are being written and it's a stretch to say anything written on on your site means uh, you feel this way. If, if the site exists for a certain audience and is, is intended to get clicks from a certain audience, uh, that that's a commercial motivation in having these type of articles up there rather than uh, actual political beliefs. So I think there is a little... There's too much panic about Bannon's appointment... But uh, I do understand some of the concern, and 
I do understand that some people believe the people that uh, Trump is appointing are going to reverse a lot of things that they hold dear. Now, certain things I, I think are good to reverse, like like o- Obamacare. I, I think that there needs to be some sort of uh, allowance still made for those that could not get insurance before, and that that has to still stay in place in some way. But Obamacare needs to be either repealed or, or, or severely reformed because it's not working. And anyone who tells you that premiums didn't really go up very much or it, it, it's uh, there's no other way to do it other than premiums going up or uh, the the uh, the lack of doctors is exaggerated that there's that, that problem doesn't exist i can tell you as someone who uses obamacare I, I use it i do i don't have a subsidy but i use it it sucks and my individual health insurance has uh really gone downhill in the three years since obamacare was enacted so I'm, I'm one who's living it. I'm one who actually said, you know, we should give it a chance, even though I, I have criticisms of it. I, I prefer, prefer it works out because I'm using it. I'm not going to cheer because something that the other party came up with fails if it's affecting me. I didn't want it to fail. I wanted it to work, but I was skeptical of it. And, and indeed, it's, it's, it's been a failure. And if anyone who doesn't believe it's been a failure or have major flaws is not paying attention or is only trying to look at the side they want to see. So, I, I hope that... So, first of all, I understand Trump's appointments. You, I think the people who are hoping that he appoints people who are more on the outside than, than who is actually appointed are not being realistic. And you can... Trump could have appointed people that would have excited the drain the swamp, let's have all outsiders people, but those people would have not done a good job, especially collectively. So you, you can't... Someone like Trump, who's already an outsider, can't appoint only outsiders because no one's going to know what they're doing. So I'm not even holding that against Trump. Uh, I also am a little skeptical of those who are already judging how he's going to be or has been as a president when he's not taken office yet. Barack Obama is still the president right now. He will be the president for another month and a half. So until Trump actually takes office and governs, it, it, you can't criticize him too much you, as far as how he's done as president. I've, I've never seen a president criticized so much before he's taken office for, for what he's been doing. Like he's actually he's being criticized as if he's the president now, and he's not. He's not the president until January 20th, 2017. So we, we have to wait and see. I do hope the Republicans don't blow this, because if the Republicans do things that are not the will of the people, if they try to go too hard right, if they try to uh, pacify what's known as the alt-right, if they try to turn things too much in the other direction, there will be a rebellion. And it won't end well. So this is the Republicans' chance to show the average person, the type who voted for Trump in Michigan or Wisconsin or Ohio, this is time for them to show the average person, yeah, we can represent you. We can represent you better than the Democrats do. We can we care about you more than the Democrats do. We, we care about your concerns more than the Democrats do, and that's why you should vote for us in the future as well. But if these people get crapped on, or if the whole focus to what Trump does is to appease the very most conservative part of the party, 
we're not going to get anywhere. And it, it's just going to it's going to harm the country and it will harm the Republican Party perhaps irreparably. So I hope if we do some see some differences in this administration, it'll be differences that help everybody else out. And I, I just got the message from Cal Watt that he's leaving. <laughs> so, but I, I thank him. I didn't want to interrupt you, Drew. Oh, okay, okay, you're still here. So, okay, so thank you, Cal Watt, for uh, for joining us for almost the whole show. It was a lot better, a lot more than I expected. A lot. Uh, I expected you'd be here for two and a half hours, and you've uh, make make it a little more East Coast friendly, and I'll be with you to the end. <laughs> okay. Well, in the in the future, we're going to be starting early, a little earlier, the seven thirty. We'll get an hour earlier, so maybe we can uh, get an hour more out of you. But I'm I'm happy with what we got tonight out of you. We got uh, a good four and a half hours, and uh, thank you for being here. I'll, I'll finish this off myself. I'll tell I'll tell you, I'm getting kind of tired myself right now. I'm, I wonder if Sisop's going to call me low energy again. He might. We need we need Trederuski to call up now. We do. I, I don't know why I've been getting tired <laughs> at the end of these shows. I used to just like just blaze through them at five in the morning. I'm just like. Raring to go, but here I am starting to feel... You're getting old. Bro. Yeah, I'm starting to feel some of the tiredness. Yeah, some of this is, it's just, you know, I just traveled and I I don't know. It's, I think it took a little out of me. Some of this, you're just getting old, man. It's like uh, that Louis C.K.'s uh, skit. You get old, he, go, he goes into the doctor, he says, uh, doctor, you know, my leg hurts. And doctor's just like, yeah, when you get old, stuff just breaks. By the way, I found out who, <laughs> I found out who Kit Kat is. Oh, okay. I got a message that Kit Kat is Ball Hawk Net's wife. She doesn't play poker, so she just was kind of <laughs> slamming keys to, to do what she thinks is probably she, right. I, I shoved on a nine king-queen board and got snapped off by pocket eights. Yes, uh, the, the, he, he mentioned this in the, in the text. Oh, he did? Yeah, he said she snapped <laughs> off. She... she uh, <laughs> She stacked off with a pocket eights on a King Jack 10 board against a flop straight by you. Yeah. Well, I feel bad. I, I You know, I feel bad taking those fake play chips from her. But By the way, Sisop, uh, he appreciated the message he's listening, the mention. He's listening right now. He laughed at the low energy comment, and uh, he said he is listening on the call to listen line. Now, that'll give me energy to know people are using that. That's uh, That's an exciting thing to me. All right, man. I'm out. I'm going to listen. Thanks for having me. All right. Good night. Thank you. Thank you, Calwatt. Later. So I'm back by myself. But it, we're almost done. It's fine. Uh, you know what I think about sometimes, speaking of the call to listen line, I think, isn't this weird that like there's three phone numbers that are taken up just for this radio show? Because we have the main number. We have the Mount Charleston line. And we have the call to listen line. These are three phone numbers which do nothing else but serve this radio show. And and for someone like like back when I was growing up, even back as you know, recently as the nineties, like phone numbers were a big deal. You know, to hog up a phone number for something for one purpose that that was already a big deal. I'm hogging up three phone numbers just for this show, and I'm proud of it. I'm proud that three phone numbers are dedicated to this show. And I have a lot more than three lines, though. I, mean, I have a lot of lines. Like That's that's why the call to listen line is never busy. You call that thing, you just get right through. Let's see, I just got a text. Let's see, let's see what the text said. Uh, Scott from the East Coast says, you want to talk baseball? We will in a second. I'm just going to finish off with Trump, and then we're going to talk about baseball. There's some pretty big news about baseball. And then we'll be done with the show. 
So anyway, I I think I, I'm not really against Trump's appointments here. I, I'm not thrilled with all of them, but but I think that uh, he did have to appoint some people that had some experience. And as was pointed out, a lot of the people he appointed were not politicians. But you can't appoint no politicians. Or you can, but it's not a, the right thing to do. And as far as the credentials of those he appointed and what their views are or were, we're going to have to wait and see how all this goes. There's no point in wringing your hands over who he's been appointing because it's been done and you now have to wait to see how he governs and how these people below him assist him in governing. And if he does a piss-poor job or if he's too much to the right or he ignores the needs of a lot of those who voted for him, then he will be very deserving of criticism. But we need to wait. We, I think there's way too much criticism for a president that is still a month and a half away from taking office. I've never seen it to this extent. Sure, the Republicans criticized Barack Obama plenty. Of course they did. Sure, the Democrats criticized George W. Bush. But I've never seen this much criticism, this much focus upon someone before they've even taken office. Like the way they're talking about Trump in the media, it sounds like he's the president already. You forget that Barack Obama is even the president. I also want to say that if you are anti-Trump and you were very upset that he won, that's fine. But I hope you're not unfriending people on Facebook or refusing to see relatives or friends. Or I hope you haven't lost friendships over this because I haven't, but I, I know a lot of people who've actually lost friendships and in fact gotten alienated from relatives because they hated Trump so much and these friends or relatives voted for Trump. Now, it's happened somewhat the other way, but not that much. It's, it's happened much more on the side of liberals who are very angry at relatives or friends who voted for Trump. I haven't seen that many cases of Republicans or Trump supporters who have abandoned friends or family because they voted for Hillary. I'm not saying it didn't happen at all. I'm saying it's just much less common. And a lot of this is because a lot of the, the left got so emotional about Trump and, and uh, everything he'd been saying on the campaign trail, they were convinced that not only was Trump a hopeless bigot, but that anyone who would vote for him is also automatically a hopeless bigot. Which is a huge leap to make. You, you can't make bad judgments about someone based upon who they vote for. You can feel like they're making a mistake voting for someone who you don't like or they aren't using good judgment. Or you can even say they're stupid. But you, you shouldn't stop associating with them and you shouldn't make judgments about their character. Because the truth is that people often choose a candidate based upon small things that happen to speak to them. I, I may have told this story before, but I'm going to tell it again because it's relevant here. In the year 2000, 
when Bush was running against Gore, my my boss, actually the the main owner of the company, I worked for a small company. Uh, he used to like to come into my office and talk politics with me. And he was not a Republican. He was not a Democrat. He was right in the middle. I don't know what he was even registered as. He never even told me. But it was so clear he was super middle of the road. And he knew I was conservative. But uh, but he would come in and tell me his honest feelings about things. And he knew I followed a lot of this. So he uh, And a lot of people in the office didn't. So he felt like he couldn't really talk about it with anyone except me. So at the end of the day, he'd come into my office and talk to me about this stuff. And he was telling me during the campaign season in 2000, he couldn't decide who to vote for between Bush or Gore. And he was actually watching one of the debates that made him decide. And he ended up deciding for Bush. What was it that made him decide for Bush? It was the fact that Al Gore was stressing very hard how they're going to, that he's going to make sure people who make more than 250000 a year get taxed more. And this angered my boss, who, who made more than 250000 a year. Which, honestly, he deserved. He worked very, very hard. And that was, that was the problem. Is that he knew he was a workaholic. He knew that he was getting less time with his family. Because he was waking up so early, spending all the way till 7 or 8 at night, going home, not seeing that much of them. And what he said to himself as he was working so hard was, okay... I'm giving this up some of the time I have with my family that I'd like to otherwise have and they'd like to have with me, but at least I'm making a lot of money doing this and they're having nice things and uh, you know they get that benefit of it. And he was so mad that after all the effort he put into building this company and how, much, how many hours he worked every day to get where he was and to make the money he was making that a politician wanted to take that away from him. A politician was, was making him feel like a jerk for making more than 250000 a year and wanted to tax him even more. He felt like he was already paying such high taxes and how can you tax me even more? It's crazy, he was saying. He wasn't greedy. He just felt like I'm putting in such hard work. I'm really earning this money. It's not just falling in my lap. You're already taking so much from me. Don't take more. Stop doing this. Just because I make a lot of money because I work really hard and and was very innovative and, and, and founded this company. You know, don't do this to me. Don't don't treat me like like a pariah that you should just take from. Like I've done something wrong by being successful. So he felt like Al Gore was going to punish him for his success, and he said, "I've decided to vote for Bush for that reason." Just just that comment in the debate. I mean, it was a big factor. It was something that you know, taxes, of course, are, are are a big factor that people vote based upon, but. That was the moment. And a lot of voters have this moment. And you have to understand that friends of yours who voted for Trump, even if you despise Trump, you can't hate them because they probably had that moment where Trump spoke to them and something resonated with them in relation to Trump that Hillary failed to do. It may have been something Trump did that they liked. It may have been something that Hillary did that they didn't like. Maybe it was both. Maybe they actually disliked both, but decided they disliked Trump less. Whatever it was, you can't hate someone for who they vote for. And and there's people I like very much that vote the opposite of me every time. Even 
laughed about how we might as well just stay home and not vote because we're, our votes are so opposite we cancel each other out, which we do. But I, I never hate or resent these people because I know they have a right to have their own political opinion and I'm not going to judge them. The way I'm going to judge them is how they are in their interactions with me, how much I can trust them, how they treat me, and, and how I observe them treating other people in their lives. That, that's how I judge them. I don't judge them based upon who they're voting for. And I'll tell you, I, I know people who vote like me that I think are pieces of crap that I wouldn't trust, that I don't like. I know people who vote very much against me that I personally like very much. And then, of course, I, I know people that vote similar to me that I do like very much, and people on the other side who vote against me that I, I don't like at all. It just doesn't define people. Now, sometimes it can define who you're more likely to be compatible with, friendship-wise and even sometimes relationship-wise. Like, I, I've i always said that like I can be friends with, with people who are left-wing, but I, I don't know if I, I could have ever dated someone who was like a very left-wing liberal. I think there would be too many value differences we have, too many opinion differences, that it would be hard to get past. It, it would kind of creep into our lives. Not about who we're going to vote for, but just our, our view upon life uh, would be so different that we wouldn't be compatible. With friends, it's a little bit different. You're not seeing them as much. It's not. It's not as emotionally charged. It's different. But uh, at the same time, I, I don't need. I would. I have never needed to date someone who is exactly the same or even similar to me politically. There can be. You know, as long as someone's kind of in the middle, I was fine. I, I didn't need a conservative to date. It, it could be someone who's in the middle or who's just apolitical, doesn't care about politics. That's fine, too. But whatever, just don't don't hold it against people who they vote for. And if you're one of those people who've unfriended people on Facebook just because of who they voted for or pushed away friends or family for that, don't. Just don't. It, it doesn't make any sense. You judge the people who, based on their actions you've watched, not their votes. Don't fall into the, the trap, especially the trap that the left is setting, that if you voted for Trump, it means you're a bad person. It means you're a racist. It means you're a bigot. No, it doesn't. It doesn't. Even if the person voted for Trump for a dumb reason or the wrong reason, it doesn't make them bad. And I'll tell you, I, yeah, I really hated Hillary, but I, I don't hold anything against anyone who voted for Hillary. Especially because Trump had a lot of his own flaws, and I can understand voting against him. Uh, Saw24, he's in the chat. He says... uh, the Treasury pick is awful. Drain the swamp my ass, LOL. I say this as a Trump supporter. Uh, and he talks about uh, Treasury picks involvement in Goldman, Goldman Sachs. And yeah, you know, I, I understand the skepticism there. It really makes sense. 
But you still have to wait and see what happens. It, it is a little tough to criticize at this point. As, as easy as, as you might think it is to criticize, it's, it's not that fair to criticize at this point before you've actually seen Trump govern. And, the, you know, look, there's no point right now because he hasn't governed yet and he's going to govern. It's not like there's still a point that you cannot elect him. He's been elected. It's just a matter of time now. Okay, we're going to go to the final topic, which is baseball. And Scott, East Coast, if you want to call in here and join me for it, you're welcome to. If you don't like baseball, you can hang up safely. Or, no, not hang up, but turn off the show safely. And it will be done for you, because that really will be the last topic we talk about. And I can guarantee you that because I'm getting tired. But I want to get this baseball portion out. And this just happened. So even though the show hasn't been on in two weeks, this is new information. Starting from yesterday. Oh, hold on. What is this? Calwater, you're coming, coming back on? Todd, can you hear me? Yeah. Scott from the East Coast. Oh, that's weird. It showed Cal what was the one on here. Nah, I'm, I'm not as cool as that guy. Why is it? This is so odd. It's, it's, it, shows a, it shows a one with Cal what? All right, well, whatever. Yeah, I'll, I'll, has its issues. I'll, I'll, just, I'll just go with it. I'll just pretend you're Cal what. Okay, so uh, so anyway, we'll, uh, we'll talk this out here. So... Uh, the Major League Baseball owners and players were – it was down to the wire, but they, they had to sign a new collective bargaining agreement. And usually this is pretty boring stuff where they're just agreeing with uh, financial details. Uh, a lot of times this doesn't really affect the game very much, at least not the play of the game. Usually it's, uh, as I said, just more about the compensation of players, how much the owners are keeping, how much the players are keeping, uh, what the luxury tax – and. Not all that interesting. This is the most interesting collective bargaining agreement I've seen because it, it results in a lot of changes to the game, some of which I felt were much needed. So the main changes of uh, that most of these will start in the 2017 season, which is just in a few months. But the most the, the main changes include uh, a higher and, and continuously escalating luxury tax threshold but a, a stiffer penalty for exceeding it, up to 90%. Uh, now, that's the type of stuff I'd more expect to be part of the collective bargaining agreement, but here's here's some stuff that is... Uh, and, and there's another thing that also would be more expected, but is interesting. Uh, before, the, there's something called a qualifying offer, and let me explain how this works. If a t- player is a free agent and could sign anywhere... Uh, if he chooses to go to a different team than where he currently is, the team that he left gets one of the first-round draft picks of the team he goes to, kind of to compensate the, the team that lost him, that they get a, a good young player instead. Uh, however, to, to be eligible for that, the team that lost him has to first make what's known as a qualifying offer, and that's usually like one year around $60 million. It goes up every year, but that's around what it is right now. So, so you have to make that offer to the player first. The player has to reject it, and if the player rejects it, 
uh, and chooses to be a free agent and goes elsewhere, then whoever signs him owes that team that had him before a draft pick. So uh, they're changing this. They decided this isn't as fair. Isn't that fair? So a team that signs a free agent with a qualifying offer that got rejected uh, signs a free agent. They will no longer have to give up that first round draft pick to the team he left. Uh, however, certain teams that are above the luxury tax, tax threshold, the ones that are you know, have a higher enough salary to where they're paying a luxury tax, uh, they will still have to pay, or they'll still have to uh, give up a, a draft pick at that point. Uh, so that's uh, that's something that's changed. Uh oh. What is this? What is it? Hold on a second. Going back to no one's going. Trying to bring up ESPN. I get a stupid ad. Okay, sorry about that. <laughs> You know what team this really hurts with the uh, qualifying offer this upcoming season, right? Uh, no, I haven't thought about it. Which one? Kansas City Royals. Have you looked at who they could have made offers to? No. Between Wade Davis, Mustakas, uh, Hosmer, I believe, is going to be available. Lorenzo Kane. All those guys are going to sign with another team. There's no chance that that the Royals can afford any one of them. Oh, I see. So, so they're not going to get the draft picks that they otherwise would have. I mean, unless they, unless Wade Davis goes to the Yankees, I mean, who knows? Chapman's probably going back there. Davis isn't going to sign with the Yankees if Chapman goes there. Or the Dodgers going to go with Al Jansen this year. That would be the only chance. Yeah, so, so the new rule... And the Dodgers are cutting payroll. Yeah, well, I'll get to that in a second. But yeah, the, so the, the, uh, the teams that are... The way it goes now is no one loses a first-round draft pick, but the teams that are above the the luxury tax will lose a second-round and a fifth-round draft pick, and all other teams would forfeit a third-round draft pick. So the, the the point of this is so the first-round draft picks, the very best draft picks, are not lost just because a free agent goes elsewhere, which which makes sense. I thought that was, that was too harsh of a penalty if if a free agent just chooses to go elsewhere. So... Uh, Let's go to uh, – and, and a lot of times what teams would do is they'd make a qualifying offer that they know the player's not going to accept. Like they have a player who's just not fitting in very well or that they know is going to demand more money than they want to pay him. So they just give him the qualifying offer of one year, $16 million, which sounds like a lot, but if the player thinks he's going to get five years, $80 million, he's never going to accept one year, sixteen. So they know he's going to reject it. And then uh, of this, course, like Jose Batista. Yeah, so, so, they, so they know that they make an offer. It's going to get auto-rejected because there's no way that player would take it based upon what he's worth. And, and then they get the automatic first-round draft pick of whoever signs him. So that's, that's, that's what this is attempting to fight against, which I think, is a, I think that's a good change. Uh, now, there is some talk before about international players, that is, you know, players from other countries that didn't go through the normal draft system that they should be part of the amateur draft. They should be drafted just like uh, all other players, and this will prevent teams from, uh, the richer teams from just hoarding them. And there is some pressure to do that, but it's not going to happen. Instead, there's going to be new rules regarding how much money that a team can spend on uh, international players. And it, there's going to be a, uh, a hard cap that uh, it said at at five million, uh, and I think it's going to go up. But it's uh, 
basically you, you can't spend more than five million to sign foreign-born amateur players. Now, I think foreign-born players that are not amateurs, they can uh, still that that doesn't apply to this. But but the amateur players that they see that are in foreign countries, instead of just hoarding them and giving them big bonuses, so they they sign with this team. Uh, now, the most you can spend. Uh, Total is five million, which means you can't uh, you can't give all these lucrative bonuses up to hoard all the good young players in, in, in other countries that haven't signed yet. So I, I think that's fair as well. Uh, the the regular season's getting longer, but not the, the way you might think. No, they're not going beyond one hundred sixty two games, but they are going to add four days to the season. The regular season in 2017 will remain at 183 days, which it was last year. But in 2018, it will be 187 days. What does this mean? That means there's four more off days during the regular season. And they're also probably going to have more day games when teams are going to have a long flight after the game. There's been a problem with uh, players getting to their next destination very tired and it affecting the game. Uh, the minimum salary is going up, but that's yeah, that's to be expected. I won't really discuss that. There's going to be increased drug testing, and uh, players will not be credited with Major League Baseball service time if they're suspend- suspended for uh, for violating the drug policy. So, service time is very important as far as becoming a free agent. Uh, it's it's like the clock stops if you're suspended for violating the drug use policy. Uh, they're also going to be changing the domestic violence policy, but they have not come forward with uh, what those details are, but I'm sure it's going to be more harsh if you are suspected strongly or convicted of, of domestic violence charges. Uh, here's a very big one. They are doing away with that stupid all-star game determining the home field advantage and I think it's because of the Cubs this year, even though the Cubs ended up winning despite that. The Cubs had a much better regular season record than the Cleveland Indians, but yet Cleveland had the home field advantage. So I, I think. Well, I know you would love that. But you know what's funny why that rule came into effect? What? Did you notice the year that it went in, Fox decided to buy the All Star game rights, and Seelig gave them what they wanted, and they said this would be a great thing to do, and Seelig gave into it. Yeah, yeah, I remember that. Well, it was after that whole disaster with the tie game. Yeah. That was that was part of it. Yeah, definitely. But but that wasn't even a baseball decision. That was a network decision. Yeah, it was a terrible decision, though. Like the the, the biggest problem is that the All Star Game. It's really an exhibition game where no one cares about the results that much. To the point to where if there's a popular retiring player like Jer- Derek Jeter, for example. Uh, pitchers will groove pitches to these popular retiring players so they can hit, you know, get a double, a home run, or whatever on their last at bat. So, uh, oh, of course, it's great for the fans to watch this, to watch a beloved player like Derek Jeter uh, get a strong hit in his final at bat in the All Star game. But, it, but as far as competing to win, that's terrible. It's like throwing the game in a way. So, the, the game shouldn't have any meaning. And furthermore, many players in the All Star game are not even on contending teams. So they especially don't care about the results. And So you should not have players on other teams determining whether your team's going to have the home field advantage. So 
Uh, it should be the team with the best record, and now that's what it is. Uh, now, here's another thing that's changed that I think is a good change. The disabled list, which was formerly 15-day minimum, except for concussion disabled list, which was seven days, but that was only for concussion symptoms. Everyone else was a 15-day disabled list. What that means is that if a player's injured, you're allowed to replace him on the roster only if you put him on the disabled list for 15 days, meaning he just cannot play for 15 days minimum. So the problem is you'd have these players that would get moderately injured, and it looks like their injury is going to last maybe five days, seven days, and teams were very reluctant to put that player on the disabled list if it was a major player on the team because they didn't want to have him out 15 days if they thought they probably wouldn't need that long. So they would just leave him sitting on the bench where he can't play for five to seven days just to avoid a 15-day disabled list stint. So it was very inflexible, this 15-day disabled list, and it caused teams to just play shorthanded with one player that was uh, unable to go out just because they didn't want to put him out of action for 15 days. They've reduced the 15-day disabled list to a 10-day disabled list, which makes it much more flexible. This way, if there's a an injury that looks like it's going to take a week to heal, then they probably will put the player on it because 10 days is a lot less than 15. So I, I think that's a good decision. The reason there's a disabled list at all of, of any length is, is to prevent abuse where, like, for example, a pitcher. A pitcher only go, pitches every five days. If there was only like a three-day disabled list, teams could manipulate it to take a pitcher that's not going to pitch for the next five days anyway because he just went, put him on a disabled list, and then you know three or four days, and then take him right back off when he's pitching again. So that that's why they have the disabled list for a length of time so they can't pull that trick. But fifteen was excessive. Do, do you agree that uh, fifteen to ten is a good decision? I mean, it's a great decision for the way the game's currently going. As the times change, you got to change with the with the way people need to see things. So ten is much ten's much better. Yeah. So th- those were uh, th- those were some changes, and uh, let's see what else they they did here. Those were most of the major ones. Uh, there also some rules I haven't seen. Uh, I guess there's not details released on this yet, but they're they're trying to do something to discourage tanking. Tanking is where you just intentionally lose in order to have a better chance at acquiring good draft picks the next year. And they, they don't like that, especially because baseball has been having a shift recently where there's more of a focus on youth. And, and some of this is because of the Cubs' success. And it, it's seen that it's it's more cost effective and effective as far as winning to develop strong you know, develop very good young players and bring them up and then you have them cheap for several years then sign free agents for a lot of money who are going to have a you know a few good years out of them and then on the back end of their contract they're going to be terrible and you're going to be overpaying them by a, by a wide margin so there's there's a big youth movement in baseball where, where there's a lot more uh emphasis on, on young players who will make an impact pretty soon and you're going to get cheap for several years. So they're afraid that teams that think that they're not going to comp- they're not going to contend are just going to tank and get the maximum number of draft picks possible and uh, and they don't want this. So th- there's there's some terms now to discourage tanking, I don't know what they are. So 
what if this agreement had not come into place? What if they hadn't made this collective bargaining agreement? Well, we could have had a another strike or work stoppage. There were eight of them between. Well, it would have been a would have been a lockout. Yeah, it would have been a lockout in this case by the owners, but. Uh, Either way, it's the same thing for the fans. So there were eight such work stoppages in baseball from 1972 to 1995. Uh, the last one was a seven-and-a-half-month strike from 1994 to 1995. The World Series did not exist in 94, which is horrible. And, and part of the 95 season was missed. It was not a full 162-game season. Uh, and uh, in 2002... Uh, there was about to be a strike, but uh, three and a half hours before the first game that would have been affected by a strike, the terms were reached. So this prevents uh, this prevents a, a, any kind of lockout here, and uh, the season will proceed normally. So these these are interesting things that have changed, and uh, we'll, we'll see how much of a difference these things make. I'm very happy the All-Star game is no longer affecting the World Series. I'm happy that the disabled list is is less. And, and as a fantasy baseball player, it's going to affect me too. It's, uh, I used to have this annoying decision, as I'm sure all other fantasy baseball players had, where you have someone on the disabled list, and then you go, like, you see like he's going to come back kind of in the middle. Like You never know whether, whether to bench him. Uh, the first week of it you would, but then the second week of it you would never know whether you'd bench him or not. Like, what if he's just coming back for Saturday and Sunday? Is it worth it? But this has become less of an issue as it's only 10 days. And as far as the Dodgers are concerned, there's these rumors that they were told by Major League Baseball that they have to cut payroll because they're not profitable. The Dodgers are denying they were told this, but the truth is the Dodgers have been going in that direction anyway. They've they've really been kind of cheap ever since the new ownership took hold. And it doesn't seem like they are, but the most of their contracts are old contracts that they're just waiting to expire. And they're paying guys like Carl Crawford and Andre Ethier is making a lot of money and uh Adrian Gonzalez. Adrian Gonzalez making a lot of guys that they picked up from the Red Sox. And then there's there's even other ones that they uh, the new regime brought in, like they brought in Scott Casimir and and Brandon McCarthy. So they're waiting for all these contracts to fall off because these players aren't producing much. And once these contracts fall off, they're going to have a lot of extra money to spend. So the Dodgers' success last year, or at least the success they managed to have, you know, th- this was not thanks to all the money they were spending. This was thanks to. Uh, a lot in part to the young players that aren't even making that much. So like Corey Seager, who was the best hitter on the team, he he was a rookie. He wasn't making very much at all. And uh, Justin Turner, he's going to make a whole lot next year, but uh, this year he, he, he was not making that much either. He was he was another very good hitter on the team. And Kenley Jansen, again, he was not making huge money because he wasn't yet a free agent. So the Dodgers were... A lot of their success came from players who weren't making that much money. And a lot of the ones that were making a lot of money uh, weren't producing. So the funny thing is it was an expensive team, but in a way it was kind of an underdog team because most of the money was being wasted that was being spent. So once they shed this money, are they going to waste it or are they going to spend it wisely? I don't know. But 
they do seem headed in the direction of, of not just freely spending. So. Uh, I don't know, I'm, I'm about done here. Uh, Scott, anything, you still playing online poker in the background there? No, I had to take a break from the poker room. It got uh, kind of rowdy in there for four in the morning. I thought you were playing online poker. I was. I was actually sitting in the poker room playing. Oh, okay. Easiest to get the Wi-Fi there, so. All right. Well, are, are you listening to a decent hotel there in Atlantic City? Yes. Okay, well, that's good. That's there's good. only there's only one good hotel here. Yeah, I, I know which one you're talking about. <laughs> and the Borgata is in Atlantic City. I don't know. I heard you say something before. It's up on a hill. It's actually at the marina with uh, Golden Nugget and Harris. Two wholly failed casinos. Isn't it? It's up on a hill, though, isn't it? I don't know if I'd say it's on a hill. It's at the marina. It was. Uh, you know the history of the Borgata, right? No, not really. I just know it's there, and it's kind of away from the other ones. Uh, Brandon's told you before. Basically, it was built the whole the whole section where it's at was built um, because of Steve Wynn. I wouldn't say it's a hill. It's, it's on a it's on a dump. To be honest, I think it's on an old on an old. Um, Landfill. I, I just remember it being a hill, not, not a steep, big hill, but a, like a moderate hill that is kind of, it kind of seemed more like an island away from everything else. And uh, it's not a, this clump that's right on the boardwalk that's that's got a lot of shady people hanging out there. Yeah, well, there are definitely a lot of shady people at Caesars and Bally's today. Yeah, they I mean, definitely being are. Being an employee of this company, it is, uh, it is embarrassing to see what's happened to Bally's here. What's wrong with Bally's? Is a, a bad element there? Half the space is wasted. I mean, it's come back in 20 years, and the people that are here today will either be dead because they just got too old and had to die, or <laughs> they die, or they die for other reasons. I mean, not because of age. If you get what I'm saying. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's like it's it's like going to the D in in uh, Vegas. Yeah. Well, okay. I am finished. But thank you, Scott, for your contributions tonight. Thank you, Calwatt, for coming on here through after 4 a.m. your time to finish up the show. Or just, no, not finish. I finished up the show, but for doing most of the show. And maybe we'll have Brandon back sometime before the end of the year. I hope so. But the show will go on either way. This show is not going anywhere. It's not dying. It's not shutting down. We're continuing and forging ahead and always doing the same thing we have before. So we should be back in six days on December 7th, 2016 at around 7.30 p.m. with a free roll once again. And I apologize for the recent erratic schedule we've had. But you can always catch this show in the archives. You can find us on iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn. These are all apps, by the way. Google Play. You can download the MP3s directly from the server. There's many ways to listen to the show. And remember, the call to listen line, even when we're not live, you can hear old shows that are streaming on there as if they're live. 
It's weird for me to call the call to listen line and hear my own voice speaking back to me. It kind of sounds like I'm listening to a live conversation. I go, wait a minute, that's me. That's me talking to me. It's, it's really odd. You can also listen to the live stream. Just go to the radio page on Poker Fraud Alert. You don't have to use the call to listen line. But I, I encourage it. Well, I'm about out of things to say, and I'm kind of tired. So I think it's time for me to go to sleep and dream about the next things I'll be doing on this show six days from now. I missed you all. I'm happy you got to come back, and I'll see you next week. Good night, and shalom. Shalom.